January the 21st, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said podcast. I can get facts correct. I can remember lots of things. But in the last three weeks, I have had to stop and restart this show 57 times because I've said 2021 again. I just can't can't turn the calendar to 2022. We're going to get you all set up for a fun weekend in sports as we have a lot to digest on this episode. We're going to talk NFL and it is a huge weekend. Down to eight teams left in the NFL playoffs, so we are going to really, really break it all down for you. First up, Scott Shapiro joins. We discuss the the games. Then Eric is aboard for our deep dive. All in all, in total, there's over two hours of uh, NFL content and discussion on this episode. Then we get into horse racing. We're going to tell you about how you can uh, access some free DRF Formulator. Stable Duel has some X Games contest this weekend. They are free to enter if you're a fan of the X Games. You can jump in and play some Stable Duel and win cash prizes for nothing. We're going to get into Friday racing from Santa Anita and Sam Houston. Saturday, big day at Fairgrounds. We'll talk Santa Anita for Saturday, Sam Houston for Saturday. little Santa Anita pick them also. And then wrestling with Chad Cooper, SmackDown, Raw, NXT, AEW and we are on the road to the Royal Rumble just about a week out and the road to Wrestlemania a few months after that on this episode that's what G said that is presented by better than dot Vegas at BTV bets on Twitter give them a follow as it's the place that is going to help you become a better better tons of free content there from handicappers and gamblers all around the world just sharing their insights their uh, angles, their strategies for all the games, the matches, the player props, the totals that they are going to be playing, the overs, the unders, BTV bets, giving away prizes, giving away money with the uh, the public prop. Check out everything going on at Better Than Dot Vegas with the Royal Rumble coming up. Ways that you can qualify to get an entrance number in the in the Rumble, and if your winner comes in at that number, you'll take the cash prize home. We're always just trying to have fun contests over there and to give you some money, put a few bucks back in your pocket. Everything's free over at BTV. Let's get into our first NFL discussion of this episode. It's going to be Scott Shapiro joining us. I talked with Scott early Thursday morning, so we bounce all around and uh, share some of our thoughts. Scott tells you some of the plays that he's going to have and everything that's going on with him in uh, a first look at the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Okay, it's time for NFL Divisional Round. A big thank you to our good friend Scott Shapiro, who's helping us out here. We uh, had a little technical difficulty, so we, we had a take two on the recording. But Scott was very happy and uh, and willing with his time. Chappy, I think you were maybe the first guest we ever had on That's What G Said. And uh, we've come a long way now, but no one thing was always going to remain. You and I are going to be friends. We're always going to be talking racing, talking sports. How have things been going for you? Pretty well, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I was one of the first guests. Congratulations to you on the growth and the success of your, of your podcast. Uh, I'm very happy for you, and uh, as always, good to be back. Been a little bit, but uh, yeah, things are good. Super excited for these uh, series of, of four games, the divisional round. Almost always the best weekend of, uh, of gotta football. be right. People say the the next weekend, but no, because if there's not enough action. 
Yeah, if there's only two games and one of them's bad, then it's like ah, that that you know yeah. what I mean. At least here you're 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 pretty guaranteed at least one or two really good games, and we deserve four. We do, we do, and we've got three of the four that are rematches, uh, games that have been played earlier on in the year, and we have some tight spreads, and actually it feels like we have some pretty good football teams playing this week, and I am really excited. Well, that's the advantage of getting the lopsided wins that we did. They could have been more competitive games, but what it definitely allowed us is to get what I think are probably the eight best teams. There's a couple debatable ones in there. Even a team that didn't make the playoffs might be semi-debatable. But, yeah, I think uh, we've got some really, really fun matchups. Even the biggest spread is a game where there certainly is a case to be made for the underdog. So hopefully we'll get a a lot more competition and a lot more high-level play than we did uh, last weekend. Okay, well, let's jump right into it, and we'll talk with Scott, and then Scott can tell us everything that he's got going on and uh, where you can find a lot of his sports betting content, racing content, all that good stuff. But Scott would start with the Bengals and the Titans, and that's going to be our first game on Saturday. Bengals come into this game after their first playoff win. They're now 11-7, 11-7 against the spread. The Titans are 12-5 and straight up, 10-7 and against the spread here. The Bengals, you know, They had the home game against the Raiders. It felt like a really good game for them to get the playoff monkey off their back. They played sort of like a tight team. You know, they kicked a lot of field goals instead of scoring touchdowns, which I'm sure they would have liked. There were situations when you dig into the box score that they didn't really play their best football game at all. But what's nice for them is they're still alive now. And they got a shot where they can kind of go on the road and play in a a much sort of looser game where it doesn't feel like there's as much pressure on them. You got a Tennessee team who, by the metrics and advanced metrics and stuff, they're not all that highly regarded. But what can you say about a team that just wins and wins when they were missing a lot of their key players all throughout the year? I mean, that's a testament to what a good job Vrabel has done. Yeah, this should be a fun one. And and you spoke a little bit, Gino, to the fact that the uh, – that the Titans, you know, didn't come up strong. I, you know, if you're looking at uh, models and you're, you know, people that look at numbers, power ratings, things of that nature, they're going to look like the weakest one seed in the history of the NFL. But I think that's a lot misleading here. Yep. And maybe, uh, in my opinion, it's an opportunity to take advantage. I have a ton of respect for the growth the Bengals have made this year. And you mentioned that they didn't play all that well against the Raiders, but Joe Burrow and Jamar chased played pretty well. Yes, they did. Um, and Burrow's a scary guy to bet against, even just in his second year. He's got the look of the, a guy that's going to win a lot of big football games. You know, easy to root for, very confident. I've heard even comparisons to uh, a young Tom Brady in some of the sense of mm-hmm. his competition and, you know, never being, uh, you know, happy with his success and certainly could see that. But I think this is the Titans game to, to lose. Uh not only are they healthier than they've been in a long time and uh, with at the skill position, Derrick Henry remains to be seen if he's 100%, but it sounds like he's going to be a full go. Even with him taking most of the load, I think Deontay Foreman – He's excellent. Uh, yeah, can fill in just yeah. fine and, and do just what Henry has done. A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, they got that extra week of rest. But I think that's a, a key ingredient to this as well as the healthiness is the week of rest. Uh, whereas the Bengals had to play last week and they had to play all the way down to the wire, whether it was their best effort or not. So I think the Titans who uh, are going to be able to, in my opinion, take advantage 
of a uh, Bengals offensive line that has some issues as yep. well as a Bengals defensive line that's going to be without Larry uh, Ogunjobi. Sorry, I probably pronounced that wrong. Larry O. It's Larry safe that way, right? Yeah, <laughs> and they've had some other minor injuries to depth there. I just think the Titans are going to win this game on the on the on both lines of scrimmage. They have the experience, whereas the Bengals, this is their first ever uh, you know road playoff game for almost the entire roster. It's a different animal. So to me, there's some value here in the fact that the power ratings don't give much respect to the Titans. Yeah, some things that you hit on just to piggyback um, for the Bengals, they're 25 this year in PFF pass block rate. They've given up multiple sacks in all but two games this year. The key number for them seems to be in that like four range. If you're able to get to them like four times, you're going to beat them. I think they're just two, seven and one over the last two years when they've allowed four sacks. It what it's, it's going to be really interesting on the matchup. Like you said, because it's so hard with the Titans, they're obviously going to be undervalued in advanced metrics, but this isn't the version that we're going to see of them that we've seen of them throughout most of the year. So it's, um, then you have Burrow, like you said, he feels like one of those guys that he might be able to just sort of step up and make big plays and lead you. If they're around and within striking range, he's going to be a scary guy to have the ball with a couple minutes left, you know, with the chance to win the game. Um, I what's nice about where I sit is I'm not I don't have to play anything here now because before the playoffs started, just kind of looking at the road that the Bengals were going to have. I locked in a Bengals at plus 1800 to win it all. And a Bengals at plus 800 to win the AFC. This is like a fun, like long shot, you know, like betting in a horse race, a team that I think could do it. And I was kind of mapping out their road. And it, I, what I liked is I felt they weren't going to have to go through both the bills and the chiefs. And then, of those three teams, I feel like maybe with the Titans, like we said, they've had a lot of injury issues. They're probably not getting as much respect as they deserve, but they probably have more questions about them uh, than some of those other top teams. So um, I'm sort of locked in there. We'll see how the you know the coverage matches up. Some of the schemes, cover three, cover one, those are things that Burrow does well. The Titans play that a lot. They're not incredible at it, but they're just a very well-coached football team. The one number or I guess on both sides, that was kind of weird to look past tight. Um, the Bengals have never won a playoff game on the road in their history. They're Owen seven, which is, I mean, it's crazy to think about. Like we know they haven't won a playoff game in a while, but even before that, they've never won a road playoff game period. Uh, on the flip side, you got the Titans. We all know about Andy Reed off the bye and how incredible he is. Well, Vrabel with eight days or more to prepare um, eight and oh, the wins are by an average of 18 plus points. He's 4-0 straight up and against the spread off of a bye. And the wins are by an average of 20 points, two of them as a dog. So it's not as if uh, this was a great stat because I think it was, I heard it on Pro Football Focus. Like it's not as if you're taking the division and they're just like beating up on the Jags because they're beating up, they're beating up on teams when they're not even the favorite sometimes. So um, he does an excellent job with extra time to prepare. Just a very, very good coach. And uh, yeah, this is, you know, the first Saturday game because maybe it's a little less intriguing than the others because maybe that's the home team. The Titans are a little less, less sexy than the others, but it's a very interesting football game. And this could be the sort of early kind of crowning moment for Joe Burrow. Like you're saying, if he goes in there on the road, beats a number one seed, puts his team in the conference championship at least a year or two before anybody thought they would be there that really makes him sort of a household name if he isn't already one. 
No doubt about it, Gino. I mean, this is a big spot for him. And you mentioned that, you know, little to lose for the Bengals in this spot. I'm sure the players and the fans even aren't thinking of it that way, but they're ahead of schedule, yep. uh, like you mentioned. The one thing that I think is lost because it happened so long ago and in the, the, the day, the 21, 21 and 2022, you know, time seems to be very <laughs> much a tough a thing. A year to yesterday, out. you don't yeah. even know what it was, right? <laughs> But they had a six-game winning streak that started a little over three months ago, and it started out with a weak team, but they won five straight against the Bills, Chiefs, Colts, Rams, yep. and Saints. So, you know, they're not sexy like you said, and, they, you know, they're not great on defense. One thing that they, they should be – that they do that I think will be uh, helpful is they really only rush four for the most part. Exactly. Um, and Burrow really has thrived uh, taking chances – in one-on-one matchups against the Blitz. So, sure, if the Titans struggle to get pressure on Burrow with just four, which is possible, they don't have a great pass rush, but they're not taking on a very good offensive line. It could spell trouble. But getting extra help on the guys like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins is a necessity. Yeah, they like simple pro football focus analysis at the end of one of their like write-ups was for the Titans to create pressure without sending extra rushers and keep the back end of the secondary strong enough to just limit explosive plays, you know? And it sounds simple when you write it out like that, but they have a very good coach. They've been preparing, um, you know, for this team for a while now. They know what they're looking at. I think this is going to be a very, very good football team. And uh, Scott's leaning Titans. So what how, What would your, do you have a play in this game? What would your approach be from attacking it? Well, I mean, I, I've been eyeing it up right away. And I was kind of thinking the Bengals might dominate the Raiders and be a little bit more, uh, you know, sexy going in and people would really be coming after them. Cause I yep. know what the public's perception of the Titans is. Sure. Even when they were going through that winning streak, myself included, it was kind of doubting them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, we all yeah. forgotten, you know, when they're at full strength, what they can do. So I sat and waited for the line to go up. I got in at two and a half. Beautiful. Uh, beautiful. You know, on the Titans. So that feels good. I got in a little three as well. It opened at three where I can, where I play. Then went down to two and a half, and then obviously, or not obviously, but it's at three and a half now. I don't know if it's going to come back down from that. So I got in good, and it, it actually is my biggest play of the week. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great number to be on that side. As uh, we're going to have tight, tight looking spreads really in all of these games now, and it, they're that's what happens when you get to this point. These are really, really good competitive matchups. As uh, we get to the second game on Saturday, we've got the 49ers versus the Packers. This one to me is the most fascinating because I think coming into the playoffs, there were three teams that I really myself wanted to fade a little bit. And then unfortunately they all kind of ran into each other. It was the Cowboys, the 49ers, and now the Packers. Um, Cause I just digging into some of their games, I thought maybe they were getting a little bit overhyped, a little overvalued in some spots, the Packers, you know, you, you look at them, they didn't cover three of their last four. The game that really stands out to me about the Packers is that Browns game, you know, where they played really poorly Baker threw four interceptions and the Browns were still driving with the chance to win that game. And even after all of that and the matchup that everyone's going to talk about and target in this game is the run defense. The Packers' run defense is horrendous. They are one of the bottom five in the league. I think by DVOA rushing defense, they were ranked 28th. And we know that San Francisco wants to pound the ball. They want to run the ball. Um, So just in that particular matchup, it should lean San Francisco. But then on the flip side, San Francisco's secondary is probably their weakest spot. So you got Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And if, you know, if he's on, it could be a very long day for the secondary, you know, trying to 
So the matchups here are really, really interesting. And then you build in the fact that, you know, San Francisco kind of has had Green Bay's number in big games through the last few years with a lot of the same group of players here. San Francisco does have a really good group of skill players, but they have some injuries. So there are a lot of kind of weird, interesting storylines in this game. Jimmy G, Warner, Bosa, what's the health going to be like for all of them? What are you thinking about this game, uh, Scott Schapp, a few days out? Yeah, well, it's funny. I, I kind of like the Niners and Packers most going into the uh, NFC playoffs. So uh, we could have had a good debate. I know. I was going to say, we could have bet each other without the juice, right? And then there we go. <laughs> but now it's funny because the way things land, now I feel like I actually really like the Packers in this spot. But let's see what you say where, where you are and then there. Well, I mean, I've been on the Niners and I want to love the Niners in this spot, getting this many points. The matchup, as you said, is is pretty favorable for them outside of their secondary, but they've been so good at getting pressure on opposing QBs with just four that even when Nick Bosa went out, they were doing it against the yeah. Cowboys that, you know, that that's allowed their secondary to hang in there and give uh, extra help where needed. But the spot you mentioned is 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 the real key here and why I'm I'm kind of shying away from playing the Niners, even though I think that they have a legitimate chance of, of winning this game, let alone covering. But they've played must-win games in two straight weeks, mm-hmm. both on the road. One of them they had the, emotionally against uh, your Rams come from 17 down and get the job done in overtime. And yep. then they had the, the Cowboy game, which they controlled most of the way. But uh, it did come down to the wire. Every play of every game you're invested in all the way through and then over time, right? Yeah, they might have that. The one thing about the Niners is you mentioned the the talent of their roster. And they do, in my opinion, have three of the best. If they they drafted today for just next year, I think they've got three guys that would be taken in the top 15 with George Kittle, Trent Williams, and Nick Bosa. Then they've got Fred Warner and Debo Debo? Samuel. Oh, I know. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, oh, Debo yeah. is unbelievable. So, you know, the talent is there and their mental toughness is there. Now, the biggest concerns, you mentioned the secondary, but can Jimmy G ever play a mistake-free game? Because yeah. we know that's what Aaron Rodgers is best at, and he's best at everything pretty much. But his touchdown-interception ratio is phenomenal. He's rarely going to throw an interception, and if, if he does, it's probably, you know, a high-reward pass-down field. Punt interception yeah, yep. exactly so you can't count on getting extra possession so to me it's going to come down to whether jimmy g can avoid the big mistake and then if nick bosa and fred warner are healthy it, warner is almost definitely going to play you know that pretty much came out right away and it sounds like bosa's trending you never know with these head injuries especially with a let one last day but it does sound like he's trending towards the being able to play and he's awesome I ended up in a lukewarm fashion going to the under as my play in here. Yeah. You know, I just think um, the Packers are going to get Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander back. We talked, you talked about how, um, you know, inefficient or how not that great their run defense was. And in general, they were, you know, pretty much average to below average defense, but those are their two best defenders, mm-hmm. including Jair Alexander is one of the best cover corners in the league. So if those guys are back, that makes a huge difference. And both teams are going to use the clock. Neither of these teams on Football Outsiders in uh, situation neutral uh, seconds per play run at a very fast pace at all. In fact, they're towards the bottom of the league. You can picture Aaron Rodgers taking the play clock down below five almost every time looking for the mismatch. And then you know you talked about it. You know the Niners, even if they're down two, three scores early, they're going to stick with the running game in here. They know that's their way. They can't drop Jimmy G back time after time. So I think the clock's going to run pretty fast. There are favorable matchups for the offense. I'm not in love with the play. 
I lean Niners if a gun gun to my head, but don't trust it. And I do lean under a little bit more. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna be laying the numbers with the the number with the Packers or anything. But this is probably one of the for me. I'm I'm always trying to find the dogs. You know, find the way. I'm I'm very rarely gonna be laying over a field goal in in most situations. And here, I think I just think like you said, we've seen now in the last few weeks, and it's kind of stood out in that Jimmy G has made some mistakes. You kind of know you're going to get one or two from him. The problem is, is where I don't, I don't like saying lucky is a bad word, but where San Francisco has been fortunate is that the other teams that they've played, haven't been able to really take advantage and capitalize on those mistakes. You know, there, there are plays that come in mind, but like Dak last week was just bad. Dak was awful. The team was awful. The penalties, like everything that go into San Francisco winning that game, like they won that game, but wow, did both of those teams feel like they were trying to lose and give that game away down the stretch? And I mean, you dig into everything. I think there were four times that Dallas gave San Francisco an automatic first down. And then there were four other times when Dallas cost themselves a first down. So eight penalties that were first down impactful in that game. I four for them and then four against them. And I'm just worried if, you know, late in the game, the game, the the play I remember with the Rams, which still bothers me as a as a Rams fan and someone who wants them to make the Super Bowl, is it's third and sec six or seven. The Rams are up by a touchdown. There's a minute and a half left to go, and you know the 49ers are going to be able to stop the clock anyways because they are, have one timeout left. And the Rams, you got you went out and make a trade for Matt Stafford, and you don't even make an attempt to get the first down there. You know they let the 49ers get the ball back and then score a touchdown. If you're playing against Aaron Rodgers this year, I guarantee after what happened last year, if there's a third and five or third and six with the game on the line, that ball is going to be in Aaron Rodgers' hands. He's going to make that play to try to win. That's my only concern with San Francisco moving forward is, I think if they run into a team that's just not that well-built, that doesn't have a really good quarterback where they can run the ball, they're going to be great. I'm just a little worried that, you know, moving forward, they've they're going to have to either deal with Aaron Rodgers, maybe Tom Brady, and then maybe Mahomes or or Josh Allen. Or if it's not them, then it might be Burrow, who was incredible. Or you know, the Titans are not going to be you no know, slouch. So I'm just a little worried moving forward. Their margin of error is not going to be kind of where it was the last five or six weeks, where they've been able to get away with some of those mistakes. So this is the most I think intriguing, just from a pure scheme. The way that like offense of Green Bay matches up with the defense of San Fran and then vice versa for them. Um, something's got to give, right? Sort of like strength on weakness, weakness on strength. Um, but yeah, really, really good. Again, these are all good. Like, how these- good would the Niners be if we swap quarterbacks? Oh, I don't my think gosh. they they would be the best. I, I know you could say that about a lot of teams, but they would. But they to me, be. if you put Aaron Rodgers on any like on the Niners. They're by far the best team in it's, football. It's not right? close. Yeah, because Jimmy G, he's got his ups, but he has his downs. And Rodgers does a lot of the things that Jimmy G does wrong, he doesn't do. And the scheme that Kyle Shanahan runs. Shanahan, oh, my gosh. A lot of issues in, in his game, you know, management skills. And and, sometimes decision-making and stuff. Yeah. Scheming, they're guys wide open every time for Jimmy The movement, the way that he just <laughs> – it's like what? What? Debo? Everyone? Everyone? The way they run the ball, the way they get creative. They're, they're with my they favorite run. team to watch. I don't have a favorite, you know, NFL team. Yeah. I kind of swap around. I, I, you know, 
adopted the Colts a little bit over the last few years. They're on here every week. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor, my Wisconsin boy. But the Niners have become my favorite team to watch this year. Nothing to do with, you know, predicting teams. They've been good to me. But I just, I mean, they play so hard. They rally to the ball. Debo and Kittle, they, they play too hard. They get hurt. They're going to get hurt. I mean, they can yeah. get hurt on any play. You, <laughs> and that's and you see, that's like that's why they do. Because they do every play. They leave it out. They're diving. They're picking up great blocks. They're just... They're really fun. They've sort of become a team over the last couple of years that I've watched and probably paid attention to as much as any. And, and sometimes they've been one of my teams that I sort of like to bet against, but it's mainly like a, because they're very good. They get a lot of respect when they're starting to go well, because they, when they're playing at their best, I mean, they absolutely could win the Super Bowl. They absolutely could. Even with Jimmy G, if they're playing really well and they are able to stay in every game to where they don't have to come from behind, they don't have to really do anything too crazy. The the problem is, is this last week, it was the template. They were, the score in that game wasn't even remotely close to how that game was actually playing out. They were kicking the crap out of Dallas. Dallas couldn't do anything. San Francisco just had to settle for a couple field goals. And then the one Jimmy G, it felt like when they were up by two scores, or 16, that it was 150, 160, right? Like 10 times that. And then that one Jimmy G interception feels like it just puts them right back in the game. And that's the only thing they can't do. You do something like that against Green Bay, you give them a short field, you're just going to be in trouble because you know the guy's going to smell blood in the water and go right after you. But if they can run, this will be fun. This will be fun. a A lot of different scenarios in this game. I'm not... A believe, you know, I don't talk about all the difference in it, you know, you know, if they played the game a hundred times, this, but this game seems to be the does. one of the biggest examples I could ever imagine of two teams where if X, then Y kind Completely of situation. Agree. I could see, I mean, I don't think the Niners are going to blow out the Packers. I could, but, but I could see them handling them with physical play as amongst the scenarios that are possible. Let's get to Sunday. We've got a, uh... The Rammies start with my little Ramley. They're playing Tampa. This is going to be another rematch from earlier in the year when the Rams beat Tampa. Sean McVay was running around smacking everybody's asses on the sidelines. That was like the big, that was, that was funny. Celebrated you, they, like they won the Super Bowl. He really was. He really was. And then they, they got a little flat uh, for a stretch after that. And then they kind of quietly uh, been, been playing better. I mean, they've won, um, I think, six of their last seven and you don't kind of you don't really feel like it coming into this because they blew that game last week and because Stafford's been playing so poor that that's the key is that even when they've been winning Stafford's been playing awful now he was much better last week and when you watch the Rams now I it's hard to just take uh for me you know the Rams being really great on Monday night and and use that as my main handicap to gauge moving forward because I think that was a little bit more about Arizona than it was Ooh. about the Rams. Like Ooh. they were just miserable. <laughs> I mean, Kyler, that play, oh my gosh, the the safety where he's throw he's getting tackled and he throws the ball was just one of those um Carson and the, the, style. Yeah, the the Cardinals were the perfect matchup for the Rams coming in because they were playing as bad as any team coming into the playoffs and the Rams match up really well with the Cardinals for some reason, like the 40, it's a weird thing in the division. You know, the 49ers kind of got the Rams number, the Rams got the Cardinals number. And this year, the Cardinals beat the Rams with Colt McCoy playing. It was kind of bizarre. Um, Nonetheless, the matchup here is kind of interesting because Tampa will have a couple legitimate 
injury concerns that may lean the Rams way because we think about the Rams, you know, they have very, very top level position players at some spots. They have three or four players on the defense that are maybe the best at their position or right in the top two or three on the offensive side with Cooper cup and the year that he had. And with what Odell is able to do still sometimes not, you know, consistently, but still make a play or two, which is really what they got for him is just, Hey, they're going to be focusing on cup. Can you go on the other side and go one-on-one and make a play and pick up a first down? People are talking about Odell. Like he had 10 catches last week. You know, I think he had four catches, but they just came at the right time. You know, they, they were in big moments. So the, the the injuries that we need to keep an eye on for Tampa are the ones on the offensive line. I think was it Wurfs and then the center uh, also there. Ryan so those Jensen are and Chris Tristan Wurfs, right? Yeah, pro bowler and all pro. So yeah, yeah. and that so that's you know how do you not only are it just you missing a starter, you're missing a very very good starter, and what's going to be filling in for them is going to be below replacement level. And if you're going to have to be dealing with Aaron Donald on the opposite side who had four pressures and four uh, pass block wins that didn't result in pressure last week. That's probably where the, you know, that's where this game could definitely lean to the Rams side. If they're able to attack that. And if those guys on the line, even if they do play, if they're not a hundred percent, and if they're a little bit banged up, that seems like where you're trying to, you know, attack, attack, attack. When Brady gets hit, when he's got a little bit of pressure, that's when he's always been the least successful, but so much easier said than done. The guy gets the ball out of the hand in, in t- a second every time, right? Yeah, this game, you know, I think uh, it's in Tampa. Tampa's favorite. They're the champs. I wish I trusted the Rams a little more, but I think this is their game to lose. We talk, You talk about the injuries, not only, you know, a lot's different than that, that 34-24 game back in week three uh, that you spoke of where McVay was celebrating like he won the Super Bowl. Uh, not only uh, do the are the offensive line issues there, but there's no Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, and we're used to that right now. Yep. But uh, that's a major difference, and you know, I, it gets spoken about, but I don't know if it's enough. It gets spoken about enough. You're right. Clearly, Tyler Johnson and Brashad Perryman are are, are not the same at any no. at any by any stretch. So, you know, Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski to most teams that would be what they have to you know a number one receiver and a top tight end would be it. But what made the Brady so unstoppable was an offensive line that has been healthy for the last two years and extremely awesome pass catchers that he's always going to find the right matchup in, and it's just not going to be as simple as that then you you know you have the rams who are coming in pretty healthy right i mean i know andrew yeah. whitworth is, is out but i mean is it that much of a drop off you know i mean he's a good veteran player but he's obviously not at the top part level of his career no but then then i look at this and i'm just you know i'm like oh i want to like the rams and then it's tom brady versus matthew stafford you have a guy that always finds a way to win big games and a and guy that always the jury's still out on, and and you know you you would think he's gonna maybe make a big mistake or two on the road. Uh, you know you know you don't want to make any assumptions, but the the history says it. You know, kind of like Jimmy G, exactly. Not, you know, so again here, I, I stayed away from sides. I wanted to like the Rams, but I just couldn't do it in the end. I I think the under here is another interesting one. I thought the number would be a little higher than forty eight and a half. Um, which tells me something, you know, this is a mm-hmm. game where there's 58 points scored the first time around. You've got the two high powered offenses that play at a high pace. 
but you've got the big chance that the Rams defensive line either dominates the game or at least forces the hand of Brady to get yep. rid of the ball quicker than he wants. And then you have the Bucs with that first matchup. They were without JPP. They were without a couple of their secondary guys, including Jamel Dean. And they're healthier than they've been in a while. They've got Levante David back. They played pretty well against the Eagles. It was hard to know. Yeah, because the matchup, too, they're down early and they just can't run the ball and it's pretty much over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and the thing is, is, you know, McVay is no fool. I don't, I think, you know, at times he can be a little overrated, but he's a top end coach and he knows that running the ball, which he normally likes to do. Everybody always thinks of him as this guy that likes to, you know, throw the ball first and foremost. And he's had some weapons over the years and definitely has that this year with Stafford cup, OBJ, et cetera, but he likes to run the ball to set up the pass. Is he going to you know, try to do so, or is he going to come out, just throw, 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 knowing the uh, run defense that he's up against? So this is yeah, some really good good matchups as you would expect when you get to this point. You've got a Rams team uh, that everybody was really high on when they made the, they they're all in. The Rams are all in right now. They don't have room. They don't have years. This isn't you know like they got rid they they went all in this year. Traded for Stafford. Trade for Von Miller. You go and you sign Odell. Like you got to win right now, and it's not going to be easy moving forward. But like you said, for the Rams. You could not have asked for a better spot here to catch this Tampa team with some of their issues, especially if your defensive line is able to to dominate how you would like. So, hey, Rams, you've got, I think I saw three of the top 11 graded individual defensive players by Pro Football Focus. They got to go make plays. This is where you need Donald, Von Miller, Ramsey. Those guys got to go make big plays here. Um this is yeah, very very fun yeah. game. Can I'm gonna can jump they, in real quick? Yeah, let's make a, a friendly wager here. I think you would you're down to make this on the blind. I got the winner of the Packers Niners. You got the winner of Rams Bucks. And sure, I'll I'll take it. I okay. like that. Yes, right. I, absolutely. I, I was waiting on to hear what you said. It doesn't sound like you're. I was going to hundred. Who I, almost almost hundred percent, unless something crazy happens here in the next few weeks. But almost hundred percent, whoever wins this game. I'll probably play against whoever wins the next game. So I like that. I like that. As uh, we get to our Sunday night game, the final game, and uh, what a good one. We have a rematch from earlier in the year. These two teams, it's it's fun to just play the roller coaster of a season because at the beginning of the year, if everybody would have said, these are two teams that are going to be two of the final four in the AFC, and probably right now the team, the two teams playing the best in the AFC Heck, maybe even the best overall in the league. Nobody would have been surprised. But wow, did these two teams have some peaks and valleys through the year? KC was three and four at one point. Everybody was writing them off. They and they wasn't even like they're losing some close games. They looked bad. They looked really bad. Their defense couldn't do anything, and their offense what seemed like they were predictable. And it was almost like the 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 jury the book was out on how to stop them. And then. Reed is a great coach. Mahomes is so talented. You, they figured things out. The defense got a little bit better, which has happened. They caught a nice part of their schedule where they caught some teams at the right moments and they got hot. Then you have the Bills who they had some of the biggest wins and worst losses of the year. And then it was like the second half of that Tampa game where it was like, oh yeah, by the way, now that now we may not make the playoffs, we better just start playing the way that we we should have played all along and just let Josh Allen get loose. 
a couple of my favorite stats uh, on the year were of Josh Allen, uh, Scott, of every single player this year in football to run a, to run the ball. Any quarterback, wide receiver, running back, uh, fullback, even a defensive player that took a ball for a handoff. Josh, and so normally in in um, metrics and grades and stuff like that, the players who have the least amount of touches are the ones that have the highest grades because they have one great play, you know, and it's like, oh, they're graded like a hundred. Josh Allen is the highest graded runner of any player to run even one ball this year. So the most efficient running play of any player in football is when Josh Allen runs the ball, which is really fascinating because on the list of like, and then when you break it down to players that have 20% of, I think the total rushing yards, um, there's only three quarterbacks on that list. It's like Josh Allen, six running backs, uh, Jalen hurts, 20 more running backs, Lamar Jackson, and then a bunch more running backs in we've seen it when he opens things up and runs. There isn't really anyone else that's like him because he's such a good passer. That's what makes him different than Lamar, Kyler, all the other guys who through the years we've seen are incredible runners of the football. This guy has pinpoint accuracy when he's on his a game and incredible strength down the field. He was 10 for 10 on passes, 10 plus yards downfield last week. He himself got a 94.8 overall grade, which is the second highest grade by a quarterback in the playoffs since 2006 when PFF started grading. He's playing right now, like as well as you can. Now, does that scare you a little bit coming into this game with like the fact that they played such a perfect game last week against the Patriots? Yeah, because he hasn't gone two games this year without throwing an interception. Right? That makes me nervous. And I think that everybody, you know, I think the Bills and Chiefs are two of the best teams in the NFL. I think people are, you know, last week's game is real is clouding people's memory a little bit on the Bills. They had that second half against the Bucks, but they didn't play great in those last couple games of the year. I think it was the Falcons was one of the games, and they – you know, really you, you kind of limped, uh, limped around a Jets that game, game that looked a little, the Jets, yeah. And yeah. The final scores were not really indicative of, of the way the game was played through much of it. And Allen was not great in those games. So he's a gazelle. You talked about the running. I mean, that's, in, he's incredible with his legs. He just, you know, he doesn't look fast, but he is, he just runs by people and through people tremendous weapon. And when, like you said, when he's on, you know, his upside is, is probably the best of anybody in the league. You know, Rodgers, Mahomes right there with them, maybe a couple of other guys, Justin Herbert, you know, some other guys. But is he going to play two two straight perfect or near-perfect games? History tells us that's probably not the case. And a lot of people are pointing to the matchup back in Arrowhead. Uh, It was the same week, actually, as Packers-Niners. It was week three. It was – or no, maybe it wasn't, but it was was week three. Early in the – yeah. Yeah, it was, right. maybe it was week five. I'm sorry, week five. But it was on Sunday night, and the Bills won that game, and they won it uh, convincingly. And it was Allen that was the best player on the field. And a couple things happened that night that are worth noting. One of them, though, to me, is that Bills won the turnover margin for nothing. To expect that again is yeah. extremely wishful thinking if you're a Bills fan, Bills back, or whatever you might want to be. The other thing, though, that was important that day is they didn't blitz once that night, and they used the two-deep safety look that started out the Chiefs' uh, you know, lack of offensive success or when they were poor, like you mentioned. They actually went um, 
five straight weeks, starting that week, scoring 20 or fewer points. And it was that same look until they played the Raiders a couple times who refused to use that mm-hmm. blueprint that works. Stubborn, stubborn. But now the Chiefs are used to that look. And yep. while they might not get Tyreek deep down the field and make things quite as easy, Mahomes has really kind of figured out how he's going to attack a look like that. It took him a while because he was a guy that was always looking for the big play. And you simply can't do that in a look like that. So to me, expecting the Bills to win the turnover margin in general, let alone 4 nothing, is is probably um, wishful. And then you've got the idea that the Chiefs kind of figured out the defense that the Bills played with such success that day. I think it could go either way. Whatever quarterback is is on his game is going to be very tough to beat, as they always are. I do lean Chiefs. I think this game should be more like three, not two. Or I, it was down to one. I don't know what it is at the uh, at the moment, but uh, I know it dipped down to one and a half. It was yes, it's yeah. been in that range, the one and a half two range. Yeah, from what I've and, been seeing uh, recently. Yeah, but I mean, I you know, I'm not I'm not in love with it. I, I picked the Chiefs and, and whatnot, and where I had to make a pick, but I, I could see either side, and I'd be very happy for the Bills and their fans to uh, to get this big win. And and I even have a chance to play at home with the tight if the Bengals beat the Titans in uh, in the AFC Championship game. Did, did you have a strong opinion? I'm same with you. I mean, I, I probably if I at three, I would have leaned Bills. Now when it's dipping below the, the field goal, it makes me nervous a little bit. Like if I was going to lean, I would maybe – just play if I was going to play this game straight up, I'd probably just play the Bills on the money line and get a little bit extra juice. But it's not one that I'm I'm jumping in at this number right now. I'm not all that intrigued. This is I just hope this is going to be a great ah, football be, game because this could be like, awesome. Like this last week, awesome. just thinking about last week the way it happened. Like the Bills scored a touchdown on every drive, no punts, no interceptions, no fumbles, lost, no field goals, all touchdowns until kneel downs. It was the best game of the regular season or playoffs based on DVOA metrics. It was the sixth best game in DVOA history in, in, in the playoffs. Then the Chiefs, they started a little bit slow. Their first nine possessions between both of those teams, nobody scored. And then the Chiefs scored on six straight possessions, six straight touchdowns in that game. And if we can get this one of these back and forth and back and forth games, that'd be incredible. I hope that both quarterbacks are playing at their best because we've seen some of Allen games, like you said, where he can really struggle. He can try to do too much. He can try to force things. And if his ball's not quite as sharp, um, these two guys though, like if they're, if they're at their best, yeah, it's probably them two and Rogers that you like you, you do the most. Wow. Wow. When you're watching, you think, what do you, you know, I think the bills defense is probably better but the Chiefs defense had its moments during the year. Mm-hmm. And the yeah, Bills D had an easy underrated. schedule. The, yeah. the Bills D had a super soft schedule. Think about who they played. The offense is just in their division. Compare it's those. Pats. I mean, well, and then just compare those to like the offenses that the Chiefs were playing. Like look at the Chiefs schedule. And I remember that was one thing early in the year when I, when I was doing the overs and unders with the Chiefs was it was, wow, they've got a pretty tough schedule. Is that they played a lot of tough teams throughout the year. And, you know, the bills had one of the softer schedules and the, the more difficult games on their schedule were the teams like the Patriots who didn't have great offenses at all. He, twice against the Patriots, twice against the jets, twice against the dolphins, Patriots and dolphins end up looking like good teams, but not because of their offense, you know, because of their defense. So that ends up making Buffalo's defense look a little bit better too. Um, they're going to be without their best uh, coverage 
player too, who, you know, was another one of, was always one of their better players week in, week out on the field. And that, uh, that can absolutely hurt. So just a great game. It just feels like an opera. It feels like a little bit of recency bias throughout the land with the bills, because I didn't, everybody knows they have the upside and maybe they have, maybe their a game is the best game in, in the NFL. There is, there is the the argument that they, when they're at their best, they're the best team. But, but if they, they give their B, they might need that here. Yeah, exactly. If they give out their B game or even their B plus game, that might not be enough to beat this team. Yeah, I think it's going to play well. I really do. And I don't know if I can guarantee it with them. And everyone, you know, it seems like sharp people, most like the Bills here, and you know I always respect that. But again, I think there's a little bit of a chance that this is a point lower than it should be. Yep, and uh, we're gonna have some fun this weekend. Four NFL games in the divisional round. Big thank you to Scott Shap for helping us out. Shap, tell us uh, about some of the content that you have. What's your schedule like right now for uh, for covering sports, covering races? We see your weekly write ups. What else do you have for us? And um, yeah, where where can we find all your stuff? Yeah, at ScottChap34 is the Twitter account. Best to follow me there to follow all my work. Also have a Facebook account, which I know you utilize quite a bit with your content. I'm on there. We're a little older, right, than some of the old. <laughs> so we're still on the uh, the Facebook train, right? I got a lot of people on there that no I'll share it with. No TikTok for me. Yeah, guys, no, but, uh, not much that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can find my write-ups, which I'll post on Twitter uh, on the uh, edge, uh, twinspires.com. And then I'm doing, uh, in terms of racing, uh, I'm, I'm following Oakland Park on a regular basis. You can find my picks there every day of every uh, every race every day on the Twin Spires app. There's videos between a minute and a minute and a half giving my thoughts there, doing uh, some big big, uh, big races other places, including Fairgrounds, which has a real big real nice card one on this Saturday. Yeah. yeah, they have that kind of m- monthly uh, big card in New Orleans with the big derby prep, the LeCompte, and uh, the Silver Bowl Day, Kentucky Oaks prep. So, uh, But yeah, just follow me on Twitter if you're on social media is the best method. And uh, yeah, it was uh, great chatting the games with you, Gino. Got me even more excited than I already exactly. am. Uh, is it Saturday yet? Yeah, I know. We're almost there. Thank you so much for uh, helping out with some of the technical difficulties at the beginning, jumping on, and uh, really appreciate it, buddy. Good luck to you in all of your plays this weekend. We're going to be following along with you. We always appreciate the time and all the effort you put in, and uh, kick some butt. Thanks, buddy. Remember the Titans. Exactly. There we go. Remember the Titans. Ain't no mountain high. Ain't no oh, valley One of the low. best. One Just of the best. Great yeah. movie, too. They'll great... never forget the day that they played the Titans. Uh, it gives you goosebumps when you watch yeah. it, right? I want to go run through a brick wall afterwards. Yeah. So we're going to do that this weekend. Great football on the uh, on the schedule. And make sure to give Scott a follow so you can check out all of his content. You can root along and he can steer you in the right direction if you ever need some help with a certain game or a certain race. So give him a follow and don't go anywhere because we still have plenty more on this episode of That's What G Said. So you want to set the mood something all natural soy wax non-toxic baby since for every season now don't be afraid baby just spell it out C-E-R-A-N-O-S.com. and don't forget promo code Gino gets you 10% off mm-hmm. Always fun catching up with Scott Shapiro. Best of luck to Scott this weekend and all of his football plays and his horse racing plays and everything that he's got going on as uh, we now 
shift on over and check in with Eric. He's been here with us every single week. We uh, we've gone over every NFL game this year so far. We previewed the win totals, fantasy previews, and now we're down to the final eight. This was one of our better conversations, too. We had a, a really good back and forth. Um, we spent a ton of time really, really digging into these four games. I think we, we go for about 90 minutes or so, just uh, uh, in only, only the four games to get into, but they're just they're good games. They're fun matchups. They're really intriguing teams, and here it is. It's our game previews for NFL Divisional Round with Eric. Is NFL Divisional Round Weekend. Eric joins me here. Different uh, recording. So everyone out there, let me know and let us know uh, if, if the sound is good, better, worse, similar, anything at all. Uh, eh, Eric just blowing in the... Uh, the... Sorry, I was, I was readjusting my mic. Yeah. My Eric, head. it was like right... That, that was the test. That was the uh, test. So let, that was the, my, the tester. My let bad, us know. my bad. No worries. The, uh, the Skype gods were not great to me today. So we're, we're pulling up uh, StreamYard and we're going to pull the audio from here. I've, I've done this before. It should be fine. As uh, we have a lot to discuss, Eric, yeah. this is my favorite weekend. I know a lot of people say conference championship weekend is the best, but I think this is because it, most a lot of times we'll get one crappy conference game and then you just have one good game. Here, this weekend in particular, all four of these games are really interesting. They all seem like they could be very competitive. No yeah. monster spreads. I mean, even the biggest spread is a game that you and I are going to discuss. I think we, we're we on different sides there. And I'm not like laying the points, but the 49ers are the team that a lot of people think could absolutely win it all or win a couple more games. So this feels like no, nobody feels like they got here by accident at this point now, right? These, this is, these are good football teams that are still left playing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of good teams, but you know, every team has some holes and every team's battled some adversity, kind of mm-hmm. like the first team we're going to talk about the Tennessee right. Titans, um, Titans Bengals. That's where we'll start. That's so we got two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, and we will have our fourth and inches shows on Saturday and Sunday to preview. So we'll give you all the up-to-date injury information, any other news or and seeing how the lines have moved some player props in those games. Also, Eric, we've got the Bengals who got the monkey off their back last week. They are now 11 and seven, 11 and seven against the spread and straight up Tennessee, 12 and five, 10 and seven against the spread. They had their buy last week as the number one seed. So some Bengals things to discuss the, the Bengals did not play well last week. They did not. They won the football game, but in there was no real moment where it felt like they were going to lose the game until until maybe like the end when they were when the Raiders were driving. But even then, it was probably going to be a tie and push it to overtime. It wasn't as if it was they're going to lose. But when you dig into the box score, when you do the rewatches like we do, the Bengals were not sharp. They had opportunities that they squandered. And if they would have been playing a better team, they would have gotten beat. Plain and I simple. Mean, it seemed like every single drive when I watched the rewatch was the Raiders in the red zone settling for three. Yep. I mean, that that was basically the game. Um, I think the game was kind of as crazy as it sounds. The um, the kickoff return where they got pinned down, that, that cost them three. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to understand what that last play was because if you like free, freeze frame it, um, Weller's on the right side, short of the end zone on fourth down. Um, Renthrow's on the left side, short of the end zone on on fourth down, and Zay Jones is running into three people, like which made absolutely zero sense. I have no idea what the play call was at all. And then also, like something that really stood out to me 
when I did my rewatch was on the last play, Chase came up limping. Mm -hmm. And the one way to attack this Titans defense is through the air. Yep. Um, Because when I was doing my statistical stuff, the one thing that stood out was the Titans only allow 64.1 yards rushing per game. And there's only been three times that a running back has ran over 64 yards in them. Taylor did it twice, and my boy James Robinson did it once. So, I mean, they're very stout against the run. So I really mm-hmm. think it's going to be hard for them to get the run going. And then also you have to remember, um, Riley's already on the IR. Pierce got banged up. So it's possible that the Bengals are going to be down to their third string left tackle. and. Titans like to bring bring the heat. Titans are pretty good. Titans are kind of sneaky good defensively. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that kind of like when you look at stuff kind of sticks out. And this is why I locked them. I locked them in at three. Like um, this is going to be the first game the Titans have all 22 starters. First game all year they have all 22 starters. So what, then, what makes it hard for a lot of the – now I do I do think like things like – you were talking about their weakness in secondary and stuff. Yeah. So I think there are some places where we can still say they probably aren't going to be that strong, yeah. but overall their metrics, they're, they're really tough, right? Cause the, like there are things that I'll mention and that are, you know, that are, that are there, their numbers. They're the worst number one playoff seed in DVOA history. They are low. They have a lower DVOA than any number two seed in history, but they weren't a complete team throughout yeah. a lot of the year. So that, mean, that's, were- that's hard, right? They played eight games with Henry. They averaged mm-hmm. 28 points a game with Henry. Without Henry in the lineup, they only averaged 21. Julio I mean, Jones and A.J. Yeah. Brown played 11 games combined. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that people forget this is the same team that beat the Bills and the Chiefs in back-to-back weeks. Yep. Um, and then also, like, another thing I found completely crazy, this is the Bengals' 10th straight week of playing. During those 10 times, the Titans have had two buys, the regular buy, the buy for being the one seed, and then plus they had the extended rest because they had that game late in the season on a Thursday against San Francisco. So, That's I mean, this team is, yeah. like, pretty well-rested. And to piggyback on your point there, Vrabel, we always hear the stats about Andy Reid off the buy and how great he is. Vrabel in his career, when he's had at least eight days of rest as a coach, he's 8-0. And what's nice about that is that's not, you know, you're like, okay, they probably beat some bad teams. Well, no, actually, 8-0 with eight days or more to prepare. Wins are by an average of 18-plus points in those games. They are 4-0 straight up and against the spread off the bye. And their wins are by an average of 20 points. Two of them were as a dog. Yep. This guy's very good. They have a great staff. They know how to prepare. Um, This is... Now I'm I'm saying like and, I'm gonna and, give them positive. That Vrabel stat is the next thing on my notes. Nice, that's so funny. <laughs> I was re- I was I was reading uh, uh, I was reading your mind there. Um, a couple other things on the Bengals side is we'll we'll do a little more back and forth. The Bengals, you know, they had a four play two yard drive to kick a field goal that killed them last week. They got a turnover. You cannot do that against good teams. Now, moving forward, you can't do that against Tennessee if they've got their weapons back. You certainly can't do that if you were to beat Tennessee against the, either of the team that you'd be playing next, you know, the Bills or the Chiefs. You can't do that. If you'd be playing maybe, uh, 
right now it would look like either a Tampa or maybe a Green Bay who are favored in their games. You couldn't do that against one of those quarterbacks and make mistakes there. So they got the ball at the Raider 15. They could move it two yards, kick the field goal. That was one of their possessions. They had another possession that went negative 13 yards. One drive. Can't do that. They settled for four field goals. Yeah. The Raiders, you know, we their defense is a little stubborn. And it's, it's a little easier for Joe Burrow. He can throw into open windows. They play that sort of soft coverage there. He was able to attack mismatches. He hit his checkdowns. You were hitting on how Tennessee isn't very uh, easy to run the ball against. And the Bengals didn't run the ball all that well last week. They had 83 yards rushing, 3.3 yards per carry in a game that they were up most of the time where they should have been able to run the ball a little bit better. And they should have, because they were trying to. You mentioned Chase, who had nine catches, 116 yards. And seven of those catches were for first downs. He was a monster there. The backup alignment Prince, he was, he struggled and he really did struggle. And that's, that's going to be a key spot because you, you were hitting on it. You can't have even one really bad weakness on the offensive line that they can attack because the rest of the Bengals offensive line actually played okay last week, but Prince allowed five pressures and a sack. And that could end up being the difference. If you've got a complete hole there, their defensive line didn't play all that great. Like you start going through everything that almost in a weird way makes me kind of like them a bit because, and, and this is very much narrative, more narrative than in the handicap of what they did last week. I'll get into some of the things I think they they have some strengths in the, in the matchup, but it's, it did feel a little to me like how a young team who's probably got a little bit of pressure at home playing their first playoff game in a while with a coach that's not very good and doesn't really make the best decisions. It sort of felt like that. I think they will be a little bit looser now on the road with a guy like Burrow leading them. Cause I think he'll go out and play fine and loose. And I think they'll be a little sharper because this really was not a good version of a football game for the Bengals. They can play much better than they did. The question is, can they do it now against this competition at this level? Like we've seen them do it against the chiefs in the regular season, this is going to be a different ball game on the road to Tennessee. Oh, for sure. And I mean, I think Burrow's great. If I, yeah. as crazy as it sounds like for the young quarterbacks, him and Mahomes won Burrow too for me. I yeah. mean, like, you know me. Like, that's why, dude, that's not all the metrics. Yeah. I mean, this isn't Burrow. He was the number one graded passer in pro football focus. Yeah. Burrow, you know, the regular season led the league in yards per attempt. They were number four in adjusted completion percentage, number two in explosive play pass rate, number 10 in EPA per play, two in PFF passing grade. So he ended up finishing second there. And he, I mean, even under pressure, because that's one of the things it, that Tennessee pro football focus in their write-up that I was going through, they kind of tried to put it really simple for Tennessee. This is what Tennessee has to do. Obviously it's not always this simple, but this is what they want to do. Create pressure without sending extra rushers while keeping the back end of the secondary strong enough to limit explosive plays. Kind of simple. And with Prince struggling and maybe him not even playing, that means like you're going to have to leave Mixon or CJ, whatever Mm -hmm. into chip block. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I really think that's going to be a key. But in cold weather games like this, because it is going to be a little cold there. 30s, I think, right? Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Um, I really think that controlling the clock and not letting Burrow get rhythm is is a big part. And one of the biggest injuries happened, and that's Larry Obentree. I think I said that name right. Yeah, it's pretty good. He is the Bengals' 
best run stopper. Mm-hmm. When he wasn't on the field, they gave up 1.5 yards more per rush. And they've and got Larry O, Hendrickson, yeah. and Hilton. Yep. Well, Hendr- Hendricks did practice today. So, so I, I, I saw that on the um, on the webpage of the, excuse me, the Twitter of the Bengals before we started recording. But um, I really, and I mean, I saw a video, uh, a practice video of Henry today. He was running through people. You yeah. know, I, I mean, like, dude, this guy is superhuman. I know. And he looks I like mean, a monster. If he's, if he's able to do that and he's averaging, like, let's say he goes from four yards a carry to five and a half, six yards a carry. You start pinching up the linebackers. Oh, guess who happens to be 27th in the NFL defending the play action pass and the second worst in the playoffs? You know, the Bengals. By having Henry here, and if I think Obertree is going to, they're going to be able to run because there's no Larry Obertree. I think this really opens up for, for Tennessee. And I mean, I like Vrabel. I think Vrabel is an insanely underrated coach. I think yeah. hands down, he should be coach of the year. And he, he has to be telling those guys, look, guys. We're the one seed. You have this team coming in. Everyone says, like, you know, we're the underdogs. This is us against the world. This is the no. They are a very yeah. nobody believes in us yeah. one seed. There's never been one like this that actually. It, it, there have been teams that have come into the playoffs that have had injuries, so then maybe they're not the same team that they were throughout the year. Right, a quarterback gets hurt or someone gets major pieces of their team get hurt. So they're not that good, but very rarely does a team get players back and they're still kind of written off a little bit. It's just, it's a little bit how they play. It's a little bit the style too. We we were saying, you know, throughout a lot of their wins, which were impressive. They would, they would sort of get the benefit of the doubt on turnovers. They'd win that the luck there. The balls would sort of bounce their way. And, and honestly that happens because you're well coached. I think both of you and I would get frustrated with the Dolphins the last couple of years when, when the doubt happened in Dolphins game and we'd be like, this team isn't very good. Yeah. And they'd so, but a lot of that did happen because they were well coached at the very least. Right. They, yeah, I mean, like you look at the other like team, like we can all agree. Derek Henry's their best player. Like you look at what other playoff team, if they didn't have their best player for half a year, would be like in the playoffs, let alone the one seed. That game against New England, they were playing yeah. when when that was like one of the more deceiving games that they ended up losing, but they were running all over them. They had no Henry, no Jones, no Brown. Like they had nobody. Yeah, and your boy he, Westbrook was kept yeah. was was a monster. You know, in the middle of the year for them, and, and this team has playoff experience. Like let's not forget, mm-hmm. two years ago, I mean, they were up. I think it was seventeen or ten in the NFC double digits in the game. against Kansas City. In the can in Kansas City, they made the playoffs last year, but they lost to the Ravens, I believe. Yep. Um, this is an experienced football team. This is mm-hmm. this isn't new to them. So, I like them here. I like them here a lot. Like I said, I liked it in at three. I'm looking at bet stamp right now, and it's three and a half to four, depending on the book you're looking at. I I would still actually lock them in at over the key number of three, but you know, I I was able to get them at three, luckily. Yeah, and I mentioned last week when I when we started this uh, our playoff stuff. You know, I've, I've got uh, tickets on the Bengals, um, so I'm you know I probably don't have to get involved too much in this game. You know, I'll wait around and see what this end, and this number ends up on because I'm I'm rooting for the Bengals to win. I've got a, a plus eighteen hundred for them to win the Super Bowl, a plus eight hundred to win the AFC, and it, and win or lose if they get blown out. I'm glad I made that bet because it's exactly where I wanted to be right now, where they won their first game and now they're going to be a small dog here, you know, and to where there'll be another small dog 
next week if they were to go on the road a little bit bigger of a dog it'd probably be closer to a, a touchdown i'd say probably with either of those places that they'll go next week but it'll end up being exactly what i was hoping for so i a couple things uh on the Bengals side too like i said only 308 total yards last week um they had four wide receiver drops though or four receiver drops that did sort of hurt their flow during the regular season they you know they weren't bad in receiver drops the chase did lead wide receivers and drops but as a unit overall they weren't all that awful the wide receivers were number two in yards after the catch per reception number two in yards per route run and number three in pro football focus passing grade now the pass blocking was something we were discussing this is sort of a key for them they've given up multiple sacks in all but two games this year but the key number for them seems to be four if they give up four sacks or more they're two, seven, and one over the last two years with Burrow when they've allowed four sacks. And the Titans, though, they only have one defender that ranks inside the top 110 in pass rusher pressure rate this season. So maybe that isn't necessarily a place that will hurt them as much as some other teams could. Burrow is the number 10 graded quarterback under pressure among 40 uh, qualified quarterbacks this year. Nobody has averaged more yards per attempt, though. It's not as if he's bad, but he literally goes from being one of the top one or two graded quarterbacks to being 10th, you know, sort of average. He had nine of his 15 turnover-worthy plays when under pressure. And he and more than anything, it's how good he is when he's not under pressure. He is the single highest passer grade when kept clean this year. So he's human, mortal, almost about average with under pressure. And then he's like incredible, almost the best when he's not. You have to put pressure on him without sending extra rushers. They have not won a playoff game on the road ever. Oh and seven. Oh and seven. Um part of me also with my thing, um, with when I looked at this game, is I kind of felt with how like you have Taylor going to bars, you have like the big celebration. I kind of feel like Everybody but Burrow, you know, because Burrow was really cool afterwards. After the game, he said, yeah. we're not celebrating. Yeah, we got a lot. Look at, but everybody else. everybody else was. You know what I mean? Like, I he know. was just kind of like. I know. So that's even like even Beho, you know, even our guy Beho. Yeah. Obviously, he wants to win, but he said the same. They all said, we want to win one. Yeah. And now we, you know, we don't know if we were supposed to be here. You, you're hitting on it. Yeah. I would worry a little bit more about it if I didn't just trust burrow so much and that doesn't mean they're going to win but i don't think they're going to i don't think they're just going to no show this game yeah or yeah. maybe oh, they I don't cover I, I could you know i could i just at the end of the day like and i i say this all the time like the running yeah there's no team in the nfl built to stop the run yeah and when you have your best run stopper out and you're giving up another a whole yard and a half per game and you're getting, I mean, yeah, Taylor's great, but come on. Like, he's no Derrick Henry, dude. This guy's a beast when he's fully healthy. And he is coming off a major injury. But if he's like anything, if he's 80% of what he was, I just don't think how they're going to, I don't see how the Bengals will be able to stop him. And he, he's a monster. He's a freak. They were running the ball well, even without him too. You know, Foreman was, was they, they have a good running system too would whoever they had back there would run the ball really well and what makes them versus a game that we're going to talk about in, 
in a bit with the, the, the 49ers and the Packers, which what worries me about them is that the 49ers can run the ball, but when they need to make a play, if they have to go pick up a first down, if it is a third and seven, or if you have to lean on Jimmy G, that's where I, I get worried. I don't worry as much about Tannehill. I think people kind of, he just never gets mentioned. He never gets talked about. He's super under the radar by a lot of metrics. You know, he, he was eighth in pro football focus passing grade this year. You know, if you look at the guys in front of him, they were all, you know, studs, Joe Burrow, Brady, Murray, Aaron Rodgers, Herbert, you know, they all had great years and Tannehill's right there below them. So he can make a play. It's if, if Julio and if, and if Brown can, make plays with him to the combination of them. That's what makes them a little scarier. I do think that the, you know, the ability to target the, uh, the back end, this is a uh, one thing, the, the way that the Titans play on the defensive side, hold on. I dropped my note here. Okay. So the Titans are, have posted their best coverage grades when playing cover three and cover one. And these are the coverages that they use the most. They're the ones that they, as a team are the best at overall, like you were saying, compared to the rest of the league, they're not incredible. And so that is where that that's where the, if the Bengals win, it's going to be because they were very successful there. The Joe Burrow is the number one graded passer against cover three and against cover one. Those are little things where if he's exploiting that, this could be one of those moments where we see Joe Burrow take the next step. If not, this is a great year for the Bengals. They run into a good team. That's a really well coached football team. The, the corners are ranked 40 are all ranked 40 through 115 in pro football focus passing uh, coverage grades, but the safeties are awesome. So they're going to have to lean on their safeties in Tennessee. They have two of the top 10 players at the position in pure coverage grade. So if they want to help on those wide receivers there, I'm sure Rabel has had plenty of time to realize that's going to be their best bet is getting those safeties to help cover. And uh, I mean, yeah. they give up 188, yards a game and more importantly 67 percent catch rate to wide receivers yeah so i mean you know it's just kind of one of those things like is burrow gonna be strength on to- strength yeah how good how good is chase if you great strength on straight and awesome. i just i don't know like i guess like at, at the end of the day when you, you you have a situation like this when it's my strength against their weakness and their strength against my weakness you kind of got to look at the guy who's in charge Mm-hmm. and Vrabel is worlds better than light me. and day better it's than not even, yeah that's not even a discussion and that's not even I a discussion. really think that with Taylor's the one thing that the Bengals do that blow my mind is they run the ball so much on early downs and they yeah. get so predictable what they're going to do I know there's no like disguise or like not even disguise but like if they're going to pass an early downs, it's always a five wide out set with Burrow and the God. Both of these two teams sort of struggle on early downs. The other six are like awesome on early downs. I just feel like if like, let's say hypothetically Bengals get the ball to start, you know, stuff, stuff play mixing up the middle stuff, mixing up the middle stuff. Um, Third and 10, they get out. They don't convert punt. Tennessee goes on a 12 play seven minute drive for a touchdown, eight minute drive for a touchdown. Um, another drive, get a three or get like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 
if Tennessee gets that early lead there and yeah, then they can just run the ball run, and run, lead run, it run. and then Taylor, we saw what happened with Sirianni. Sirianni got down 14 zero. He completely panicked. Yep. And he started passing the ball way more than he should have. Yep. Um, so, you know, that's enough, like Vrabel, like he gets down like a quick 10 zero because of something that happens. He'll be on the sidelines smoking a cigarette, still running the ball. He's he's been there, done that. He's not mm-hmm. going to go out of his comfort zone. So I think that's a huge advantage. And just calling, calling like audibles and changing it up, like it it blew my mind. And you know we're going to get to the 49ers next. You had Dak Prescott. I I don't know. I forget off the top of my head how many penalties for holding the Cowboys were called on. But the longer it takes for the quarterback to drop back and pass the ball, there's you're going to get more penalties. Yeah. There's just going to be more penalties. So you're telling me that Mike McCarthy is supposed to be this offensive genius and um, more who the hot name, neither one of them said, Hey, why don't we just go to a three-step drop and get out of your hand? You know what I mean? Like it just, that to me just told me what I needed to know about those guys. But I think if Vrabel sees the game going one way, He's he going to shift. He's smart enough. And change what is going on. Taylor, who knows? He may, but he hasn't, he hasn't sh- proven it. No, he hasn't proven it. In fact, he's proven sort of the opposite. And it's it's felt like a lot of the times that Burrow has carried him, right? Burrow has been able to do what Herbert would do sometimes too and sort of clean up a mess that they would have. And so I think um, that'll be, you know, if this guy's incredible – they may win and he might just be incredible and maybe he's just awesome and he's going to be the next big quarterback and we're seeing him say screw it i'm here early and we're going to win this is all these matchups are really interesting i know people don't probably aren't as excited about that one and that might be the game we talked about the most of all because yeah, i I, yeah, like, I like I, that game it, it's very interesting to me too yeah, the way the teams match up and stuff yeah yeah i i think it's i think it's a great and you got the henry injury mm-hmm. yeah it's a it's i i love the matchup I, yeah me too. As crazy as it sounds, like I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah. Well, let's get to Saturday night. We got the 49ers playing the Packers. They're going to go and play in Green Bay. I think it's going to be around like 10 degrees. I see something around the, in yeah. that range. 10 pretty, wind chill under zero. Pretty chilly. Pretty, pretty chilly. All about it. 49ers, 11 and 7, 10 and 8 against the spread. Packers are 13 and 4, 12 and 5 against the spread. They're coming off of their bye in. We know that there may there are going to be uh, some uh, big big injury um, kind of issues and injury situations that we're watching in this game for both teams. You have the Packers who will have a couple of their key defensive players coming back. I think Bakhtiari had just come back also, so they're going to get a couple at least leaders and and guys that will boost their locker room up. We don't know exactly how much they're going to be helping help them on the field, how many snaps they'll be able to play, or what kind of impact they'll have, but it won't hurt having them there to give them a jolt. Then on the 49ers side, we know Jimmy G has the finger issue and it's going to be cold weather. He did look pretty good in some of the videos that have been out there though at practice. And then we know Bosa and Warner are both major injury and issues that we have to think uh, worry work on Bosa's the concussion and then Warner, you know, so even if Bosa comes back, you never know what the concussion it's concussion. If he's cleared, then he'll probably be pretty close to 100% more so than if he was coming off of like an ankle injury or something like that, right? If they give him the clearance and the green light, then he's probably good to go. So those could be like, those are a lot of key, key players that we're talking about on both sides of these teams. That's like six 
like top tier players on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Yep. And from everything I've read, Bose is a go. I think the 49ers are going to have everyone 100%. Um, but I really feel like the big injury is on, is, um, oh my God, Jenkins, the offensive lineman who's been on injured reserve for the Packers. I think this is the game where they're going to miss him the most, and you're going to get the pass rush from Bosa to um, make Rodgers disruptive. And I know when I was looking at the Packers, because Packers, to me, it's really interesting when you when you look at their stuff. Um, they're 28th DVOA rushing, but they've only given up um, the fourth least yards rushing. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's kind of like it's deceiving. Weird. Yeah. It because doesn't... like they haven't given up much, but it's like when they play someone who's good, it's because a lot of times yeah. they're in, in the lead, yeah. right? Yeah. They're playing from exactly. ahead. So a lot of teams don't, don't really have the opportunity yeah. to run all that much against them. But if you can keep it close against them, then they're not very good against the run. Yeah. And the blueprint it's, it's a simple blueprint to beat them. Every single game that they've lost, the team that has won has ran the ball 30 times per game and has won the time of possession. I mean, so that's what you do. You run the ball, bleed the clock, keep Rodgers on the sidelines, and don't let him get any rhythm. And you look at this 49ers. To me, this game is setting up like that dreadful game on Christmas Day where you and I both had the Browns. I really feel that the 49ers are going to be able to run all over this team. And it's just going to come down to where is Kyle going to get too cute? Like that, that's it right there. Like the first drive when I saw the 49ers, like just carving, just absolutely carving up the Cowboys defense, they get all the way down at, what was it? It was like at the five, they're in the inside the 10. And I, in my head, I had great, this is when Shanahan's going to bring in Trey Lance, do some stupid shit. There's going to be a turnover or they're nope. going to set up for three. When that didn't happen, I went, <clears throat> excuse me, from like a 10 on my confidence in my 49ers bet to like a hundred. I was like, okay. Seven plays, six of them picked up a first down, 6.8 yeah. yards per rush, 10 yards per play on the yeah. first drive yeah. last week. And then it's like you, there was like some critical play there. I mean, I, I sent you the message. I forget the play. I'm like, you're averaging five and a half yards a carry and you're passing the ball. Like, yep. why aren't you just running the ball? And like, it's the there same. Were th problem. There were three yeah. fourth and ones yeah. during the game that they kicked a field goal on and punted and punted. One of the fourth and ones was at the very end of the game where they ended up taking a false start, which was bizarre. Again, it's like, <laughs> okay, so what like, are you doing? Like the boat, like in fourth and short, less than a yard, Jimmy G has never been stopped for a quarterback sneak. He is the they most came from the Brady school. Yeah, they know how to sneak. Yeah. It's so great up there in, in New England. And that goes back to my comment: Kyle getting too cute. Who in their living, excuse my language, fucking mind, puts one of the best left tackles in the game in in motion? You know what I mean? It like, oh my god! Like it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, yeah, this, it, he, he that's that's what concerns me here. Now, let me let me say this: I'm not going to play this game, and I'm going to be talking more from the the and 
for for me and you is sort of the way that we bet. I think like I have to if a game is over a field goal, I'm probably not going to lay it. In le- like I'm probably not going to lay it. If it's a field goal or under, then I sort of see, see the game as like a an even kind of pick them game, and I'll yeah. kind of judge it as like you know, okay, if I like a team and they're going to be a three point favor, something that doesn't bother me. It's more than a, the field goal where I usually get okay. I don't know if I would, and so I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to get on the Packers, but I do have some concerns with the things that you were pointing out last week, and that worries me because it's not like it happened once; it happened multiple times. You combine yeah. that with the fact that. Jimmy G wasn't great. 16 for 25, two turnover worthy plays. And then the one, uh, the one that really killed him, that interception that let the Cowboys right back into the game. And now you, you worry. And he did look healthy from what I, what I saw and and everything that I've been reading, but now you put the cold weather on top of that, Mm -hmm. that that's not going to help him trying to throw the ball. Uh, yep. The 49ers were in a game where the Cowboys had 14 penalties for 89 yards. I mean, they were gifted yep. opportunities over and over. It was such a weird game because when the game was like 16 to seven, it it felt like it was, it was over. To seven. It you felt like it was not even close, but you're just looking at the score like, eh, this is weird. There's something weird here. And that that's sort of what happens when you don't have the – the court, the when your offense isn't complete, when you can't make all of the plays, when you're a little bit inefficient, when you get a little bit cute, like you were mentioning. So the Cowboys had four penalties that cost themselves a first down. They had four that gave the 49ers an automatic first down. Yeah. So eight total penalties that were either that were a first down against them in one way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. They, the D line had five penalties themselves. The D line, um. The 49ers ran it 38 times for 169 yards, mainly Mitchell, 27 carries for 96 yards. Wasn't all that efficient for 3.6 yards per carry, but then you've got Debo who will be very explosive, 10 carries for 72 yards and a touchdown. The offensive line was eh, sort of had a tough time with the Dallas defensive front. They allowed six, pre- the guards allowed six pressures on only 25 total dropbacks in the game. As Jimmy G only dropped back uh, 25 times, the defensive line, they picked on, this was really weird, Eric, Smith. Smith, who was one of the best, and I, I never know how to take that. Like, should should I be really impressed at the San Francisco defensive line, which is definitely more the way I lean, or look at Smith and go, he allowed seven pressures on 51 pass-blocking snaps last week. He allowed 11 the whole year. But... Dak was holding onto the ball. And no, you're right. And that's that's a deceiving. And that's it's kind of like it's hard, hard. for him, right? It's I mean, hard. there is one play, and like it, like when I when I watch the game, it's usually like probably an adult beverage in my sure. water. Oh yeah. Um, and then I have my notes. Like I mean, I have legal pads all over my place here, mm-hmm. and I'm just jotting notes. And there was one play, and I forget what quarter it was. Bosa rushed, turned around, thought the play was over. And, and Dak, Dak still, still running has around. the ball, and he just reigns and sack him. It was like a 15-second sack, and you're kind of like – Throw the ball what? away, dude. You know, you're like, what, what is going on? So, I mean, that – Throw it away, that run. That, to me, is like a little – you know what I mean? It's, it's, a it's little, No, no, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's a little it's, like – It's more on Dak. Yeah. It's yeah. more on Dak than it is on, on some of those guys. Yeah. Um, And you're right. I mean, like, I could see – for this game, for me – like how I cap the game is I kind of like map it out in my head and everything. And the thing that sticks out for me is we can all agree. Kittle's probably what 
second or third tight end, best tight end. Oh yeah, dude. He's one of the best overall football players with as well as he blocks too. He's just damn good. And the Packers are bottom four defending the tight end, according to DVOA. And I really think that's a matchup that they're going to be able to exploit. You get Kittle the ball, you work Mitchell, and Shanahan doesn't trust rookies. And he's trusting this kid a lot. And he's Mm -hmm. giving him the ball in key situations. And the kid's not fumbling. The kid's not messing up at all. To me, when I look at this game, like I said, it just comes down if Kyle doesn't get too cute. Yep. You know, because I really believe they're going to be able to run the ball, control the clock, keep Rodgers on the sidelines. And that's exactly what happened in that Saints game at the beginning of the year when it was 38 to three. Mm-hmm. Saints ran all over them. Rodgers started pressing, made some mistakes. Um, I know they're getting Cobb back, which is going to be huge. And there's a lot of pressure on the back four of the 49ers. I mean, I, the back 30, 32nd ranked 32 yeah. defense against deep balls. Yeah. The, the, the back of the 49ers there that goes back if Bose is healthy and he's able to generate that pressure and exploit Jenkins not being there it's not going to give time for the play to develop yep um so it's an intriguing matchup um it seems like these two play together always right and the 49ers have been beat they beat them up yeah this earlier this year they didn't but that was in a game where the 49ers no had like Mitchell. no running the no yeah, back. Mitchell, Mitchell didn't play. It was just use check yeah. and 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 Sermon was something was weird. They had Sermon no carries for 30 yards that game. Yeah. No, Mitchell was out and he wasn't using Debo like he's using no, Debo not at all. Not at all. So that was I mean, that like, game is hard to use as yeah. a ju- as a gauge. And the Packers but, were more healthy, you know, they were more yeah, and, and honestly, the than, Packers yeah. recently. They have not played, like you said, they have not played all that well. And and that's why it's funny because the, you know, we talked obviously every week this year, the, the teams coming into the playoffs that I wanted to fade the most, me, were the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the Packers. And then they were all end up playing against each other. So it put me in like a really, you know, it's like a really weird spot because I, I didn't love the way they were all playing coming in, but what somebody's got to win. Right yeah, when there's a matchup, someone's got to win and move on, and that doesn't mean that any of these teams aren't good enough to win at all. It's just teams that I thought might have been a little overvalued coming in. They all run into each other, and uh, so I'm I was right. Dallas lost, and some one of these teams is going to lose. So I and guess then, I was right. <laughs> I was right there. But uh, to, keep going. back here, Jimmy G. Part of me is a little worried he's going to get a little too predictable because we all mm-hmm. saw in the Cowboys game who does he look for on third down? Jawan Jennings. You know what I mean? Like. Who, who, you know what? I got a Juwan Jennings stat. So he has caught 11 of 12 third down targets in the regular season. That is the highest catch rate of any wide receiver on third downs with more than 10 targets. That's and nuts. It's crazy. Like that's the guy you're going to Juwan Jennings. You've with- got, you've got Debo Kittle. Yeah. Even Ayuk, who's gotten a lot better. You know, he's gotten involved a little bit more. It seems like he kind of got out of the doghouse for where he was. Of, and like, you go to him. The Shanahan offense is like really predictable because Ayuk is involved when Debo is in the backfield because Ayuk slides over and plays Debo's position. So, I mean, it's a little bit like when Debo and Ayuk are both out wide, he is just like an afterthought. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I I just really think they're going to be able to run the ball. Yeah. And, like, I hate to sound like a broken record. No, 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 absolutely. Like, the NFL is such a copycat league and it takes teams times to catch up. It take, it, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it take, and then you have a team with a good running system. Like 
I'll be honest, like if the Browns made the playoffs, I would have future tickets on well, the that, Browns. That was why yeah. that was why the Browns always sort of had pretty good advanced metrics. And the Browns were always a team that I was sort of believing in too, because they were they they know what they are. And yeah. they're a difficult matchup because it's just, hey, run, run, run. And then, yeah. like you said, we have a quarterback to where can they make a couple plays? This year, Baker couldn't. Last year, he made enough plays to get them into the second round of the playoffs. And that, that was, that's honestly what it comes down to, right? Yeah. Like he if made. He can make a couple throws, you know, my plus 210 is going to catch. Yeah. Then sweating out my plus five and a half. Yeah. You're you hoping know, to, you're hoping to get a, a backdoor cover yeah. because. Yeah. They had to kick three field goals, and that's something you probably can't do against Aaron Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, Allen. You have to take advantage when you're in the red zone. Last week, the, the Bills had a perfect game, and the Chiefs scored seven touchdowns in a row, six touchdowns in a row at one point after kind of starting a little slow. Um, like we said, though, 16-7 at the half felt like they were up 30. Um, they're, they're not that good in in special teams, which is kind of interesting yeah, 30 second and I mean, the, uh, the both of these teams are actually yeah. miserable it's hilarious the packers are 32nd and the 49ers are 26th yeah. for two teams that we think are pretty well coached for the most yeah. part and are like good because last week it was a couple stupid things on special teams that uh, there was a roughing the panel uh, the punter penalty from the 49ers they also allowed a fake punt to get a first down those were like total Miss, like you're up in the game, you're cruising, you got a great running game, right? You everything, the template of the game is going well for you. Things that you can't do have dumb things on special teams like that, or have Jimmy G throw an interception. As long as you don't do those things, you'll be in great shape. And so that's what no, that really worries me. The end of the third quarter, the Cowboys only had passed for six first downs, six for passing first downs at the end of three. The the this is the one of the plays you were talking about. So the 49ers, they have the number five rushing offensive DVOA. They did not attempt a fourth and one that if they converted would have won the game. It That one play alone, by not going for it, they had a negative 17% win percentage. They dropped 17% in their win percentage of the game just by not going for it. Then they had, they had three fourth and one plays during the game. They punted, punted, and kicked a field goal. Because of those three decisions, they lost negative 25% win percentage just on those three calls right there. That's 25%. And like we said, they're lucky, sort of like the Bengals were, that they ran into a team like the Cowboys who were playing that poorly and had all those penalties and Dak was holding on to the ball and Mike McCarthy's a god-awful coach and just all of those things sort of come together for them. Um, third and one on their own 34, they throw the ball and then they have to punt. And it's like, you got this incredible running. That, that wasn't even a fourth down. That's a third and one, but yeah. that ends up this, that's the same type of thing because then you're not going to go for it on fourth down on your own 30 like that, because that's a little scary to do early in the game. So on third and one, you got to run the ball there. Yeah, You have to, it's just that this, we get, we talk about coaches getting cute sometimes like Sean Payton and Shanahan. It's like, they believe that they're such great coaches and in their scheme that they can make anything happen that instead of just, Hey, if you're running the ball down somebody's throat, keep doing that, hand it off. Don't Hey, look, I can make Jimmy G make a great pass here. Who cares? Jimmy G wants a super bowl ring. He doesn't care if he makes an unnecessary pass there. uh, 
false start on fourth and one. Then they allowed Dallas to get into range to even throw a deep ball. We could have a whole podcast on what Dallas decided to do in the last like, play. I don't run that draw. Running sideline prevent. It's like, like what it's are just, you doing? It's yeah. like, like, what the hell is going on? Like, that was like such. Oh my God. Like, yeah. I was, like, you're like, it's so bad. You're watching in disbelief. You're like, am I really watching? It's, these guys that get paid millions of dollars. How to do they not know this like, is insane? To play like to do this, it just utterly just it was such a shit show. It, it just was. Blows, it, it just blows my mind. Um. So now I've been I've been, day, been you know, like you, I've been super negative it, with a lot of things on the 49ers, but let me all say this: I'm not like high on the Packers. You know, yeah. they rank pretty low in DVOA. They have a couple really bad games now week one. And then the Jordan love games, they're in the mix there too. Rogers obviously had a great year, lowest interception rate, highest TD rate, but they haven't covered in three of their last four and their stretch of games. They have not played well at all. They beat the Vikings with Mannion in a game where we found out Mond wasn't going to play. Zimmer didn't want anything to do with him. They beat the Browns by two despite four interceptions from Baker that game when the Browns dominated them and were running all over all them. Over, and the over. Browns had the ball late and should have won the game even despite all of that. But they that's another the, thing, like, Scafanti got too cute. Right? Like, it, you know what it, I mean? Why? Like, and Baker would have loved to just hand the ball off there. I don't think Baker was like, let me throw it, coach. It's like, what are you – I don't know. Maybe, I don't know what's going on in the, in the huddles, but yeah. why don't you just keep handing the ball? It doesn't make sense. They beat the Ravens by one with backup quarter uh, with backup QB Huntley. The one time they covered in their last four games was against Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond. Yeah, I mean they haven't played a meaningful game for a while. No, you know what I mean. Like they locked um, up that division. There was nobody yeah. in that division that was even going to give them remotely a scare after Minnesota was just kind of fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah. They had the 28th rushing defensive DVOA. It's it's a pretty straightforward handicap in that like. If the 49ers win this game pretty easily, we're going to just look and be like, yep, they ran for 250 yards. Yeah. You know, it's going to be something like that where they just ran, ran, ran nonstop. Debo breaks off a few. Mitchell breaks a few. Something crazy with use check. They're just getting action. Funny, you know, and then we can look on the other side and say, oh, if they get down early, they, you know, Green Bay scores. Then on the the next drive, the 49ers don't score, and then Green Bay scores, and they're up 14 to nothing. That right away, they could be in a, in a pretty bad spot. Like you said, I don't think that they're not out of it, but if they start feeling the pressure because they're down 14 and they feel like they have to abandon the run a little bit more, they feel like they have to try to throw because, uh-oh, we can't afford to punt again. We have to throw. that. That's where you could look up, and all of a sudden it's like 21 nothing, and then it's really cold, and Jimmy yeah. G's getting hit, and now it's like, uh-oh, and, the four, and Lambo's going crazy, so yeah. – yeah, this is in these next two games too. They're really fun, sort of straightforward handicaps. So we have a lot to discuss about them because these teams are great. We know, and now this is this is the best time of the year for people like us who look at all this information because some people I, I don't like to look at, you know, advanced metrics and this or that or sure. But if you do, now is when they're the best because yeah. they have the most sample size. These teams have played a bunch of games. It's not like we're looking at DVOA after three weeks when they've played a bunch of crappy teams. Everybody's gone through their full slate. So that is a uh, Saturday for you. Don't forget, we'll be on fourth and inches. When are we saying Saturday at uh, three? Saturday right? at three and uh, Sunday at Sunday time. at eleven. Sunday normal time at eleven a.m. Yeah. Eastern time. So Saturday but- at three p.m. We'll preview those two Saturday games. Sunday morning 
11 a.m. Eastern time. We'll talk Rams-Tampa, our first Sunday game here. Eric, we got the Rams 13. Real quick. Oh, I hate to. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, please, please. The Packers do like to establish the run and running the ball. And I really think that one thing that's kind of getting over, under, overlooked by pretty much everybody is 49ers are too DVOA, like run, defending the run. They are a stout run defense. And I really think that if this does get in a situation where it's a constant third and seven, third and six, mm-hmm. third and eight, that really does – and for anybody, it doesn't matter if you're Rodgers or yeah. not. You can't. Yeah. You're not going to be perfect in those situations. You're not. So they have to establish. They have to be creative. If it's going to be passing on first or you know mixing things up a little bit, short stuff, getting the ball out, some pitches here, maybe some screens, whatever it is, be a little creative. But you're right. The the matchups here and the strength on strength, strength on weakness is uh, really fascinating. Good Matt. I didn't love the matchups last week and I love the matchups this week and I may go zero and four gambling, but they're just interesting, you know, from, from just like they, I don't think they could have possibly have been better. Three of these games are actually rematches. The only one that isn't was the game that we talked about first. The, uh, the Bengals Titans, Mm -hmm. we got the Rams Tampa. Let's jump to Sunday. This one is at three o'clock PM Eastern time on Sunday. Rams are 13 and five overall nine and nine against the spread Tampa 14 and four overall 10 and eight against the spread the Tampa Bay Bucks scored three times in their first four possessions. And they just put the Eagles away the, you know, they were down 17, nothing in the Eagles couldn't really run the ball anymore, unfortunately. And and then hurt. It isn't the type of passer to come back. The game probably wasn't as bad as it looked, as it looked, you know, see, it, it, like I, I did my rewatch. And for me, like we're, got hurt. Jensen got hurt. And then the Eagles, who aren't a good pass rushing team, started to get to Brady. And then that's kind of how the second half ended. Seven, yep. excuse, second quarter, 17 nothing. Eagles get the ball. They drove. Got to, like, what was it, 48, like, midfield-ish. Mm-hmm. Punted it. Pinned Brady. Defense came out firing. I, they didn't – I think they got two yards that drive. And now you punt it, and Eagles are getting a short field, and – I made it in my notes. I was like, dude, Eagles score here. You know, they have this is a game. Yeah. This is a game. And then Rieger fumbled. They yep. scored a pick. Then that, in then my eyes, that's, that's when the wheel. That's then it was over. Off. At 17, you yeah. still got a shot there. You're right. Cause then they're still in the game. They're still fighting. Yeah. At that point, that that's when the wheels fell off. Because like, I really feel that. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll say my, I'll let you finish your thought first. Though. Yeah. No, no. The, the, and, and what ended up happening, like, the Eagles are not winning a game when they have three first downs rushing in a game. No. Three three rushing first downs. They're just not going to happen. Um, a couple things on the Tampa side. Nine different players caught a pass led by 117 yards on nine catches for Mike Evans. You mentioned Wurfs. They could be down the center also. So they could yeah. be down or – and maybe they're not down, but they, I'm sure both of these guys will try to play even if they do play offensive linemen playing banged up hurt against Aaron Donald. And against I – mean, I'll be honest, Horvs, I think it's like 335 pounds, and he's in a walking boot today. Right. You're telling me he's going to be playing on Sunday. And putting, being able to move laterally the way that they they want. Like, no shot. No, yeah. None. The the, the Tampa Bay Bucks also got a gift roughing the passer call in in that game. That was really bad. The, 
uh, one note, the Rams have done pretty well against Bulls defensives the last two years. They've averaged 30 points per game plus. And it was also kind of hard for the Eagles too, because there was a lot of wind in that game. And so, you know, Tom isn't going to be able to throw the ball down the field quite like he used to, but he's so incredibly accurate at the short passing game. He's so pinpoint accurate that the wind does the wind on some of the short game that he's doing and dinking and dunking. It doesn't impact him as much as it might with someone like Hertz, who's just not as accurate of a thrower, you know, and if he has to throw the ball in the wind, like that's obviously going to be an advantage for the bucks there. The, uh, you know, they, it, it was early. It was, you know, 190 yards to 12 yards to start the game. The first half, the Eagles, this is a brutal one. Eagles wide receivers, had six targets, three catches for 42 yards, and, and Mike Evans had seven targets, six catches, and 61 yards. They only allowed the Eagles to get a first down on one of their five first-half possessions, but they were only up 17-0. It sounds, it sounds only, but you know, you look over, and the, the really good teams right now can score over and over and over again. And this was a game that I, w- I wasn't all that impressed with Tampa coming out of this game. It seemed like there was a lot of timing issues with wide receivers, um, Brady mm-hmm. getting very vocal with Perryman and Tyler Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I did my handicap, it this came down to a couple things. I looked at the Rams running game because they had their most rushes in a game against the cards. Offense looked completely different. They had 38 for a buck 40. This was only the second time. And think about it, They've had some blowout wins. You know what I mean? This was the second time all year that they've had more rushing attempts than passing attempts. The last time this happened was, I think it was what, week four. Like, it was against the Giants, whenever they played the Giants. that was And that was early on in the season. Um, I think week, week I want to say week four. And in the games that the Rams win, they averaged 26 carries a game for a buck 07. In games they lose, 20 carries for 80. So the key number for me is 25. I really feel if the Rams have over 25 carries, they're going to win the game. And then we mentioned the Eagles running. And it's kind of funny, like, if I were to sit sit here and tell you that the Eagles had a 60% success rate running on early downs, averaging 5.6 yards per carry, and they sacked Brady four times, you would tell me they won the game. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you are able to run on this Bucks defense. Yep. And you got to trust McVay is going to do it. And then you look at the injuries that are in the secondary. Um, I really feel like Stafford's going to be able to pick apart the secondary. And you have Cup, who's playing at a great level. OBJ seems to be locked in and engaged. And then you have this guy in Van Jefferson, who is the most underrated wide receiver in the league in my eyes. So, I really think they're going to be able – to be effective offensively if McVay stays committed to the run game to set everything up. And then you just look at the fact that Wirfs is hurt and Jensen and Wirfs' backup got hurt too. So they could be rolling out there with a third string right tackle. And then I'm assuming Jansen, their their center, is going to play. But even if he plays, he's not going to be 100%. Oh, no way. No way. Yeah, and Brady really struggles on interior pressure, and you have the second-best defensive player in Aaron Donald rushing up the interior. I mean, we all saw what Mahomes struggled with in the Super Bowl. 
I really think Brady is going to struggle here. And then it's going to come down to is Arians going to go hurry up because that, that in my head, that's the only way he can come up to like patch up the holes of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Is, is he going to go hurry up, not let the Rams defense sub and try to get him tired? Cause it, I, I don't know what the weather is supposed to be on the top of my head. I'll look real quick in Tampa. Is he going to get him hot? You know what I mean? But then again, like this isn't like a I cold think, weather. I think like human. 70. Yeah. yeah it I mean, doesn't look like it's like hot and humid there. So no. that's, that's the only way I could see Tampa winning is I... if Tampa goes hurry up. But don't you also like when this game was coming out, like we all, I thought that it was going to open up at four or five and open up at two. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's almost that tells, like, you, that tells you something right tells, there. That tells you a lot. And yeah. then when it jumped up to three, I was like, dude, I got to lock this in. So I mm-hmm. locked it in at the Rams plus three, but the Me fact too. they opened it up at two, that, that speaks a lot to what the bookmakers are thinking. You know, I like the Rams a lot in this spot. Um, the, and trust anyone that's bet against Brady before in the past and situations, you know, you've, you've probably gotten bitten plenty of times, but this isn't an anti Brady take. He was incredible this year. He had another great year. This is just a matchup thing. If they're going to be missing a couple of key pieces of their offensive line, or those guys aren't going to be operating at 100%, they don't have the playmakers. You hit on the fact that there was noticeable chemistry issues with some of the receivers. They're just not the same type of players that he has been getting all the reps with um i was talking with uh Beho and blackjack a little earlier when we were doing um our uh, our woodbine stuff and we were previewing some of the games too and they had said you know well tom brady has elevated plenty of you know no-name players through the years in new england and i did and i said you're right the only difference is those were players who all along were his number ones the guys that he was taking reps with all the time the guys that he was you know throwing the ball to in practice that were running routes in games. These guys haven't played most of the year that are in right now. There's no Godwin. There's no Antonio Brown. There's no Fournette, even the backup backs they're they're having a problem with. I mean, it's going to come down to Perriman and we're going to come down to uh, Gio Bernard having to make plays. And I don't know if that is going to be enough for them. It, I really don't, you know, the Rams played pr- the Rams game. Last week, if you're just looking at that game, it's sort of hard to to use as a gauge because they played pretty well and Arizona played horrible. Like Arizona was terrible in that game. The, so it's a combination of both. The Rams were up 21 nothing at halftime. They scored a touchdown on the first drive of the second half and they scored a field goal on their second drive. So they were up 28 nothing and then 31 to eight. Kyler was just miserable, miserable in that game. The Rams had 122 total yards at the end of the first quarter. Arizona had negative three. And sort of because of the loss to the 49ers at the end of the year and because of Stafford struggling, it felt like the Rams weren't playing all that well. But they had won six of seven games. They've won six of their last seven games right now. And the two games in their last – so if you dig back into the regular season, they lost a game against the Packers where they played really poorly and that game, they actually get like kind of made that a game. They were bad in that game. Stafford was and then the other game they lost was the game to the 49ers where they were up 17 to nothing. And they blew yeah. that game late in the game. They had an opportunity to seal it and they couldn't, I, you got some really nice flashes last week from acres running the ball. And you like you, you've been talking about just the running, the fact that they've been paying more attention to running the ball. So yeah, him there, obviously Sony, Michelle, uh, super impressive stuff from Akers, a guy who had ACL tended not even six months ago. 
Keep an eye on the Whitworth injury for them. That will obviously not help them. A guy like Whitworth, who even at his age is still a really, really good offensive lineman. And Aaron Donald, he had four pressures last week. He had four pass block wins that did not result in pressure. So he could be feasting on some uh, uh, some backups over yeah. there, you know, or, or some injured. Yeah. I watched the Manning cast, which I think, I think the Manning cast is a good product and I like it a lot, but I think it's changed a lot from how it started. It's already jumping the shark a little bit. Um, So, but I, Peyton made an interesting comment. His comment was now since Stafford has this first playoff win off his back, he's going to be more relaxed. And if that's the case against the secondary, I mean, I think like I, I have all the faith in the world the Rams are going to win. And as much as everyone wants to talk about how the Bills are built to beat the Chiefs, I feel the Rams built themselves to beat to the beat. Buccaneers. Well, remember when they did earlier in the year and Sean McVay was literally acting like it was the Super Bowl. He was yeah. slapping everybody. Yeah. He was sprinting down the sidelines. They were really pumped up because they knew, like you said, this is the team that they were going to have to beat. Mm-hmm. And Larry Fitzgerald talked about how with Odell, you know, and then people are really like, oh, look at look at what they're doing with Odell. I mean, dig into Odell's numbers. It's not as if he's been lighting the world on fire. But what what he's doing is he's just this is a much better role for him when you're a, a, across from Cooper Cup, because what it does is it makes it easy. Odell gets to play one on one because pe- people on the other side are focusing in on Cup. And now they're using Odell. Fitzgerald said it's the Rams make better use of his ability to high point the ball in the red zone first and foremost. And so that's what they're doing is they're just giving him a couple more opportunities there. They, uh, I will say that I do get nervous with McVay. Sometimes he is a very good coach, but he's one that's really weird with the decision-making. He's one of the most, the bottom five in conservative decision-making when it's fourth and short, he kicks field goals. A lot of the times he punts a lot of times on fourth and short, instead of going for it. We talked about last week, that one play that it's going to bother me. And I hope that if he gets that same opportunity again, if the Rams are in this game, if the Rams are up 24 to 17 and there's a minute and 40 seconds left to go and it's third and six and you know, you have to make it, you have to try to pick that up. You have to pass the ball. That's why you went and got Stafford. That's and why you if, traded away your future. You for know, him. You, now. Right now. now. It's, it's, he's not like, oh, we, we got to wait for next Stafford to go through the speed. No, he went through it. You went and got that guy now. You don't have kid gloves on him. You yep. better make that play because if you don't and you give the ball back to Tom Brady, you bet your ass he's yep. going to go score. It's not good. Like, you got to play this game to win. Instead of playing not to lose. You got Odell. Yeah. You got Cup over there. You got Higby over there. You've got guys that can make a and play Higby, for you. Van Jefferson, like I said. He's is awesome. He's unbelievably great. good. He's great. You and have a lot of weapons. So many weapons. You got you to gotta go for it there. And yep. it's not going to be windy. So Stafford's going to be able to sling the ball. It's not going to be frigidly cold. It's going to just be a great day, like you said, in the 70s to play football. And like I said, the key number is 25. If they rush the ball over 25 times, I have all the faith in the world that they're going to win. And like sometimes, like I, and I, you know, I'll revert back to basketball so, with the game I bet today. Like sometimes the number speaks to you. Mm-hmm. And today, like when I was doing, looking at my stuff, doing my numbers, 
Indiana is only getting three and a half at home against Purdue. You know what I mean? Like you have yeah. to kind of sit back and say, okay, this line is here to attract Purdue. It's telling, money. It's telling you yeah, something, you know, and this is what the line is doing. The line is speaking to you right now. And then you just look at the injuries. Eagles are bottom in pressure, bottom in blitz rate, and they were without their best pass rusher. And they were able to disrupt Brady and sack him four times. And that's always been the issue. That's always been the thing with Brady. If you put a little pressure on him, especially early, then what you do, you make him uncomfortable because Brady will not, he's not going to be the type of guy who holds on the ball, on the ball too long and, and gets like a strip sack. But what he will do is he'll get a little yippy. You yeah. know, because he's so he's so quick on the release that if you if you pop him and put a little pressure on him two or three times early, then he's going to start yeah. releasing even earlier, releasing even earlier. And right now, he's not he doesn't have the chemistry and the cohesion with these receivers. And this so is if going to miss Godwin underneath, this yep. is the game they're going to miss Godwin. And then you look, you got Donald in the interior against the center, who's a great player. You know, second team All Pro, but he's banged up, not a hundred percent. You have Von Miller on one side, and everyone's forgetting about Leonard Floyd, who's having a sneaky, another sneaky good season. And either Miller or Floyd's going to be possibly going up against a third string um, right tackle. And if the right tackle starts getting blitzed a lot and starts giving up pressure, Gronk is a great blocking tight end. You keep Gronk in the block, and the person he's most comfortable with is not there, you know. And you got Ramsey, who's very capable of shutting down Mike Evans. So the the recipe is there. The pieces are there. Now it's up to McVay and Morris to put everything together and put their team in a position to win. And if they do that, I have all the faith in the world. I, I got the Rams. At, I got them at plus, plus three. I think it's still sitting at plus three right now. Um, that's the number. Yeah. yeah. As, you, as soon as that, if it, if whatever you're, you know, and that's, what's nice about the, this, uh, some of these numbers is they're right on and you might be able to shop around or based on when you've looked earlier in the week, if you got ahead with some of them, you, you could have gotten, you know, the two and a half to three to three and a half with some of these numbers that are right on the, that are right on the cusp. So I, I I'm with you. I think that um, I'm, I'm very, I'm very high on the spot for the Rams and, you know, you can never count Tom Brady out. They're obviously a three-point favorite in this spot too. It's not like we're talking about the Rams as being a favorite in this game, but I, I, it's a great matchup for them. It really is. I like the matchup for them quite a bit, and right. I probably will. We'll see. I mean, I don't know right now. I'll probably pick whoever wins this game to, to win this to win the the NFC over the next game because, like I said, I was not quite as high on those teams. I was sort of fading them. We'll see what happens here. We'll see what happens with injuries and stuff. I might, I might be in that in the. At least right now, where it looks, if I if I had to pick which game do you think would have the NFC winner, I would say more likely to come out of the Rams Bucks game than to come out of the other one. I think those teams seem to have a couple more flaws. I think these two teams are a little bit more well balanced overall. Tampa, even with some of their pieces missing, they don't. And we'll see what happens with their offensive line. Obviously, like that might be a just a hole. And then if they, if they're struggling there, but I think overall as teams, like I don't have as many things to to kind of pick holes in with the Rams. They were actually by pro football focus. They were the highest graded team overall, just based on complete unit grades. Because when you go through every side of the ball, offense, defense stuff, they're just all, they're pretty solid across the board, you know? Um, So doesn't really bode all that well when the number two team on that list was the Cowboys and we saw what happened to them last week, but, but we knew, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just, 
when you look at the Rams, I mean, for me, it, it's simple. You have to be able to protect your quarterback and you have to be able to exploit the other people not named Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And because they lost a lot last year. Last year, their secondary was nails and they lost a lot of key A couple guys to the Browns ended up going, so, yeah. yeah. So you need to be able to let the play develop and let the routes run. But if you have a banged up center and a third string right tackle – and no, third and fourth string receivers yeah. Yeah. where you're, where you've only got. So if Ramsey's able to take out Mike Evans and now you're able to really scheme, like you said, maybe you have, you can scheme Gronk out with a couple guys. You Gronk has to block a little bit more to help the offensive line. That's going to maybe have, you know, some backups or they're going to be a little bit banged up. So now all of a sudden your, your guy, your next receiver that you really need a lot from, he's not going to be able to, to run as many routes maybe, or to have as many targets as you'd like. And now like he says, Perriman, it's a couple others that they're going to have to step up and they're going to have to make plays. And I like the, uh, I like the Rams in that situation. So we, uh, I think on Saturday, and it sounds like, it go ahead. like Fournette's going to play. Like yeah. I'm looking, I'm watching a video of him right now. He was now. tweeting something cryptic yeah. too, or yeah. Well, I'm looking at a video right now. You know, he's moving around in the hamstring. He's getting the leg up in the air. Fine. Playoff Lenny. Yep. He's going to try to get in that, there. That's going to be, you know, a big help. But the Rams, you know, they're pretty, pretty good against the run. I think they're mm-hmm. like five DVOA. But I mean, just having him there. And don't get me wrong. I think Gio Bernard is a great pass catching back. He is. But in terms of like hard in between the tackle running no nope. nowhere near Fournette level no and yeah i so really that'll help, that'll help if he's able yeah. to go in and get 15 touches or however you know yeah, we'll see because he's he's going to be trying to rush back from an injury so yeah. we'll see what level that he can play at but if he can you know uh get a little adrenaline and bust through it, I think from the sounds of it, as we move on to Bills Chiefs, it sounds like we're probably going to be on the, the same side. I think on both of these games on uh, on Sunday, and it I, seems I got like the Rams locked in, man. Like, yep, I'm ready to yep. go, man. Me you too. Know. Let's do it, Ramily. Let's yeah. do it. As uh, we out. get to, we get to Bills Chiefs, the Bills are twelve and six straight up, ten and six, ten six and two against the spread. Kansas City thirteen and five straight up, nine and nine against the spread. These two teams beat the crap out of their opponents last week. The, a lot of people sort of feel like this is kind of a de facto AFC championship game, which is kind of scary when when that happens. Because whoever plays this game, like maybe are they going to feel like they won the Super Bowl almost? And, and then you have to go to Tennessee, and, and then you got to go on the road, or able just there, just smoking a cigarette, you know? Or you play this t- if if it's it's either you're going on the road to play a team that is severely underrated and yeah. nobody really thinks much, or you're going to play this team that's young. And that Joey B is going to be swinging his big D around, you know, like he's going to be coming in there with like oozing machismo. Yeah. So it's not going to be a great situation either way for them. It's not going to be like a just cakewalk past it. Um, and I mean, but- you and Leo did that tennis tournament. You see it in tennis all the time. There's like the semifinal. The- that's the final. That's and bracketed in. Someone yeah. wins it. And then you just get steamrolled. The, the, the next final. one. Cause it takes it out of you. It takes yeah. all that emotion out of you. Yeah. And these two teams, I'm sure the bills, too for the Bills, they they know that the other is one of the better teams. They knew, I think, throughout the year that these would be teams that they would probably have to meet up with. The Bills, you're talking about how teams built themselves. They've kind of built their offense to be able to be able to go up and down with an offense like this. Because if you can't score points with this team, even if you have a great defense, you're going to be in trouble. You have to be able to put some points on the board too. The Bills, 
had a perfect game last week. They scored a touchdown on every drive. No punts, no interceptions, no fumbles, no field goals, all touchdowns until the kneel downs. It was the best game of the year, regular season or playoffs based on DVOA metrics. It was the sixth best playoff game in DVOA metrics history. Josh Allen was 10 for 10 on passes 10 plus yards down the field for 239 yards. He got a 94.8 overall grade, which is the second highest grade by a quarterback in the playoffs since 2006, which is when PFF started grading. And he is the, um, and the number one player in that range was Mahomes in 2019 in the game against the Titans. So they'll be playing against each other right here. I mentioned that great stat last week about how Josh Allen is the highest graded runner of any player this year to rush for even one rush. He, he has them. And we saw it last week. He's he, him running the ball is the most efficient rushing play in football this year. There's no player when they would that you'd rather hand the ball to, or just let them run every play. Josh Allen does more for you than anyone. He was really good when they played in week five, he had a 92.3 grade, five big time throws, one turnover worthy play that was at Arrowhead. And you started to sniff this out with the Bills because we kind of went up and down with them this year as early in the year, we were kind of like, ah, they may be a little overhyped. Things went great for them this year. We sort of stayed away from Allen and some fantasy stuff. And then in the middle of the year, it really was looking like they were kind of struggling to the middle towards the end. And we were even talking about, do they miss the playoffs? Look at what the way their schedule it is. But they've started to run the ball and it's Allen, yes, but overall Singletary, you know, he had 81 carries again last uh, 81 yards on 16 carries last week. Josh Allen had six carries for 66 yards, 11 yards per carry. So as a team, they had 29 carries for 174 total yards on six yards per carry. Think about a few weeks ago. I mean, I guess it's more like two months ago now when didn't they have the game against, was it the game against Tampa where they didn't have one run to a running back in the first half? They didn't have one handoff. Not one at all. That's and look at where they've come in, in just a little bit. That's what makes them scary. It's not that Allen is so great. Yes, it is. Allen is great. He's awesome. His ceiling is good. But that they actually can run the ball there. Singletary since 2019, since he since he's been around, 2.52 yards after contact per attempt. That is top 10 in running backs over the last three years. Jonathan Taylor, he is 2.53. And Singletary is 2.52. He's right in the conversation with someone that people would think of as, you know, the top two or three backs in the league. And they had 8.9 yards per play, six of seven on third down, only three penalties. Those are the kind of things that scare me a little bit as someone who likes the Bills, locked in the Bills, and will be backing the Bills is just how even like the penalties went perfect for them. And like sometimes you play a game that's so perfect, it's hard to play yeah, another you one. You only go down. The next week, really go that's going to be the same. But I do think this is going to be a really good football game. I like both of these teams. And I was a little more, you know, more than jumping out of last week and going, oh, my gosh, I have to bet the Bills because of how good they were just this week. It was more like, hmm, okay, Kansas City, you know, the first nine total possessions between the Chiefs and the Steelers, nobody scored. It was really slow moving. You, you know, you do that against the Bills. You're down last week. You're down twenty-eight nothing. Yeah, the first four times they get the ball, it's the game's over. It doesn't I mean, matter like, if you're the Chiefs. Something to think about. I was able to get plus money live out of money line wow. for 
Kansas City against once the they got Jones. down after that touchdown. After they got down out of uh, out of that touchdown, the, I was the able to get them money for a money line for the first half, which is just astronomical. Um, and I mean, you kind of hit on the head. You have to be able to put up points. I mean, you're looking at the Chiefs' DVOA: defense twenty fourth, pass twenty three, rush twentieth. How you beat the Chiefs is it's really simple. You run the ball, then you attack Sorensen in the air with a deep ball. I mean, that's what you're going to be able to do. And then you mentioned Josh Allen running the ball. It just so happens the Chiefs have given up the fifth most rushing yards this year to opposing quarterbacks. So Allen is going to be able to run the ball. Yeah. And now you just factor in this whole thing with Singletary, who's getting, who's averaging last five games. I think it's like 18.6 and 82.4 yeah, it's, yards. It's, it's 80 plus. Yeah. Yeah. It's right in the 80 yeah. range. Um, and, so, I mean, you add in that factor and then you got Stefan Diggs, you have Dawson Knox, who's maturing into one of the better tight ends in the league kind of quietly too. throw in Emmanuel Sanders. Who's been there, done that and can come up with a big catch when he needs to, you throw in easily, easily you full, throw in Gabriel Davis. You know what I mean? McKenzie was someone who was like, came out of nowhere when Beasley wasn't around and they could get him the play a a ball or two. He made some big plays for them. And the big thing is, is the bills offensive line is finally one cohesive unit and healthy. I get it that Melvin Ingram since Ingram has been, been there. They're, they're rushing more. They're getting the passer more. But this is going to be a good offensive line. I think this offensive line is going to be able to attack them. And then you look at the defense. Um, The Bills only blitz at 26%, 26% blitz rate. But they have a 30% pressure rate. So that means they're able to create pressure without blitzing, which is huge because you're able to keep people back in coverage. And Patrick Mahomes has the 27th which is insanely low for Patrick Mahomes completion percentage versus pressure. So I think they're going to be able to create pressure, get in Mahomes face, make him a little, um, a little uncomfortable, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what the bills do struggle on is defending the run. Are the chiefs going to commit to running the ball? Edward Solaire, who I don't think is that good is hurt. Um, Daryl Williams has a turf toe thing going. And on. he's just a guy. He's yeah. just, but I mean, like, I think like what the Chiefs need someone that can run in between the tackles. I think he can do. They don't even. They, they may not even have that option yeah. if it's just Edwards Hilaire around. Yeah. He's if no. So who, and Edwards, he, he's they could be down with Jared McKinnon. Gore, McKinnon, McKinnon. Well, McKinnon, who was last yeah. week, and I mean, he was serviceable. He was he he had 142 total yards on yeah. 18 touches. But the problem is, you, are you going to trust? Can't, we can't use last week as a gauge because th- that's what's difficult about just looking at what last week. I mean, the Steelers' first four drives in that game, 14 plays, they had 12 yards and one first down. But and I mean, like the, it was a close game. The it was. And that's off. what I mean. Even with all of that, the Chiefs were not able to capitalize. The Steelers were 0 for 4 on their first four third downs. It's just. They had seven drives in the first half, not counting the kneel down. They had seven drop. Pittsburgh had seven drives, seven punts, 26 plays, 45 yards, two first downs, one of eight on third downs. Their only seven points were scored defensively. And it's brutal. 
Just and absolutely that's, brutal. You cannot, and, you cannot do that. You cannot play that type of game. And this isn't, Eric, this isn't something that was like, okay, well, yeah, the Chiefs had a slow start. Maybe they were just kind of, they knew they were a 13-point favorite or whatever against the, the Steelers. This has happened over the last three years now. How many times? This happened against Tennessee. You were just talking about double digits. Was it the Texans a couple years ago when they were down, Kansas City was down double digits again early? Yeah. You can, you know, you can flip the switch when you're playing inferior opponents, but if you get down 17 points against this team, you're in trouble. You are in trouble. Even if you're down 10 and then you're just in the in the point where every time you score, they can score. You know, if that's the situation where you're at the mercy of them stubbing their toe, you're going to be in some trouble here because they've they've really started to hum towards the uh, the last part of the season. So I'm, they I'm look definitely good. on the I'm on the they Bill side, good. and I, maybe this is like a little, but like I don't think it is is just coming off of all of last week because this is I would have felt this way no matter what happened last week. I, I felt I would have felt this way three weeks ago because the Chiefs, the Steelers weren't the team that could take advantage of it. But when you dig into the Chiefs, so they were three and four, and they go on the really nice win stretch. But towards the end of that win stretch, some of those games weren't quite as good as they looked on paper. They struggled with the Broncos multiple times. That, that games weren't quite as good. They crushed the Raiders. They crushed the Steelers. Then then... I really feel like because of those two games, their stats per game are a little out of whack. Their metrics went a little yeah. a little off because yeah. those were massacres. Yeah. The game against the Chargers, I mean, they were getting beat up. And, and Staley, that was when he was making a – it wasn't even the wrong decisions. It's just they were calling bad plays yeah. on fourth and short over and over, and there was bad execution there. The, the Chargers could have been up by, in that game easily and, and yeah. make the playoffs. And then, they should have easily won that game. I mean, No doubt. Was, <sighs> I mean, what they dropped like two touchdowns of the first play, first drive. Um, I just, yeah, I'm not. It's just, it's just if, one of those things. Like, I know if, if I, it's at the end of Sunday, if we're, if we sit here and you and I both lost to Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, is it going to be the most surprising thing in the world? N- I, no. On the flip side, who's the only quarterback Mahomes has lost to in the playoffs? Tom Brady. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is a small spread. And Mahomes at a small spread, you're kind of like, oh, you know, so I don't know. It's, but the one thing that this is, there's certain games that are kind of, I hate, I hate, I hate it when I hear people say like pro Joe, like I hate Joe's versus pros or whatever. But I mean, one of the things I always look at is I always kind of use like the action network to see like the percent of bets. The money. Yeah. Where where it's going. And I mean, you know, there's a lot of money on the Bills, but more bets on the Chiefs. Kind of like it, and this and that's is like the how scary. The Cowboys was game. Yeah, that's, that's scary with the back yeah. movement on the line. Yeah, when there's but, a I mean, lot, there's more money coming in on the Bills. And I talked. To, I have a friend who, um, you know, he's actually in charge of a book in in um oh my god Jersey, and he told me he's like, dude, he's like, the sharps aren't hand the the. The players that his shop has deemed sharps are hammering the money line and not yeah. the spread. And I found that interesting. Yeah. I always kind of lean after I got burned a couple of times, always like taking the points. But he said, no, they're just coming heavy in it. So I I think the Bills steamroll. Like part of me really thinks that I, I, I honestly do too. Ball. I think a couple of these games, like 
are are they're great on paper and i hope they're really competitive i i think the bills are just really really good and then it's funny is like i'm probably gonna play against whoever wins this game next week oh probably just because i would love because here's the thing like i when i did your show and i gave out my super bowl futures whatever was the bills 12 to 1 yeah so i mean like if they get in they're gonna I mean, if it plays out, I think it's going to play out. I mean, so if you're, so let's be, say it's Bills, Bills Titans. Let's say for for the conversation here, let's say it's Bills Titans, right? Is Bills that what Titans, you're say? The line's going to be. I mean, I think short road favorite. Like, I agree. They're going to be a short road favorite. So Bills I guess, minus two or three yeah, or something like that. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be able to get plus money. Yeah. You go, on, the, you go to the Super Bowl. They play the 49ers. That's going to be like a seven. That's going to be like a five, somewhere in that range, probably. What about the Packers? The Packers. That would be close. That's going to be. But the Packers haven't really been respected by the betters all that much this year. Um, Yeah, that would, I think, yeah, that would be close. And then. And then Tampa, I think they'd be a small. uh, That's that's probably pretty close too. And Rams would be pretty close too. Yeah. So those would be all very. Such a small price though. Mathematically, I would be able to hedge. To to hedge. Yeah, you're in great shape. That's what you want. And. I just feel like I just kind of feel like this is a team of de- destiny. Some of those times, like you look at a team and you're kind of like, this is their year. Kind because of like right now, was, they're just they, they lost like the Chiefs lost to the pet the, to the Patriots at home. And then that next year, you kind of felt like it was their year. They got in the Super Bowl, they're down 10, they, fourth quarter, Mahomes led it back. And you just they it just kind of had that feel and like this it just feels this way with the bills you know they got punched they, in the mouth they righted the ship them. late yep. figured yep. things out yeah I, I, they're finally getting healthy like if i had to pick yeah. one team right now i'd pick the bills that who that who to win it all like who yeah. and and that's not a like who i honestly think is the most likely winner of the super bowl where we sit right now mm-hmm. i would say the bills yeah and they're not going to have an easy road Right, it's going to be a difficult road. Hell, they had to play a division rival. Like they killed them. But the last thing you want, if you're the Bills, is like, oh, you're telling me we got to see New England again in the playoffs. Like Belichick again, right? This guy we just beat him up last week. Like we got to see this guy again. So that's honest. There's a huge effing difference too between. Mackie Jones and, and, and Mahomes, Mahomes and Mahomes and Mahomes here. And then now you got to go play Mahomes. You beat Mahomes. Then you're going to have to still go on the road and play the number one seed. Or like we said, you're going to play Joe Burrow. Yeah. And then in the Super Bowl, you're going to play one of the four teams in the NFC. That is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Any one of those teams, three awesome quarterback, three really good quarterbacks, two all timers. And then one excellent run team so yeah. it's gonna be they're gonna earn it yeah. getting there it but wasn't I mean, like i i i could quarterbacks in three three categories um like elevate people you can win if you have the right pieces and you just start your no shot or whatever and you we can say all we want about garoppolo i admit he's not a superstar type player he can't elevate people but if you put the right pieces and the right system around him, you can win with him. Well, he's shown you yeah. you can yeah, literally get as close yeah. to winning it all as possible. Like, and, so. um, you know, and they, they've, well, I mean, they did win a playoff game, but the game against the Rams was a playoff game. So, it I was. mean, like, you know, you got a team that's coming in hot 
you know, that's had these must-win games after must-win game after must-win game competing. And that, you know, there's, I forget the movie, but the one guy's like, I'm feeling dangerous, you know? And like, that's kind of like the 49ers are. So, I mean, it's, it's an interesting week of football. There's great matchups. There's great games. Um, and I start to get sad. I start to get sad right now too. Cause this is like when you, it, it's one of those things where it's mixed emotions. Like for, for people like us who NFL season is a blast, but it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And compared to like the non NFL season where we're still putting in a lot of work for whatever we're looking at, but the, the, the difference is just night and day from just how much. So I'm in on one, like, it's like, okay, it's nice. Cause like I'm in my head, I see like Saturdays and Sundays coming up. I have a little more time to get stuff done, get ahead. don't have to do as many rewatches and stuff there. But then at the same time you start missing it. You think it's like, Oh no, it's these four two and one and that's it so we literally only have like seven football games left this year you know last friday the 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 i mean like it's painted like i i have commitment issues the girlfriend it, it pains me to say that but we watched we watched that new john cena show for the first time a peacemaker like, it's pretty funny oh my God. it was great it's like, funny i was yeah i get so engulfed because i mean i do have others i'm a coach i own some rental properties i do this you know so i have my stuff going 24 7 and like when football season starts to unwind you You're know like oh my like, gosh there's a show this you know, movie came ever, out what the hell like where is this been? you know what i mean yeah. like you start to like you know discover stuff and i mean like you know, yeah it's like just, oh there's a world out there you know, so, so just, you know well, it's sad but you know then again it just it just kind of like revs back up you have these quarterbacks that are rumored to change and just real quick you know no knock on dan quinn but if any team hires dan quinn they're a moron if any team hires kellen moore come on they're a moron please (laughs) don't do that i mean you see some of these names going around and you're just kind of like really what What? like what is going on and the one name that no one is talking about which i and it just blows my mind is I have no idea how you have a guy that took the Indianapolis Colts. And we can basically say the Colts were a losing franchise, got him a Super Bowl. He took the Detroit Lions, who I'm a Lions fan, losing franchise, got him into the playoffs, had two of their best three seasons ever. And they fire him after. How the hell is this guy not getting interviews? You know what I mean? It's like, and then you got these guys that are just absolutely blowing it in like these. And they just get chance after chance. It just just blows my mind that Caldwell, like, honestly, like if I'm the Jags, if I'm the Dolphins, I'm calling Caldwell. Texans are a little bit different just because, you know, you got the. They're not quite there yet. You yeah, lot, you need a like a developer there. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot happening there. Like, you th- that's for a team that's pretty close. Yeah. You go get Caldwell. Like yeah. that guy can help you win. Yeah, that, he good, can build you a culture and he can, he can get you there. He can um, build he's been there. Yep. Look, I heard this interesting thing. I want to hear your take on it. Do you find it weird that when and like don't get me wrong, like I'm not condoning Kareem Hunt, but and I think what he did was completely awful. And if it was my choice, he wouldn't be in the league. But you have what happened to him, and it was just 
immediately. Now, this is what this is what I heard. This was when I was driving in. Um, two people talking about is actually a weird. God, where was this conversation? It happened at Dick's Sporting Goods. Like I was just, I, I went there because I needed gym socks. As crazy as it sounds, and I heard these two people talking about it, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is actually pretty interesting." Um, this one guy was art was saying that he thought it was weird how the it happened with the Chiefs. The Chiefs were told by the media and everyone they needed to immediately cut Cream Hunt and move on from him, but the Browns signed him with no repercussion. And then he started talking about Deshaun, Deshaun Watson and everything. If you are the Texans, like if he's going to go and play with somebody else, if you cut him, wouldn't you just keep him? That was this guy's whole like line of thinking. And it kind of like, yeah. you know, it kind of made me take a step back. I was like, God damn, this guy's right. You're not, you know you're what I mean? like, yeah. Like the chiefs were like bamboo. Like, I don't want to say bamboozled, but you know, they cut him, which I thought was the right play. I don't think he should be in the league for what he did. Totally agree. But then the Browns signed him and they, like they it's like nothing is being said about it. And that kind of, you know, kind of opened up my eyes to this whole to a lot of stuff. Like, yeah, like, it is. It's, you bit. know, I've seen this with the Dodgers, too, because, you know, like um, the Dodgers a few years ago were one. Um, we're going to get um, uh, uh, the the closer, uh, the Chapman. Yeah. And then. Yeah. After all the stuff that happened with him, they didn't. And then he went and won the World Series the next year. You know, that they didn't want to get involved with him because he was going to be suspended for a while because he was involved. He had a gun, the thing, I think, with his wife. There was a domestic abuse stuff. And so they just said, you know what? We're going to steer clear. We don't want to. And then it's frustrating. Like You're watching him the next year, and I'm watching him, like, close out games in the World Series, and I'm going, like, oh, my God. You know, it's – Yeah. But you got to wait. It sucks sucks when it's, like – you have to play the morals versus the business because if somebody's going to be able to use them, like if they have to pay their penance, but they're going to be of use, then why not us? But puts your fan base in a weird spot sometimes. It's weird, like that's why I say the Texans. Like for me, like the Texans' job, like if they're going to do something, like you got to hire Flores. You got to somehow convince Flores to come there because yep. that's the guy Watson wants. Yep. Um. But yeah, there's a lot of like I didn't mean to. No, no, no. Like weird job openings. You got quarterbacks like Denver allegedly going all in for Rodgers. You got like a lot of weird stuff going on. It's going to be an interesting, like a real interesting offseason. We'll check in and we'll have segments. Uh, We'll we'll shift our focus over a little bit to basketball if you're down to join again for our weekly uh, basketball chats once the NFL is done. But we'll still do some once every couple weeks. Maybe we'll check in on the news. We'll look around. If there's ever anything big, we can do just emergency, you know, yeah. shows, little, little, like, uh, hey, if there's a big move, a big trade, something happens yeah. with Watson, we can do yeah. a little, a little emergency uh, live stream or just a, a little tiny segment. So, man, this was a, this was a blast. Yeah. The only four games, we could have gone for uh, five more hours talking about. Uh, real quick, um, Gay from the um, Chiefs had the incident today. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a great, incident. Yeah. And it turns out like, and like, I don't know, like, I guess it turns out he broke the vacuum. He broke like him and his girlfriend got in a fight. Wow. I thought like how the TMZ, cause I sent it to you and Brian, mm-hmm. how the TMZ headline was filmed. I thought it was like, Oh shit, dude. He hit his, he hit his girl. He, it seemed know, bad. It, it seemed, seemed really bad. bad. Then Rappaport was like, they got in a disagreement. He got upset and he broke the vacuum. So just there's I, just weird stuff going yeah, on. I, it's just like a weird vibe, right? That's, yeah, that's, when you've got the biggest game of your year coming up, that's just not you don't want those little things distracting yeah. you, you know? Yeah. Um, but 
random, random stuff. We will be back with you next week to talk about what happened and to talk about who the final four. There are eight left right now in the NFL. We will have fourth and inches on Saturday at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. We will have fourth and inches on Sunday at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. We'll preview the two Saturday games, the two Sunday games for you. Eric, it's been a blast, man, as uh, we appreciate all the work that you've been helping us with every week this year with all the live streams, BTV stuff. Tell us uh, what you have coming up this weekend on your shows. Um, Well, I got my podcast tomorrow. Um, It's going to drop tomorrow night. Um, Brandon, um, who runs a – he does all the NASCAR stuff with me. He runs a Boston fan page. He's going to come in and talk about what's next, what off-season moves the Patriots need to do. Um, Chase. Is going to come on and talk. Nice, the Wolfie. Cool, cool. And um, my buddy David's going to come on, and we're just going to talk a little bit about this Chiefs-Bills game. He's a big uh, – I mean, this guy, the numbers this guy has, like this every week this guy comes up with some weird stat that just absolutely blows my mind. He's a, He works in analytics for a living, and he employed it to sports betting. So it's kind of, kind of crazy the numbers that he comes up with. So it's kind of – Kind of cool. So that's what I have going on. And then we have uh, Cutting Nets, you know. Yeah, Saturday, Saturday morning. Good call, Saturday too, morning, at uh, 10 a.m. morning, Cutting 10 a.m. Eastern time. We'll yeah. be from 10 to uh, for about an hour or so. We'll go preview everything that's going to be happening on Saturday, maybe a, yeah. a Sunday game or two to keep an eye on. And, yeah, we, we did uh, very, very well last week. Looking forward to making some money again this weekend. So much happening in the world of sports. We're always going to be here on That's What G Said, helping you out, getting you prepped. Eric's always going to be helping you with uh, with his content, and he'll be here with us each and every week. We're talking football, basketball, whatever it is. Then we'll we'll start shifting and maybe uh, have a little more focus on college basketball in a couple weeks before the tournament. We'll definitely do some sort of a big – tournament breakdown live stream where we can go through the brackets. Cause now it's cool to, will we be able to pull the brackets up, you know, and sh- kind of go through each one yeah. of them and, and show. So yeah, lots of stuff happening in the coming weeks and months. Make sure to stay tuned. Give Eric a follow. Thanks so much, buddy. Good luck this weekend. You too. Thanks for having me on, man. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more on. That's what G said. music means it's time to talk some horse racing right now you have to head to drf.com and check out the promotion that they have so they are offering free formulator for the first time ever free formulator for drf bets members so if you're an existing drf bets member and you have credits those will be able to transfer over if you're not if you're listening to this and you want to you know, use the formulator past performances. You hear me talk about them all the time. You've heard the commercials on here. I'm sure many of you have seen the live streams where I pull up the past performances, show how you can one click to the race replays, one click to the charts, one click to the pedigree information, one click to the trainer stats database, everything you need right there in, in just moments. It's so convenient for you. So now between now and the middle of April, So this promotion goes through April the 15th. So think about that. All of the big Kentucky Derby prep races at all of the big tracks that are going to be coming up, you're going to have the opportunity to get the free DRF Formulator Pass performances. If you deposit, sign up for an account, deposit $250, 
you will get an immediate 250 bonus. So your $250 is going to turn into 510 because they're going to give you a $10 free bet. You're going to deposit 250. It's going to be a $510 bankroll, and you're going to get 10 free formulator past performance cards right off the bat. So your 250 doubled up a $10 free bet. You get the 10 free formulator cards, and all you have to do is use that promo code winning. Winning. Use that when you sign up. You got to say it like that too. No, you don't really have to say it, but you got to type that promo code in winning. So, number one, use the promo code winning. You're going to get a $10 free bet upon registration. If you deposit exactly $250, you will get an exactly $250 match bonus. You'll get the 10 formulator cards right there for you. You have a couple months all the way through April 15th to take advantage of this right now. Following the 10 formulator cards, every $50 that you wager, you will qualify another credit for another formulator. So that's what we love, right? If you're playing the races, you're going to have the opportunity now to not have to spend additional money. If you're making your wagers and you're playing playing through DRF bets, you're going to have the option to get those free past performances. DRF.com for any other details. If you have any questions, just let me know. I'd be happy to help you out and to explain it even more. There's an article uh, on DRF that talks all about, you know, the features of formulator and um, I'm going to be showing you all the time on those live streams and digging in even a little earlier today we went through the Thursday Sam Houston card using the DRF formulator past performances oh this is a big big deal these things are I I will not look at a, a racetrack without the opportunity to dig into the formulator past performances because I'm going to find things there that would take me hours and hours and you have to look it all up by hand and manually not anymore. Sign up now. Take advantage of this crazy offer from DRF. Okay, let's talk a little bit about what's happening this weekend. Stable duel. We've got Friday, Gulfstream, two contests, Santa Anita, two contests, Tampa Bay Downs, and Sam Houston, 25 at Gulfstream, a free ride at Gulfstream. You've got a Santa Anita 40 and a double up, a Tampa $5 game, and a Sam Houston $10 game. Remember, every Friday, this week in Stable Duel, Friday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, we have uh, Matt DeSantis and Barry Spears, the sniper. They join me, and we each give out a couple best bets for Friday and for Saturday for tracks that have Stable Duel contests. So it will be Gulfstream, Tampa, Sam Houston, Santa Anita, combinations of those tracks. We we go wherever we have uh, found uh, our best opinions and the horses we think make the most sense to put a few bucks on and to use in your stable dual lineups. That's every Friday morning. Saturday, Gulfstream Park has a big game, 50 bucks to enter 10000 in prizes. They also have a $100 double up. Santa Anita has a $50 top five game. Sam Houston has a nice little $30 game with $3,000 in prizes. And Tampa has a $15 game also with a $3,000 prize pool. Sunday, we close out the week couple games at Gulfstream Park, a $25 game and a $200 double up. There is a smaller game at Golden Gate, just 3 bucks to enter. And then at Santa Anita, $30 to enter and 3000 in prizes. Get those entries in and play, race, win. Better. You want to spread your pony knowledge
Download the Stable Duel app and play for free today. Okay, let's get into Friday for Santa Anita. I'm going to have a couple plays at Santa Anita Friday, and then we'll run through the Sam Houston Friday card. Got to be honest, the Santa Anita cards on Friday and Saturday this weekend, they're not, it was a little hard for me to find some big prices, the kind of way that I play. Could found a few shorter prices on Saturday that we'll talk about, but couldn't get to that many bombs. We have two on Friday at Santa Anita to discuss. Let's jump to race number four. We're looking at January the 21st. We're going to go six furlongs on the turf course. We have $40,000 claimers here. I'm going to go to the two, four left. Four left is grade three place sprinting on the turf last year. All three of, uh, actually, I guess that was two years ago now. You look back and it was uh, 2020. All three turf races came against graded stakes company. You're going to get back to the grass now after a couple of solid races off the bench. He had tailed off a little bit and he woke back up most recently showing more speed, dropping in class, facing just softer company. And when I say softer, I don't really mean soft. I'm talking about law-abiding citizen on December 11th. Yeah, that's a multiple graded stakes winner who's grade one placed. You might look at that race and go, oh yeah, field of four, Los Alamitos, it wasn't much. That was a good group. He ran into a nice horse that day. So... You look at the way this race shapes up, he's probably going to be forwardly placed. He should be able to sit maybe third or fourth in here. That's the kind of trip I'm hoping for with number two, four left, five to one on the morning line. Anything around seven to two should be uh, good to go if you're looking to make a, a win wager there. Let's move along to race number eight at Santa Anita for Friday. I'm looking at the number eight, ready at midnight. I think it's a pretty good spot for uh, a barn who's excellent with their new acquisitions. This horse's best career races came on the grass. Winner at Arlington, last we saw her on the green. And obviously this isn't a group that has any monsters or anyone that you're all that scared of, but her turf form seems to fit, and I think she's coming out of some better races, you know, on the grass than some of the races that these are coming out of. So let's give a look to Ready at Midnight if we can get anything over 4-1 to one here at Santa Anita on Friday. So a couple plays for Santa Anita for Friday as we head on over to Sam Houston. Let's talk a little bit about this Sam Houston Friday card, and let's uh, start. We'll kind of just run through, and if the race is a little chalkier, we'll just we'll mention that as we go along. So in the opener, we've got Texas Bread, five claimers, a very low level of runners there. The four, Moro America, and the one, Papa Molly. Can't really get too creative, but I would take a little swing against the five with the uh, with the one and the four if you're looking to play some early exotics there. The July race at Lone Star for Papa Molly, it's one of the better races that anyone in this group is, has had. And Moro America should just improve off of that debut effort. Any improvement at all would have him... Right on the wire. Not the strongest group to kick it off. You get to 10,000 Texas bred claimers, non-winners of two. In race number two, six and a half furlongs, the distance. The number five, Mucho Bling, has seven career dirt races, but five of them are against maiden special weights. One of them was against open 15 non-twos. This is a lot softer spot. I wouldn't be shocked to see him perform much better in here. He ran into a horse named Guinnessy who came back to win a 25 non-three with an 80 buyer next out and, and won three races in a row. Look at the race against Maiden, $7,500 claimers, Texas Reds here at Sam Houston. That was, last year, that wasn't bad. Really wasn't a bad effort. So I'm going to go to the five, Mucho Bling, and I would, in, in early exotics, I would try to play the five 
and maybe maybe go five six and then try to swing against the seven or just take a shot with the five and single the five and maybe you can take swings against the other two outside horses. We go to the third race, five furlongs on the turf course, ten thousand dollar claimers. The two and the three. I thought it'll just probably be pretty tough in here. Agent McGee, maybe I would just slightly lean that way, drawn to the outside of Tough Charlie. Could sit perhaps a little bit off. Tough Charlie will be just in fact that. He's going to be pretty, pretty tough in here. He just beat 15 open claimers at Remington Park and now it deals with the 10 claimers here. Should be fresh and sharp, tough Charlie. The concern for him would be in a field like this that is going to be big if maybe he gets the shuffle down on the inside and he doesn't get the best of trips. So, But I, I did think it was all about the three to the inside. I had him stack 3-2-1 in race three at Sammy Houston. Let's move to the fourth race. We got a string of prices coming up for you now in the next few. Race number four. I'm going to look to the five uh, Scarazano. So this one comes in from Southern California, was up at Emerald Downs prior to that. Legit excuses. Toss the debut. This horse can sit off a little bit. This barn is very good with new acquisitions. They're excellent off of a plus 180 day layoff. This filly ran into horses like Midnight, a Moonlight Dioro, who's a grade three winner. And Moraz, who's multiple graded stakes placed. I like that the barn has got this horse to come over and get some works over the track at Sam Houston. The number five, Scarazano, should sit a really nice trip in here because it looks like the three, Epicurean, the six, Encouraging, and the seven, Mom's Prayer, will all be showing some speed, at least those three. Let's get the five, Scarazano, at 10 to 1 to sit a nice trip there as we uh, we have them stack five, three, six. Moving along to race number five at Sam Houston. Five furlongs on the turf course here. I'm learning to the six still of the night who has some really sneaky turf form when you dig back. She needed her last. She had not raced since September. So the August and September races, those were against open first level allowance company and she showed some early speed and then she just faded against better. She's got a good third going five furlongs over this turf course. She can sit off and press if need be. Her turf form, when you really dig into it overall, it's pretty good. The number six, still of the night, will use her along with the five, Queen of the Lane, who's the obvious horse to beat. And then the number three, Irma M, might be able to flash some speed in here, and she might be the quickest or one of the quickest. Those are the three for me. As we move along to race number six, I thought the one, Oh Marvelous Me, could sit maybe third or fourth from the inside. Really sharp gelding right now, a 12-time winner in excellent form. He actually beat 25 claimers at Santa Anita. This horse was third in the grade three Long Acres Mile few years back, the number one, Oh Marvelous Me, will use alongside with the number three, Busy Legs, the number seven, Van Glider, who looks like the horse that they'll all have to hold off. Race number seven, I'm looking at the number seven, Perfect Dude, who feels like he could be another one to offer you a, a bit of value in here. He should be a lot fitter today with that race under his belt. He had a good start, but he was five deep in between horses. He had to take uh, back and he you know he ended up losing a ton of ground he just did not have the best of trips and i'd imagine he's going to be a lot lot better in here perfect dude dropping in class in with the 20 claimers here we'll use the 7 1 and the 5 alternate time 7 1 5 moving to the 8th 
back on the turf course here. Thought the one holy vow was a must use at the price. The five Newport Beach, probably the one to beat returning to the grass. Look at that nice effort at Remington Park. Two starts back. Go back and watch how easy he was able to just sit. And uh, Newport Beach is <laughs> really honest. The four conviction trade is another that could offer you some very nice value. Even the two Johan Zofani has won two of three sharp couple of very nice backtracks if you go and watch the replays there. 5-1-4-2, how I had them stacked in race number eight. Moving to the ninth on Friday at Sam Houston. I'm money. The three. Last time out was a step slow, drew the rail, moved through, but had to end up sitting third, was a length behind, and kind of got shuffled a bit on the inside and just couldn't close. The top two ended up going 1-2 all the way around. I think he can get the lead in here. There is not that much speed. The three, I'm money, will be on my tickets along with the logical seven, Hewlin, and the four, Mao Mao. Closing it out in the 10th at Sammy Houston, maiden special weights here. Not the strongest opinion in the world. The five, Dream Pyre, will be on all my tickets, as will the one first-time starter, She's a Bossy Girl. This, I'm not a real fan of those with experience. The two speeds are right next to each other. Five one seven beer empress. I'll use a couple of the firsters. The ten midnight flyer also will be uh, on some tickets here and there. Maybe even super empire. But I'll try to beat the two and the three speedometer and summer cat and hope that they end up uh, impacting each other on the front end. That's Friday at Sam Houston. Good luck there in all of your wagers. Big weekend next weekend. We are going to have a lot of Sam Houston coverage leading up to that one. Okay, I have to speed up here so I can try to get through this a little bit quicker. Fairgrounds, let's get to the 10th race on Saturday. I'm going to look at the uh, 10th race and a couple of stakes races here. Abscon's the one to beat. This starts sort of some of your late exotics. That's the one. I did look towards the outside with the 11 as an interesting horse to use. Princess Theorem, maybe one that is on the improve to include in some of your exotics. Past the plate, likes this turf course, has some has run some good races here over it. I'd also give a look to the wild card, Janelle Monet. And uh, the five is probably the measuring stick type. So combinations of them in your exotics. The 11th is the silver bullet day. The five lock Crete, very, very nice. Half to uh, Clarier. So super talented. Lacrete is probably the one to catch. There's not much speed in there. Burna Breezy, she had a really bad start. She settled well. And uh, it was a big sweeping move. Extremely impressive there. 2-5. In the 11th, in the 12th race, the number four is the one that intrigues me the most. Own Agenda, coming off of that nice recent form, puts two together. Though the four, seven, excess Magic, who has been very, very good throughout the his career. And now he's been showing that he can stretch it out a little bit uh, as he's matured at the age of four. Seven's in the exotics, as is the eight. Monarchs, Glenn, moving along. To race number 13, we got the Louisiana. This isn't really a betting race for me. More of just who to watch as Mandaloon makes his return. Very, very talented older horse. Midnight Bourbon is probably his day to catch Mandaloon. Then you have Warrant, another one who got sharp towards the end of last year. Keep an eye on him in that Louisiana. In the Lecompte, I like Trafalgar quite a bit. Very, very good this is a test last time out for him. Debut, he was a nice second, came back and won impressively. And then on December the 2nd, he had a perfect trip. He opened up, and then he, he got tested. He got passed, and he dug in, he battled back, and he really put that runner away and was kicking clear. 
That is at Fairgrounds on Saturday in the LeCompte. Best of luck. Okay, because the uh, way that we had so much to talk about in football, a lot to talk about in wrestling, we had a lot to talk about in horse racing, we're actually going to do a little bonus uh, edition for you where we're going to have Saturday, San Anita, Saturday, Sam Houston on uh, the next episode. So if you want a little help with Saturday, San Anita, Saturday, Sam Houston, it'll be following the this uh, this episode. It'll be right behind on your feed. There will be another one that pops up, or you can go check it out, uh, SoundCloud, anywhere that you would normally get best place for Santa Anita for Saturday, and then Sam Houston full card for Saturday. Give that a look as right now we head in and start talking some wrestling with Chad Cooper. Cooper Loop hanging out with us again. A big thank you to Chad. I had some technical difficulties this week, so thanks to everyone who's who's helped me out. We had to record a little bit different, um, so I'm curious. Uh, I'll get some feedback if you guys like the audio more or less, if it was better, worse, anything, or uh, just, uh, you know, something that was a uh, that was similar what's going to be similar is we're going to give you the best in wrestling content recaps reviews news that you're going to get anywhere right here each and every week on that's what g said with chad cooper it is rumble season chad cooper it's time to rumble <laughs> it's time for royal rumble we're getting closer and closer and um we are what we're only a week and a about a week away like a week away really yeah, like a week of this next weekend is yeah. the rumble, yeah. and so wow, it's and we're and we're still like slowly. I mean, the shows over Friday and Monday, um, some were announced to enter it, and then you had to look on, of course, WWE socials to see that some were entering all kind of news and, and, and stuff. Man, you've got Becky next Friday, I believe. Uh, or sometime next weekend on Rumble weekend, uh, Broken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold on the Peacock. That will be fun. We got Brie Bella, right? The Bellas are going to be in the Rumble, right? Both Bellas are set for the Rumble right now. Let's give you a little bit of a list. So on the men's side, this is just using our uh, trusty uh, old Wikipedia. We've got uh, Angelo Dawkins, Montez Ford, Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, Austin Theory, Johnny Knoxville, Sheamus, Damian Priest, AJ Styles, Biggie, Happy Corbin, Madcap Moss, Sami Zayn, Kofi, and Kevin Owens. That is on the men's side. And okay. then on the women's side, we've got Rhea Ripley, Nikki Ash, Dana Brooke, Carmella, Queen Zelina, Tamina, no one Mina than Tamina, and Shotzi, <laughs> <laughs> Shotzi Natalia, Aaliyah, Naomi, Shayna. Charlotte, Nikki and Brie, Lita, Michelle McCool, Kelly, Kelly, some Ray, Mickey James, Bianca Belair, and Liv Morgan. That's who we know right now is in the Royal Rumble for both the men and the women. Okay, that's why. Okay, I wanted to because I also noticed that Brie Bella uh, is going to be on a new dance reality show on Fox. I guess it's kind of going to go up the Olymp- uh, against the Olympics a little bit, and then I also. For February with the Winter Olympics, Raw, uh, the first two Mondays of February, they will be on the Sci-Fi Network because of the Olympic coverage. So, remember, January 31st is on a Monday. The following Monday, and then the following Monday. I don't know if that's the 7th and the 14th. Um, Nonetheless, those two Monday Night Raws will be on the Sci-Fi Network because of the Olympic uh, NBC Universal 
uh, having the Winter Olympics contract. So every channel that they on will be covering something Winter mm-hmm. Olympics. So yes, yeah, a lot of news and notes, man, this week. Uh, you know the we they finally made it official WWE the Elimination Chamber February nineteenth in Saudi Arabia. Um, just a lot of stuff happening with WWE, but it, man, it's crazy. We, we are what, nine days away from the Royal Rumble, man. And that's it. And that's really when it starts to feel like we are in WrestleMania season. So it looks like for the Rumble, we're probably going to have, I think, six matches on the card, on the main card with the two Rumbles, the men's and the women's. Looks like we're going to have the tag match between Edge and, uh, Edge and Beth with Miz and Maurice. Then we'll have the two men's title matches roman versus seth brock versus lashley and we'll have becky versus dewdrop so that's pretty much what we're looking at right now for the card which means there are still a lot of uh entrants in the rumble that will be named in the next week that maybe surprises people that we just sort of assume will be in there and uh probably a couple returning as well as uh we get through what's been going on in the world of WWE. Let's start on over at SmackDown. And we were in Omaha, Nebraska last week. And we kicked it off with the uh, the Usos coming out as they basically introduced everybody for a number one contender's fatal four-way for the tag team championships. It was the Viking Raiders versus Los Lotharios versus Aro and Mansoor versus Jinder Mahal and Shanky. And you get the Viking Raiders to win. And I have no problem with the Viking Raiders winning. I actually think the Viking Raiders are a very good tag team. We used to watch a lot of them in uh, New Japan. They were excellent there. And even in NXT, they had a, they did a lot better work than they've been able to do on the main <clears> roster. <throat> they were doing the comedy gimmick stuff with the, with the Street Profits. <laughs> street profits. <laughs> eating the turkey legs and that. That was pretty funny. Like three-pointers and Oh, my shot. gosh. Yeah. They're bowling. They're bowling. Yeah. Bowling, yes. Uh, but they – so – I sort of feel the same with them that I feel about Gabe, uh, Otis and Gable. It's like, okay, if you want to make them a major tag team, that's fine. Let them stack a couple wins first. You know, um, this sort of came out of nowhere, and now we're going to get a tag team title shot. That they, I'm sure they're not going to probably beat the Usos here, but I mean, at least it's a new tag team that's getting on. They're they're, they're actually a legitimate tag team. They're a good tag team. But it's not that I have a problem with the match or them winning. I just would have liked to see we're going to say the same thing in AEW when we talk about Lance Archer. I'm going to say the same thing when we talk about do drop on raw. I would, if you're going to build someone just have a little bit more of a long-term plan, even if it's just a couple weeks more. Okay. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to build them. Let's give them two or three wins and then we'll put them in this match. My only con- issue here, but the Viking Raiders are the new number one contenders, man. Who was listening to that's what G said last week. Didn't we, Excuse me. Didn't we just mention this? Right. Looking at who the next contenders were. And I know we mentioned the Viking Raiders and Los Lotharios. I thought Los Lotharios would be uh, someone good here. No idea they would put Cesaro and Mansoor together. Forgot all about uh, gender and Shanky. I have no problem with the Viking Raiders. I like them. My problem is... They've been made fools, not only in the comedy segment, which that's WWE, so I'm okay. I've moved on past that. But we've already seen them have their chance relatively over the last year and just not do very good with it. So I assume, does this match take place uh, 
tomorrow and Friday night on SmackDown, or does it happen next Friday? This can't be a Royal Rumble match. There's just no, no way. No. So this would be a Friday night SmackDown. Again, I'm with you. Or maybe it's a um, pre-show match for the didn't Rumble. Did they just lose not too yeah. long ago? Too? They just literally they just, lost. just lost last week. The last time we you saw know, them on TV, they just lost. And I'm just and, and I'm going to say the same thing when we get to NXT with the Creed brothers beating Briggs and Jensen, which I'm thankful for. But what sense it made, I don't know. But yeah, look, I, I'm glad there's something new. Um, I guess this is to give the Usos something to do other than interfere with uh, Roman Reigns now and have something with with hell. I would rather see the Usos defend the titles against Rollins and KO in some kind of deal since they're seeming to get in their business on Raw. But this was a little uh, head scratcher here. But nonetheless, this is this is what we get. So we get some uh, Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. Fantastic, though, man. <laughs> it was right? really. It's pretty funny, man. Like this, this is the perfect type of person. It used to be Miz who would always deal with a celebrity, and and sometimes it still is. But Sammy is great because he's annoying. You you, you can let them get a, get a punch or a kick in on Sammy, and everyone's gonna clap and and love it. And uh, we end up getting um, it's Nakamura who ends up nailing Sammy with a big Kinshasa, and then Boogs is you know pressing he looks him. Different now. They cut his hair. Yeah, Boogs looks great Boogs now. Boogs yeah, looks great with Boogs now. I know. Let's I think that... Sam, I think it was. I think it was announced too that Sammy just signed a, a contract extension with the WWE. The, we that got to. We. I love Nakamura. We're coming up on the Rumble. He won the Rumble years back. We just got to get that icy title off of him. If oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If we yeah. can't wrestle, yeah. if he's doing some moves now, I, you know, I, I have heard he's been hurt. And that makes that makes some sense. You can hide him in a tag team with Boogs. Hell, like, put yeah, him and Boogs in a tag team, right? Like right. put them in a tag team versus the Usos. Like, yeah, give me... you hide you hide injuries that way, and uh, yeah, we need to get it off of him. I don't know when it will happen. Probably after Rumble, so we can get a new champion heading into WrestleMania, or maybe he gets a match on one of the cards. You got to remember, we're going to go eight or nine matches deep, probably both on Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. So they're going to need, yeah, they're going to need some of those as then. much as they can get. Yeah. We got uh, Aaliyah breaking the world record, the Guinness World Record. (laughs) Natalia wanted to have the the record for the fastest pin in history, so she wanted to set up Aaliyah. But Aaliyah ends up turning the tables. She gets the win, and she ends up winning in two seconds. Um, So she celebrates here. (laughs) Poor Natty. It's always Natty who's like on the on the wrong end of things like this, right? The farting gimmick, or she's doing stupid stuff like. She's never had the women's championship. They gave her the tag championship with uh, no one's Mina, then Tamina. Then Tamina gets hurt. And then then Natty, I, I like the little promo they had before this when uh, Aaliyah says, I, I Guinness Book of World Records, is that thing even still around or whatever? I, I <laughs> Poor Natty. I mean, she's at the point of her career is, where, where do you go from here? She's a lifer, right? Uh, I don't think she kind of ventures off like Brett and does these gimmicks in AEW or Impact. Uh, maybe she does. I don't know. But this was this, this was bizarre. This This was, I don't know. That was it's, whatever. Yeah, just one of those things. If you're going to uh-huh. push Aaliyah. If you're really, really gonna push her, can let her, and this pays off, then let her win a real. You'll get more respect. Let her win a, a real good wrestling match. This has to be Natty. Aaliyah eliminating Natty at the Rumble, right? right. right. And then just right. 
Like, that's fine. Like, Aaliyah has improved a lot. This was a girl a few years ago who she stood out on NXT anytime she was in the ring because it was like, oh, she can't really go. You know, yeah. you could tell she just wasn't ready. And now she looks fine. Like, now yeah, she's totally better. capable and she's completely changed her look. She's in fantastic shape. Yeah, you could she tell she's great. changed her hair. She's gotten work done. She's just, she looks really, really good. So, yeah, let's do a better job with her than this Guinness Book stuff. Um, we, you know, I wouldn't be shocked the way that on SmackDown now, I don't know if it was supposed to be Tony Storm. I don't know who's returning and if they do have plans for Bailey or Oscar or Ronda. But right now, looking at who's on SmackDown, if I had to guess, I would guess that Charlotte has a match with Lita at WrestleMania. Uh, this was an interesting, very interesting segment. Uh, I know where you're going with this. Lita returns. Right? Yeah. Uh, she talks Rumble. Charlotte comes out. I love the little jabs. Lita basically, uh, you know, basically says, this is one match I've never been able to be a part of. I've done everything else. Uh, she calls Charlotte, I think. Tanya Harding. <laughs> that was great. And Charlotte had was looked like Tanya though in what she was dressed. She had her hair yeah, pulled back really tight. And it was the the fans were into it. I you think know, Charlotte kind of popped too. She I sort of liked she it. Did. She was like, oh, okay. And, yeah. and you know what? If and, and I know this leads to later on the show, we're gonna have Charlotte and Naomi Friday night for the championship, which is gonna lead to Sonya Deville getting involved. But I tell you what, man, I as much as as we complain about some of these old timers coming back, I thought Trish Stratus did a fantastic job when she came back um, and held her on. You would think Lita uh, and Charlotte would put on anything better that's that that's on women wise on AEW. Impact's got some really really good uh, uh, female wrestlers, but and it's kind of star power too with Lita. This is this is this is. I thought the same thing. I thought, okay, you, where are we? Because why are, why they are don't you normally, her? right? Normally, they don't have, and maybe that's why they announced a lot of these women instead of having them as surprises because they wanted. I think they're going to be some of them on Monday and Friday the next couple of weeks to to come out, kind of cut their promos to you know make okay, you feel like. Okay, let me ask you this, Gino. Let me stop and ask you this: Do either one of these ladies have to win for that no, match to happen? No, no, I see. I, right? I think they. I think they don't. Perfect. I think the best one thing would be the other. Ex- I think of, the best of, would yeah. be Lita eliminate Charlotte. You know, as a, you know, there's a bunch, a couple of people trying to eliminate Charlotte. Lita comes in, she helps push him over the top. Charlotte's furious. She comes back in the ring and she yeah. eliminates Lita, and then that that these two have a feud leading to miss WrestleMania. Hell, if you want to put Lita in a match where she has to beat somebody to win the number one contenders match, or you don't, don't even have to do, you don't even don't have to do that. To right. Do yeah, you just have too big. You, she, you just have Charlotte and her get into it in the rumble. They have their little spot and that's it. Boom. That's your main. That's one of your women's matches on one of your two nights. The other night, because have, right now, as you said, on SmackDown, um, we've already been through Oscar. She's not even around. Yeah, and Oscar um, Charlotte again. I don't think would be the right way to go. E- Oscar, e- look, and e- even even Becky Charlotte is not the right way to and, go. And Oscar Becky, they've right. done repeatedly at the Rumble too. That was a big story they told just in 2020 at the Royal Rumble. I think on the on the Raw side, it feels like they want to tell like Bianca has got to win that title at WrestleMania against Becky. She has you to. Think? I think that's like they've been. 
she sort of feels like where Daniel Bryan was getting, you know, where they kept like, oh, no, he's not going to win now again and again and again. It's it's different because Becky's such a star, but I think yeah. that's probably where they have at least Bianca get her win, and then maybe she doesn't go on with the title forever, but maybe she just gets the moment, the crowning moment at, at Mania there. Okay. And, and then on the other side, you have Charlotte Lita, and then if you have, you know, Becky and – or if you have Bailey and Asuka – and some of them returning, you know, maybe that's what you, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they go Charlotte and Alexa, who we've been talking a little bit about, but Alexa's on the raw side. Maybe they have Alexa go after Becky uh, there. I, I, I think we're heading. I, I look, the first thing I thought of when Charlotte came out was, okay, this is a WrestleMania type it moment. Didn't right feel here. like it. It felt like it. The crowd was so into this. It was probably, um, I know they got into the Roman Seth thing there at the beginning, the ending of that segment, the way Raw uh, SmackDown ended was a little weak. I thought this was the moment of the week, probably on uh, on any of the shows here. Um, I, I, this you have to book this. It's the first thing I mm-hmm. thought of. This, this, Me too. This, you know, Lita, Lita eliminates her. Uh, we've got a good build up because Lita's and, not going to be on Raw every, or SmackDown every week. I just think it's fantastic. And unless you have. Ronda or something else right for for mania pinpointed Lita is bigger than anybody else that's on the Smackdown side to face face Charlotte yeah and and again the uh, a wild card that you've got to think about is this damn elimination chamber in Saudi Arabia exactly you're exactly right you know that could be you going towards this. Ronda's not going to come back to go to Saudi Arabia. And even the, I know money talks, so I just don't see that happening. Do they have this a Charlotte Lita match there or something? And then they have Charlotte set for someone later. This that- would be th- 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 either way, it would work, but it, it would be more. This is a mania moment. It is. Me. This is a mania it, it match. Just felt big. It the felt fact Lita big. came out and said, you know, I got a little, I got one more run in me, maybe. You know, she yeah, even I, said, I, I've done everything except being a Royal Rumble match. Mm-hmm. And she's got so this woo, one. You know, woo. Comes, it's, it's good. It's so good, I like it. I like that. We got a Sheamus versus Ricochet. You know what? Ricochet cut a little good promo. match. And you yeah. and I like the fact that he cut a little promo before, and he said, you know, high risk, high reward. How rewarding it will be to break the nose of Sheamus. And I'd imagine we get a ricochet in. We get ricochet in the Rumble with a cool spot or two. He, yeah, you know, I completely forgot because I was doing an old uh, rewatch of of the 2020 Rumble, which is awesome. That was the one where Brock started at the beginning yes. with the chant with the belt, and he was going one on one with everybody for a everybody. while. Until yeah, until about for people to come out halfway through, and it was it was it was first Kofi Mysterio and Big E came out, and they sort of kind of got him. It was, that was when he he wasn't able to do one at a time anymore, so they started to kind of team up on him. But then he threw all three of them out, and then it was Ricochet. Ricochet came out at number fifteen, and then it was Drew McIntyre at sixteen. And wow, Drew and Brock have the standoff. And everybody's looking at him, and, and Drew's like, I've been waiting for this. And Ricochet comes up from behind, and he low blows Brock. And then Drew, that's a, that's Drew a tossed good, him. Yeah. I, I had forgot about that. I, and that was I like one of the bigger moments of Ricochet's life. Career like he, WWE. he was part of getting Brock out of that. And and he, you know, he, I just, I like Ricochet. We, we always sing his praises Ooh, so yeah, much. And yeah, if, he's, if he's not going to be your main event champ, and, and winning the title all the time, that's fine. Have him do what he did here. Have him be on TV in a good match against Sheamus. He looked good. Sheamus gets the win here. 
uh, off the awesome and he does these awesome brogue kicks and ricochet like he kept he sort of does like yeah. brogues with ricochet that like rkos yeah. out of nowhere you know yeah. um yeah. and because ricochet is so damn athletic he can just take them like no one else can we um yeah you mentioned that naomi and charlotte are gonna have a match on or they're gonna have a, a title match coming up so yeah, that's friday gotta be something that uh no, Naomi. Yeah, because Sonya told her, you know, you can't hit me with this jacket on. And remember, she comes back into the, the back and she doesn't have her jacket on, but Adam Pierce comes in. I, I just I think we've waited too long with this. I know they're they're they keep hanging on to this and thinking, you know, screwing Naomi out of a out of a win. Maybe if this was if Naomi was built up to face Charlotte at the Rumble or at a pay-per-view for the title and, and Sonya screws her out, we get some good go-home heat. But, man, this is really hasn't done anything for me. No, anymore. it hasn't it, moved. It, it, it's just, no, it just hasn't. Hasn't progressed at all. It need, needs Let me to... tell you who has progressed, by God. Mad Cat Moss. You know what? This dude, I will say, he's annoying, but you can tell that he is. They like, he, they like him. They're giving him more and more. He's got to look. Too like he's got a good look, a, phys- a really good physique. Hell, he gets a win over Kofi. <laughs> Kofi and Kofi was like on Twitter. I think it was yesterday or today. Yeah, he, uh, he said, you know, I, look, dude, the way it's been going, I could get the call tomorrow and be released from WWE. I don't know what is what I'm doing or where I or where I'm going, but things haven't been good for me right now after the Madcap Boss. I, I look, the dude's got a look. I, I think he's gotten more pop now than Corbin. Mm-hmm. And that's for sure because they're letting Madcap now have the singles instead of Corbin having the singles and Madcap being on the outside. I could see maybe him and Corbin. Maybe, you know, I, I would have liked them to be a tag team and right? be serious and maybe turn them. Um, but man, they love some Madcap Moss. They do. They I, do. I, I, and you know what? He's growing on me a little bit. I agree I with you. You know j- what? I've been calling it a joke, and it has been. But you know what? The dude is holding his own. He and, and that's and why because he's Kofi. he's looking better in the ring. He's looking more competent. This the the gimmick is one of those that it's so so bad that yes. sometimes it's actually kind of funny. Yes, because how bad, like how much you want to cringe, it's just like, oh my god! But it's he, an NXT 2.0 character without it a is, doubt. But and he's like, but he's finding his footing, you know, like he's yeah. figuring it out. And some weeks it's kind of funny. Like the a couple weeks ago when he was doing the Drew thing, I actually was laughing a little bit when he was like, <laughs> "I'm Drew McIntyre," and he's like talking in the accent. And then at he went through this whole thing, and he was like. No, really, guys, it was me. That was me the whole time. You know, it wasn't true. It was, it's so stupid, but they're getting behind him and he's got to look. Would he be the choice that I made? No, but you know what? He's doing the best with the time that he's given right now and with the work, yeah. with what he's, with the stuff that he's given. So I think far too often, wrestling reporters and us on the internet, people that dislike WWE or if you dislike AEW or if you dislike something, you're not really fair. You know, people aren't really fair with how they gauge it. And, and in, in sports, we have to do that a lot more. You know, in sports, you can not like a person or a quarterback, but you have to say, like, okay, they played well that game, right? There are people I sure. personally don't like. I don't like some of the stuff that Aaron Rodgers did, but he's the MVP this year. Sure. You know, he's going to sure. win. He I, he might win the Super Bowl again. He's going to go down as one of the greatest all time. 
in in wrestling, it's like, oh, I don't like WWE, so I'm just gonna crap on every segment they do and right, every everything. Right. And like, oh, this Madcap yeah, Moss stuff is like, oh, it's cringy. Well, sure, but it's it's like a character in a TV show. This is the role this guy is given, right? Do we we don't want to crap on what he's trying to make the best out of it? It's not the greatest thing in the world, but there are some weeks where it's it's probably better than it should be. And uh, <laughs> shout out to Madcap Moss as we get set freaking Rollins here. The only thing that's weird with this is just like, who are we supposed to like? Right. In this right. feud, who are we supposed to root for here? And, and I mean, honestly, really with all four of the guys in the main event, like Brock has been one that you want to root for more, but Brock isn't exactly like white meat baby face. Neither is Lashley. They're both kind of badass tweeners here. You've got Roman who's been, the head of the table you've got Seth who's been this evil cackling heel you know I was wanting to turn was it last year at the rumble that I wanted Seth to go babyface and, yeah, and win yeah. and turn and then go chase Roman see I've been wanting him to be the guy because I, I don't think anybody I don't think Seth is going to get a clean win over Roman one two three but I do think in just the grand scope of the WWE he does feel like the character of Seth Rollins feels like one of the few people who could do that in WWE. Yeah, it was a, the segment started off with a bang. I, look, they, they both cut good promos, you know, Roman, <laughs> you know, right out of the box, you know, Hey, look, if I wanted to face us, you know, you dress like a clown, you look like a, a clown. If I wanted to face a star, I would have picked your wife to face and that was great. You know, that was great. It, it was great. I just thought the ending of it could have been a lot better. It didn't leave me desiring. Uh, it was wonky. Seth the Usos rolling. came in, Seth kind of right. slithered out, slithered out of the ring again at the end of raw, which we'll talk about in a second. You know, with his match with Lashley, and it looks, you know, you talk about baby faces. It looks like they they want Lashley to be the baby face. I, I don't I don't know what's going on there. I don't. I, I, I do, we'll get to Raw in a second. I'm jumping. I didn't like the way Raw ended with that that weak ass DQ finish and all those people getting involved. And I I I didn't like this ending here, but the promos were fantastic between Roman and Seth. Very much agree. I'm. I think we're going to inevitably get a great match from these two. Yes, it just might not yeah. be the best versions of them for yeah. this match. Like, I don't, one of these guys should be the big baby face in the company. One of right. them, these guys, like one of them should be the one that everyone's cheering for, rooting for, and that we want to see win the title. It just, they'll, they'll eventually get back there with one of them. It, it's just kind of weird right now. I, I mean, dude, look, I, I mean, Roman again, would you say they were in Omaha, Nebraska? Is that Omaha, Nebraska? Acknowledge me, dude. That that is the hottest phrase. It is. The past. And people <laughs> do. They want to acknowledge him now. Yeah. It, 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 and then Seth, you have him in this kind of weird position. He talks about, you know, I was the architect of the Shield and this and that. And then on Monday night, you know, he works Bobby Lashley, and it ends in I, I don't know. It's just some weird booking here. I think they're in a Look, I think we have the right matchup. I, I just think we really don't know who to cheer for right now because Roman is too good not to like, regardless if he if he's a, a full-fledged heel or not, especially when you have Brock Lehring on the outside because right now 
Brock can do zero wrong. So we're, we're kind of in a tough spot with Roman and Seth. Maybe we'll get it cleared up here. Uh, you've got two more Fridays. We'll, we'll have some gimmick stuff, and the go-home show will be real important next Friday night. We get to Monday Night Raw, and Becky Lynch welcomes us into the big town. <sighs> she says we're a couple weeks away from the Royal Rumble, and then uh, here comes Dewdrop. As Dewdrop stares down Becky, says that uh, she got herself this match, but if it was Lynch, if she was, it was her plan to face Dewdrop. She's made a big mistake. Little back and forth between them. Then here comes Bianca. She says that she's going to be in the Rumble this year. She's going to go back to WrestleMania and she'll challenge whoever wins. Liv Morgan also says she's entering the Royal Rumble. So now we know that Becky and Dewdrop will have their match. Liv and Bianca, they're both going to be in the Rumble. But hey, guess what, Coop? God. We've got partners that are going to be facing each other for the title. How are we going to coexist? Can they coexist here? As a... not, and it was just not good either. No, it wasn't. You no, know, it, it, it did nothing for anyone. And I think they just go off the merits that Becky can do whatever. Not talking about Becky, she can do whatever. It's just like we can put Becky in any spot and fans aren't going to care, but it it did nothing for her. Her and Dewdrop win. Dewdrop beats her up, and then you just, it's kind of like you've bit, built Liv up for the past two months, and now she's losing every match. It just doesn't do anything for Bianca or Liv. I don't think it did anything for Becky and Dewdrop, and this is the one thing that we ask people in WWE to never do. If you interfere, please don't put them together on the tag team, and what did they do? They kick off Raw with this. I just, I was definitely not a fan of this. Uh, yeah. Oh, it was a short match, too. It was like two or three minutes. It wasn't very long. It wasn't much to that. So, Drew dropping Becky, get the win. And, and now what you're doing is, okay, you have Bianca and Liv come out. If you want to have them on the on the show, like maybe have them wrestle, and then and it, that match ends in a DQ. Nobody wins; yeah. they're just kind of fighting each other afterwards. But why do you have either one of them lose, or both of them losing right now, when th- they feel like they are two of the top? I don't know, five or six who you think might be able to win the Rumble. Like I don't think Liv is going to win because she was just no. in the picture. Bianca, I think she'll have a run in it though. Absolutely, and if Liv's there in the final four, it wouldn't shock you because she's been in. In the you know the title picture recently, Bianca and she's with Bianca working Dewdrop and Becky, so that that that's out there, you know. You just so. didn't love that. No, um, I didn't love it either. We were back. Did backstage. you love the KO show with Seth and and KO? It was good, man. These guys are funny. They're God, they are. They got a great chemistry back and forth. They're, should we stand? Should we sit? No, we're gonna stand. We're gonna stand. You know, they're doing <laughs> the goofy, and then you know they talk about their plan. Who you know Seth is going to win the title, and then uh, KO is going to win the Rumble. He he mentions that he's now in the Rumble, and then they're going to go on in main event WrestleMania, and they're going to get rid of Lashley and Lesnar, and it's just so delusional, right? They're they're perfect, <laughs> like they're just talking and, and, and it KO, into existence. And KO, is, and KO is back with the tie with the sleeveless shirt, which is one of I my favorite looks when yeah, he does that. I just love it. Yeah, the KO show. He puts the the tie on around the neck. Um, we did have a couple of uh run-ins backstage. <laughs> Edge and Damian Priest. What do you say? <laughs> it's like getting a little edgy or I don't know something yeah. like. 
That was great. And um, uh, so, yeah, just Edge and Dana or Edge and Beth just kind of giving a rub to Priest yeah. and to Dana here, who's walking around backstage with the with Reggie. I think he had a little, yeah, I think he had Reggie. Yeah. Because yeah, Reggie so. had the had the match the with, with Omos the, later the, on the night. Yeah. The Omos. Do moment. I have a chance? Nope, you really don't. No, no. <laughs> then you I, don't. I did laugh at I did laugh at our truth when he said, "You know what that means? You gonna get got." <laughs> that was pretty funny. Our truth is just great, man. I did Still laugh at so that. great. All these years later, Priest kind of a quiet, um, under this the radar. This well, the, the match with him and KO. If this I'm is not his mistaken, first loss first in. Loss. How yeah. long, right? I mean, I, I definitely since coming up on the main roster, I don't he, remember not a singles. Losing. He has not had a singles loss. I do not believe. I think that his losses have only been in either tags or multi-man matches. And so, seeing him lose in a pretty clean fashion, you know, this wasn't all that shenanigans. So you wonder. This does happen sometimes with, like, I don't think they're they're cold on priest or anything. Um, no, I don't, it, I don't it, either. I, it almost seems like one of those really... things where you drop the belt to maybe move up kind of thing. And I wouldn't it be, could sh- be. And I think they're just so high on Kevin Owens. He's his merch is, is popping. He's they popping just on social resigned media. recently. So he's and, kind and of I a know, buzzy guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there's kind of that thing. Well, when you resign like Poro Cesaro, he resigned and you know, he's done absolutely nothing, but I, I think, I don't know. Next Thursday will be an interesting day because, or Friday, because that's when we're going to get some early odds to see who the top five or ten are favored to win the Royal Rumble. And I would not be surprised if Kevin Owens makes a run in this because he's been in this main event picture for a couple of months now. Mm-hmm. Uh, not he, saying he's going to win it because I have no idea. But he's but, really entertaining, and you can man, slot him and this, this anywhere. Is a big win. This is a big win for him over Damian Priest. It is. Big it win. is. You you could tell that they wanted to give him this win to make him strong, look strong, to keep yes. him strong. With you know, yes. he's kind of been on the back end of a lot of losing a lot of these, probably taking pins from Lashley yes. and some of the main event guys. So this is one to be like, hey, remember, we still like KO. He's still up there. Yeah. Sure. And um, we then got the oh, just a little backstage uh, with Nikki Ash. Who, she she's kind of going. She, you know that I I don't the heel version of her as this character is actually is great is more interesting, yeah, right? Where she's kind of yeah. crazy. Yes. She's kind of like yes. a you know a crazy superhero. Well, she's baddie. We just oh. got to get Rhea into Bro. back to the old Rhea, like back to yeah, because what they did to her. Monday night was uh, awful. Was was not good. Was not good. Just horrible. She ends up out. There's just a, this really awful sort of face off, and the Zelina and Carmella, and they're all out there, and the the segment is just bad. It's like dying. Well, they're supposed to have a match. It was and, like Rhea versus Nikki, and then what? Nikki attacks her and throws her into the steps or or something before. I. I it just it's it needs to be opposite. I don't mind Nick, Nikki being the heel superhero. I she need just Rhea needs to be getting her ass kicked. Badass. Yeah, Rhea needs to be the one throwing Nikki into the still steps and going crazy. And her, I, I, this is this is rough. This this was this is rough to see what Ripley has been in. We talked we talk about it every week with her. We talked about it last week with WrestleMania moving from Tampa. 
Uh, back to the uh, performance center. This this has just been a rough year for Rhea Ripley. Maybe she can get the uh, the run in the Rumble that she deserves. Maybe so. Um, you know what? The Alpha Academy thing. I love it. It could that could have been really bad. That's one it of those segments that could have been really bad. But you know what? Gable's been very entertaining. Chad Gable is fantastic, dude, in this role. Really good. And Otis was funny. And then you got Riddle who comes out, and Riddle was was great there. <laughs> he, he he's making the the marijuana references, and then you get uh, Randy who comes out of nowhere with the RKO. So this is a little bit fun. I think you could tell they're just kind of trying to get these guys to the Rumble to probably kickstart their feud uh, individually. But you know what? I'm just curious if they're gonna have a match because I thought somewhere in there that one of the I don't know if it was Jimmy or who I thought they said, okay, we're going to have a match, not later on in the night, but I've looked around. I don't see anywhere where it says alpha Academy is, is defending the titles against those two. Could you see that? Maybe Randy Orton's not a pre-show guy. Is he to the rumble? No, maybe they, maybe that's something like they open and then the go home show next Monday. Yeah. Maybe maybe do they do it Friday night and they get something weird and then, uh, they, uh, they they started they there. The they kind of turn on each other a little. The next bit night, because it's Friday okay. to Saturday, right? It would just be the next day. So sure, yeah, that it's got to be something. You're right because they haven't announced it yet, and we're already only a week away. So you only have one more Monday Raw. So mm-hmm. right, so I could see Alpha Academy defending the titles on Monday against Orton and them losing. I, I you know, I'm okay. Uh, I'm okay with them losing, and then them having a little heat heading into the rumble and then Orton and Riddle, you know, kind of turn on each other in the rumble or whatever it is. I I, I could go with that, but I do need to see this match though. I do. The, I do need to see this match and it does not need to be on the pre-show next Sunday. The Riddle and Orton <laughs> standing tall after with the, with, with the, like the gowns on Orton puts the gown on. They look like this, this like frat bro. Like, they literally yeah. looked like some frat bros that were just all drunk and like dared each other. Like to, a like, scene of old school. It, it was like Van Wilder or something, right? Yes. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. Where it's like, I yeah. dare you to go out there with no shirt on, man. And Orton's we're like, yeah, yeah, bro. I'm going to do it, bro. We're going to do it. Yeah. Just made me, uh, made me crack here good. as we get. Vince McMahon, who's <laughs> okay. Austin, Austin Theory says, "You know, I. Uh, did you see what I did to Finn Balor?" And he said, "Well, Balor won that match, and he said, well, I beat him. I beat him up afterwards. It was like, like a half win." And Vince says, "Those don't exist. I want you to win <laughs> and beat up Finn Balor tonight. If you don't." I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to drag you back to my office and break every bone in your body. And I'm going to go for your head and your face. And I'm going to leave you with nothing but blood and teeth. And then when it's done, I'm going to take a selfie with your beaten body and send it to your mother. It was just so good. It was so good. Just just creepy. And I knew then that Finn Balor had no shot, right, at winning the match. Poor Finn, who's one of the greatest in the world. And look, I'm not crapping on it, but I'm digging Austin Theory. I dug him in NXT uh, with Johnny G. Um, You know, I didn't really like him as the kind of the dumb jock they were kind of portraying him at. But 
coming up here and with the the golden egg and this Vince, but I look forward to this on Monday night. It's very entertaining. I like theory. He's uh yeah. yeah, theory is funny. He's entertaining and he's someone who they've got big plans for. And so, he beat Ballard. Then he beat the heck out of him after, after the match. So again, we know he, he hasn't been announced for the rumble yet. Has he? No, no. Okay. So that he's going to go into McMahon's office on Monday and say, see what I did. And McMahon's going to make him do something again, crazy on Monday. And then McMahon's going to be, I, you know what? You have impressed me so much. You're the first entrant into the, into the Rumble. That, you gotta I, that would be a good payoff there. He should. He you should be number one. Yeah. And he should be hanging around and weaseling his way Weasel. in. And it yeah. looks like he's going to slip Love out that. and Let's slimy. Hope and... listening. Hope Johnny Ace is listening right now. Come on, Laurenitis. <laughs> be tuning in. Um, so we're getting these Omos squashes. And that's, yeah. you know, he... He's just not quite ready to be, you know, no. he's got, he's got a good, oh, he screams like that. Uh, but sure. he just, yeah, he's still, you know, he's, he's kind of green. He's just a big, and then they've got a few of these. It's like, he's kind of like Commander Aziz. And then you've got, you know, the other biggest V. AJ Styles. Yeah. AJ Styles, you know, last week and uh, no AJ this week. I thought that was interesting um, after his big win over Grayson Waller last week on NXT. Again, you're we're I, I know I'm jumping all over the place, Gino, but again, we're getting to a point in AJ's career in the WWE. I'm not saying he's done. I'm just saying, you know, there's a youth movement in everything. I mean, look at all the coaches in in, in professional sports. Everyone loves these young up and comers. And uh look, sure, there's a place for AJ Styles, but him losing to Omos. Um, not on Raw this week. You got to think he's probably got one. And look, you kind of look at it at Edge, but Edge went away for years and had to get cleared by doctors. AJ is good to go. Maybe he's doing the great reset, you know? Um, but man, heading into the Rumble, uh, just with a win over Grayson Waller, not being on this Raw, I, I don't know what role he would be on on Monday. So I don't know. This is This is a weird little spot too because is omos is he in the rumble yet he's gotta be i don't they haven't announced him but he's gotta be in the rumble and have the big dominant you gotta have the big guys yeah throw three or four out start throwing people out and then they gang up and you know they throw him over and y'all it gets all mad as long as aj is not involved in his elimination anyhow but this is an interesting interesting moment here because yeah he's definitely not ready he like i said he, he he's reminds a lot me like of Jade. Old, what's his name? Yeah. You know, but he, he has the look, just not very good at all. Mm-hmm. And we'll see. Hopefully, he can take steps forward. Uh, good look, good presence, but not quite mm-hmm. ready to be in with uh, with some of the top tier. I did think that this uh, Maurice segment was pretty funny. You know what? It was fantastic. I thought this was pretty funny. She, was great. she, um, Says that she knows Miz has a big mouth. She has to clean up his mess. She calls Beth out mother to mother. She wants to talk to her. <laughs> and Our kids can play together. She's, oh, my gosh. They can that do play fantastic. dates. She said, she says, you know, we we are the reason that these women are in main events. And stuff. I love when, when she. That was, we, it was great. You know, we it was so good. And it was so funny. And Beth just tells her to shut up. And she says she's not buying any of this. And 
Beth says that the match at the Rumble isn't being canceled, and she's not passing up the chance to glam slam Maurice's ass through the canvas. And then uh, we get Miz and uh, <laughs> Edge at ringside. They're brawling a little bit. Edge gets the better of him. Um, is uh, we find the out best that part Maurice. About this- the yeah. loaded brick the loaded the brick, brick in the... <laughs> it's so old so school it's an old school so thing that was she was who... gonna brick bath that was flair's thing right with flair's yeah. women and like they're every, all of the valets would have the brick in the purse and it just oh yeah this Baby is doll, old back in uwf when dr death steve williams turned ill ted DiBiase had the loaded glove you know he would that was just i popped i know maybe maybe young Young wrestling fans or new wrestling fans didn't say, what does she got with a brick in her purse? What a bitch. I just, I loved it. This was so heel, old school heelish that I was like, this is, I, this is, this is so good. Edge and Beth go over, right? Yeah. Yeah. They got to go right. over. They got to get the. Do we see a Maurice Beth match at all anywhere or no? Maybe on like a it. raw or something, you know, like okay. a singles here or there, but I don't think that's a maybe the next, thing. maybe, maybe the next night after rumble. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe know, the night after night? rumble. No, I'm just curious. I'm just, I'm just curious to see and where maybe they're we going. Leave. Because they're, they're all in with Maurice being back full time. And she's mm-hmm. on Raw a lot now. Mm-hmm. now look, they've got a big storyline here. But from what I was told, she was going. She is going to be a lot more active in the WWE. Yeah, and I like that. Um, she's she's oh, pretty yeah. solid in the ring, too. I think people don't yeah, give her enough credit with what she can do in the ring, too. She's not bad at all. Um, there's a, a show out called Righteous Gemstones. That uh, this the second season just started on uh, on HBO Max. It's, it's pretty funny. It's it's about this this family who is a bunch of preachers, but they're they're like shady. They they're obviously like an, an, um, embezzling money, and they're really yep. rich because they run this whole thing. But the the last episode showed the sort of this like um, origin story for one of them, and the guy was this wrestler in Memphis. And they go back and they have this scene of him in Memphis wrestling. It's really funny. It's like old school scene of him out there in Mem- yeah. and he's beating everybody up. It's just kind of funny. It was reminding me. And I was, it was like I was watching with my girlfriend Stephanie and I was so excited. That's Memphis, the rest. I was just like so pumped. I was like, that's where wrestling. That was like legitimate wrestling, you know. And she's looking at me like I don't care, you know. And I'm like Remember so. Jerry Jarrett was. I know. Was I was so. There? You know? I was so pumped to see it on there. I was like, oh my god, there's wrestling in this show now. I was like, it's like my voice got all high pitched and everything, and uh, it was uh, yeah, the, the brick Love in the it. the brick in the purse was so old just school. So good, so good. Man. We just got like a uh, like a house show eight man tag kind of. Situation where the Street Profits and the Mysterios get the win. These two guys, when the Mysterios were doing their promo, and they were and Corey Graves was talking about the math, how it didn't add up. Did you did you hear that when they were talking about how they the two of them and Ray is like me and Dominic, and we're gonna throw twenty nine man over the top rope, and it's like, well, if the two of you are there, there's not twenty (laughs) nine others. It's twenty. It was. Which is so funny because that's something that nobody ever really addresses no. except for someone no. like Graves or Heenan or Jesse. You know, right. they would do right. it and it would make you stop it. Th- you're, you're right. That is stupid. You know, like that is just, it just made it's me Steiner laugh. Math. That it was made great. me. Graves is, Graves is fantastic. And with Ray throwing Dominic over, right? Gotta be. Um, th- this is it. This is it. Next Sunday, the kid eliminates the father right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
has he's, to be. It, it, I, I don't see Ray eliminating his son. He, I think Ray playfully did it. I think the kid turns and I, look. If you're going to do a payoff in the big in the big moment, the Royal Rumble matches to do it. And I, and I think I, I think Dominic needs to have a run in the Royal Rumble. And I think his dad. I, I think he needs to eliminate his dad. And then then you have a match at WrestleMania. That that's the payoff. I, I mean, that's the only way I would go with this. Yep, I agree. And. We got to get Graves in the Rumble too, right? I mean, he's got. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we. He's got to be in there. Unless they're unless unless they just did that. He's not. But yeah, unless he's not completely fit, you know. Or but I'm with you. Now we're finding out why all of these people are being announced early because we are getting mania moments right Mm -hmm. now before the Rumble, and I don't remember that anytime soon over the last couple of years for sure. Uh, Even before the COVID years, I don't remember. The road to WrestleMania beginning on Raw and SmackDowns, um, they're doing some things on purpose. And look, you got to give them credit. It's making it a lot more interesting. So next week we get a Marissa's B, uh, Marissa's B Day, and they're going to uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this we know where this is going to end. But they've big... got They've got to get the upper hand on Edge and 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 Beth right once at least at least once, at least once. Into, right. Mm-hmm. One of these times, and, and maybe this is there. Maybe they've got a good little plan there. Um, Alexa's back in the therapist office. Uh, yeah, I know. I didn't. Know. I don't mind. I don't mind where we're going with, but we brought up Lily. That's that's my you exactly. Know? If this was, if you we know? didn't get the w- w- word association, every word he brings up, trust Lily, friend Lily, home Lily, doll Lily, imaginary, yeah. and then. Uh, he looks at his watch. He says the time is up. She sits back down and uh, exhales. So we're getting these Bliss segments. God, I mean, man, I love Alexa Bliss. She was so freaking good, just as Alexa Bliss. Just mean, so over bitchy, mean looked, girl. Yeah, just mean girl. I, and I know she had some problems with like some concussion stuff, and she was out, and they've had to do a lot of different stuff with her. But this is just one thing that I just, I, I since WrestleMania, it's just been. Since the turn with Bray, it's just been awful, and this was a chance. And again, we're not it. getting it. I, no, I can't get behind it. No, we can't get behind. Um, hell, the, the main event match was excellent. It's fantastic. Lash, Lashley and Rollins are were really, really good. You know, they don't want either of these guys to look weak because they're both going to be in their you know main event title matches at the Rumble. So. They end up having a schmoz where DQ Lashley wins by DQ because Shelton and Cedric uh, come out and attack, uh, come out and attack. They beat up Lashley at ringside. Then you get Lashley trying to fight them off. Um, I just remember the last time I saw Cedric and Shelton, I thought they were helping him. Me too. That's what threw me off. They've, they've, they've back and look at some raw reports and I'm like, nope, nope. They had an interaction with MVP and Lashley and they were all buddy, buddy. Yeah. So this kind of threw me off. A little bit. Me too. Really weird. And that makes now, that makes Lashley more face face ish to me. That's why I'm kind of thrown off here. N- me too. And they and could have Uso's a real easy out. with with the Brock Lesnar thing. You know, right. they could have a real easy th- use of Shelton Benjamin in the story because that's another one. I, I'm bringing up the 2020 Rumble because I just watched it two nights ago with Darren, um, and it's going to be on next week's episode early in the week. Is um, 
Shelton Benjamin which comes are in. Great, which are great, by the way, dude. Oh, I, yeah. I, I'm telling you, I know that WWE does uh, a lot of the watch-alongs, right? And they're pretty good, and they're kind of hard. You have to be a super, super fan to be on social media and do the watch-along as WWE superstars are watching a big pay-per-view, right? But I give you credit, man, and I'm not just saying it just to say it. Uh, I, I don't know who has done this before, and if they have, it hasn't been nearly as entertaining and more enjoyable and what you have made it. So kudos to you. Those are, even if you don't watch professional wrestling now, sometime in your life, you were an eighties or nineties mm-hmm. fan or an early two thousands fan. Heck maybe five years ago and you got married and your wife said this or that, or maybe it was vice versa. Maybe your wife was into it. I don't know. And she drug you to uh, the Toyota center to watch WWE, but kudos to you, dude. These are really, really good. I always have them play them in the background uh, especially when 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 they're the bad paper, the bad ones are more fun to talk about. Yeah, I, so I, you know, <laughs> thank not, you. To get back on track. I just want to let you know. Appreciate those, it. Those are those are really really good shows, man. So Kudos. so Shelton was also in that rumble with Brock. Remember, Shelton comes out in one of them, and Brock is smiling, and Brock's like, "Oh, and, yes!" And Shelton walks over, and Paul Heyman goes. Paul Heyman gives Shelton a big hug. And he goes, yes. get in there with Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and, and then Shelton gets in and Brock gives him a big hug. And he's patting yes. him like, oh, it's because my I buddy. The, and I he's like. The, uh, yeah, the week before we talked about how they were great NCAA wrestlers. And yes. they had this great background. And I yep. remember that. And it built it for that moment. Yeah, they were buddies. They trained together at Minnesota. I think they yeah, they were like yeah. they came up through the ranks together in WWE. And Brock's doing the patting him on the back. He's doing oh you and me, you and me, buddy. And then he just throws Shelton out. So you know maybe using Shelton in the middle of this Lashley Lesnar could be something interesting next week. Um, who knows? That's over on Monday. I was gonna say we watch enough of this stuff every now and then. We're gonna run. In, we're gonna run into something as uh, we we run over on into. We're gonna find out who killed Jr. Damn it. We, we are. Oh, Dallas reference, by the way. Woo, not, not Jim yeah. Ross. Dallas Woo. reference. I, I watched Dallas with my parents as a kid Dallas. in the eighties. Jr. Ewing. Jr. Ewing. I was gonna say that was a memory, but that's a flashback there. Um, so we get to NXT two Man, I will say, how big of a star does LA Knight feel when he walks in like that? Man. Whoa, he is so over, man. Great on the mic. Yeah, just, dude, I would have just popped by him just at the very beginning. He kept going, yeah. And yeah. dropped the mic and yeah. walked off. Yeah. Just, and he walks I back. I would love for him to have a run in the Royal Rumble or just at least a spot. I don't he, care if he lasts 10 seconds. He walks through and it was like, Honestly, Such I know it's not it's not quite that way, and, and people are gonna like roll their eyes when I say it. It's NXT, dude. There's something yeah, about him that just is reminds me of The Rock, the way mm. he talks, the way he presents himself, and and, and he, it's and not the way his upper body moves and the mm-hmm. way he holds his. He lo- We're it's, not it's talking his about posture. He's be a billionaire, yeah, Hollywood megastar. He's dude. looking at you it's and he's posturing posture. and. And you know what, man? You know what? And that's just what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna do it like that. It's just and there's something. And you could, he's not copying the rock. No, you know this dude. This is it's, this is this is him. This is but his you could, gimmick. This you is could his tell gimmick. 
it's like a rock in Austin kind of like, you know, he yes. grew up listening to them. So there's a lot of the way he, he, he verbalizes things. And I just like the way he walking through the back after he gets out the car and he looks at the guys, he goes, Hey, you guys got that dusty club class look tonight, right? Good luck. Kick ass. And he just walks <laughs> on. It was just, it was just cool. I, I, I just yeah. love that little, little moment. And then he feels like a star. He came out there. The crowd was going, this NXT crowd, was great. They yeah. were great the on this couple, show. The last couple of NXT shows have been really, really good, and it helps when you have an energized crowd. And this this crowd was completely good for the whole show through. And I just, I know they're in love with Grayson Waller. I know they are. It's obvious that the guy had a, a moment on Raw, but you, LA Knight has to go over on Grayson Waller, right? Or this guy's done in NXT. Has to. LA Knight gets the win here and send him up. I mean, honestly. Got to. Honestly. He needs to win and get sent up. And he he has to be on the the main roster moving forward. He'd be a great guy to show up in the Rumble. Then you figure something to do with him. Or maybe he gets a win and then he's still down for a few months. And then at the end, Grayson can get the better of him in uh, some sort of a gimmicky match or something. But... He needs to win right now and then get some energy because there are two yeah. guys, him and both Grimes. Grimes, who was out later on this show, they feel like you kind of they got another life. They were sort yeah. of away for a while. They had sure. that feud with sure. each other that we loved, and now they're yeah. both baby faces, and they feel like they're sort of reignited. I, man, I love this. I loved this yeah, opening segment too. with LA Knight. He was just like bouncing off the screen as. Waller comes out, and then you get Dexter Loomis, um, who pops up from like the floor, as that leads to a, a Loomis Grayson Waller match that Waller ends up um, winning, and uh, so yeah, it'll lead to Waller LA Knight. What did you think about the return of? Uh, am I pronouncing it? it was it Saruv? Because that's Sarai, the, that Sarai, Sarai, whatever Sarai, his name is. The gr- or no, 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 no. The guy that helped, uh, the guy that helped, Grayson the guy that Waller. helped him, the guy that Remember, helped he Waller. was in a tag team mm-hmm. back in 2020. Cause I had yep. to do some research. Um, this is, uh, this is during the beginning of the pandemic. NXT had no one in, in the performance center there. Mm-hmm. He's in a tag match with, is it Shanky or uh, the, was it Veer? The, and they were mm-hmm. called in, in it was some kind th- th- that's him. I just thought, okay, this is the guy's insurance policy, according to Waller, because Waller tells LA Knight, hey, I've got a got a protection order against you. That old gimmick, right? I, I just that was I don't I don't know. That came was out of nowhere very... and it feels like we've got I don't we gotta just do more with some of them because now we've got Aziz, we've sort of got almost, we've got this guy. And then again on Raw, we got another Veer Mahan is coming to Raw. Now I just think it's a, a rib. It's a joke. They're messing with yeah, us now. We, we, yeah, we, we got that on Monday night again. We For a week or two, we didn't get it. It, it was back on Monday. But yeah, we've got to start doing something. And somebody said, oh my God, it looks like Bruiser Brody. And I'm like, wait, what? Uh, but anyway, that that I looked it up. He he he. That's the last time he's been on WWE TV was at the very beginning of the pandemic, 2020 NXT. Um, I, I, and who was the original NXT? What's the guy's name from Canada? Does boxing now? Um, play by play announcer. Moro. Yeah, yeah. He he was he was calling the action. That that that's the last time this guy was on WWE TV, and he pops up with Grayson Waller now. So wow. interesting. 
interesting yeah. here. Yeah. Um. So Waller, you know, they they keep he's he's definitely a big part of what they want to do moving forward. We got Malcolm Bivens backstage and Walter, and it's going to set up a, a Walter versus Roderick Strong match later on, which I guess we can get to because that ends up being the main event. And that's what a lot of people yeah. are talking about this week. Walter yeah. now Gunther <laughs> moving forward. Um, there was a lot of stuff about his name, maybe about a they were going to name him something that a former Nazi was, but then that never really was put up on WWE. So right now he's just going by Gunther. And anytime somebody that we know and is on TV comes out and just changes their name, it's always going to be goofy, but we've seen this happen a ton of times through the years. And I think there's a lot more to do with this than, than what people are just kind of like, Oh my God, they changed his name. Well, yeah, I think it's probably because he doesn't want to let them trademark that name. Oh, that on the- was that's the number one reason. <laughs> that's that's why he that because he yeah. he wants to keep Walter for himself. That way, when if he does leave the company, he can still use that name when he goes to the Indies and goes wrestles other places. If he's going gonna go by Walter on the main roster, they're gonna trademark that name. They're gonna own that. So this is as much something that's actually helps him. Everyone that's been crapping on this, it's like, well, this sure. this is it, a positive it for it, it sucks it because we know it him sucks. as Walter. And so now it's like, oh, what's Gunther, whatever. But in two months, we're probably not even going to remember this. I mean, we will, well, we, we will we're, remember. We're okay with, look, we're okay with LA Knight. We're okay with Braun Breaker. I think we're going to be okay with this. I think it helps him now that he's over here. And I would think he has to be in the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. I know we're he's going to be on the main roster. Look, I know we're getting to the point where you and I are putting everyone, everybody in the, in the Rumble, Rumble, but right, but if, but this guy needs to be in it, and he has needs to. to have a face off with someone that it's a holy crap moment. And I, uh, I would think that this would this would be it. But look, the match was out of sight. I, I know Roddy, Roddy is Strong so good. He is been. so underrated, man. He's so Dude, underrated. You go, back to, you go back to the ROH days when he's behind Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly. And then he had kind of had to do the same thing here in NXT. And then, holy cow, dude, you go from losing the, uh, the, the title at NXT to main eventing NXT 2.0 in a hell of a match. I, I, I'm perfectly fine with the finish. Um, they beat the hell out of each other, and now it sets up the Diamond Mine versus Imperium. And now we see why the Creed brothers are getting that push. I hate that they had to lose earlier uh, the last couple of shows because earlier in the night I'm like, what are we doing? Look, I love the Creed brothers, but you're shoving Briggs and Jensen down our throats over the last couple of weeks, and now the Creed brothers are winning in, in the Dusty Classic. Now I know why, and I think this is I think this is going to be really fun and really good and really hard-hitting. I think this could be a good storyline, and as you saw, Ivy Nile got a big, big win, too. I think they like Diamond. I think they like this Diamond. Me, mine. too. Me, too. You know they what? They do. To, hell. They, they have they're to. good. They're good. The Creed brothers get the win. Ivy Nile looks great. She picks up the win, and even in defeat. Hell over Kaylee Ray. Which, she, and she's probably the number, I was going to say, she's, that I, I did think that was weird. Now, let me say, I thought that was was weird because I have mixed feelings because I do like Ivy. 
I think she's got a unique. She shouldn't have been in that match. Hundred percent. Been somebody else. Ivy should be beating someone else, and Kaylee shouldn't be losing there. No, because then Mandy jumps her, and then Toxic Attraction comes out. DQ is fine, right? Schmozzy ending. Yeah, and Persia's out. But no, I hate them getting pinned. I hate them getting pinned. If there's someone that's in a title feud coming moving forward, I don't want to see them pinned or submitted. DQs are fine if you want to attack them to keep building. But yeah, I didn't didn't love that. The uh, yeah Creed brothers, we saw them pick up the win. They beat uh, Briggs and Jensen, and the Creed brothers are moving along. We got a video package. What about the backstage segment with? Briggs and Jensen with uh, the girl. Oh, with... <laughs> then, then there's your girl, Chew, on top of the lockers. Just laugh. You know, oh my! Tumbler. When she she is so funny that she's just up there. Yeah. The, the, this has got to be like a running thing where like people yeah. are having serious conversations and stuff, and like yeah. Wendy's the only one. I heard it just pops up. The guy on um, on Wrestling Inc. I got to give him a shout for this. Glenn Rubenstein, who was uh, doing the the recap there tonight. After he said, "Okay, well, what what they need to do is Wendy needs to set up, you know, a slumber party. They're they're gonna do a segment right where she does a slumber party with a couple of the girls from NXT, and it's like gonna be some stupid stuff, whatever. But they do it in the ring, and you know, everyone comes out there, and they're all like in their pajamas, and they're all kind of being silly, and then and then." Wendy just cuts this like pipe bomb promo on them all, you know, and she just like digs into every one of them and goes, at it. it would be hilarious to just yeah, flip, flip the script on someone who you think yeah. is this like lovable pajama party. And then she's got the pillows <laughs> and she just starts beating the crap out of everyone with the pillows and this and that. And <laughs> I thought it was funny. So shout out to Glenn. Yeah. If, if you could flip the switch on her, um, uh, Dante Chen, it's a little backstage vignette there. As uh, he's ready to compete, he mentions being uh, from Singapore. He wants to represent the country and make them proud. And and then Walter, you know, really was backstage, and we talked about their match. But it feels like they're here, and Walter is here now. Yeah, yeah. In NXT, you know, that he was someone yeah, who the, would pop yeah, in. That yeah, that that's why the name changed. This guy's hundred percent now. We yeah, and we've been a- asking for that. The one thing I did like about NXT, which we'll get to AEW in a second, and I was so bullish, man, on all these promos. But you know what? I like these new vignettes. We're rebranding and reintroducing because because look, I completely forgot about Dante Chan. Me too. You know, I completely forgot. And then hell, we get one later in the light. Uh, the night with uh, Saray, she's got a complete, complete 100% gimmick. She's makeover. like a schoolgirl gimmick now. Yeah, yeah. And she's got this necklace. So at least we're reintroducing in these little vignettes and we're not doing these silly promos that we'll get to in AWE. And I think, a moment, but I completely forgot about Dante Chan. What did you th- what did you think with with him and Guru Raj going to a no contest? Because Duke Hudson is back and he's pissed off, Gina. Yeah, the only thing I was getting, I could feel at a few points throughout this show is one of our gripes oh, that, that we we have yeah. with um with um AEW in that it feels like some weeks they're they're trying to introduce too many people. And this was and that, the NXT. This was the NXT version of mm-hmm. AEW ish. To and absolutely one hundred percent. And and it's not yes. that I don't like 
any of them individually or their gimmicks or the segments even right like even the vignettes like i'm not even saying that any of the stuff was bad if some of the things were great some it just when there's so many new ish kind of people it's just kind of hard for audience because you and i know the everybody we're paying attention but like you said there's even some people that we forget oh dante chen where did he go or this or that i, 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 I yeah forgot, you know completely forgot about this when, guy and then especially when you have a main event like you did nobody remembers those vignettes unless you're writing stuff down mm-hmm. right so that's it, it just is so it, just it was, it was wanna, tough yeah there was a lot of things that felt like they threw and I think there were a lot that I really liked, but it's the same thing that I say sometimes with AEW. Maybe, maybe just pick instead of like if there are five things you want to introduce this week, maybe do three and let them breathe a little bit, and then do yeah, two that's true. N- you next got a week. Good point. You got but, a good and, point. And I, I like in a few months, this is going to be good, right? What what they're doing right now, AEW is like they're like a team that is they're not worried about winning the game. Today, tomorrow, next week, they want to have their team built for six months for the end of for a year from now. And when all of these people, you know, it's like you you just went out and you drafted, you know, 10 first round draft picks and you really only need like three or four of them to, to be anything at all. And you'll and you're fine. That's sort of where they are right now. They're just kind of playing the numbers game. Let's throw all these things out at the wall. And a few of them stick, and then those are the ones we're going to go with. Um, I like a lot, a lot of what they're doing, and I like a lot of what was on this show. Um, Duke Hudson, you mentioned he comes back, so he's growing the hair back in. He's kind of a little more aggressive, a little more badass afterwards. We got. Uh, we're definitely, we're definitely going with Braun Breaker and Santos Escobar, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's going to be, that's going to be his. Hey, I'm the new champ. Let's get me a win. It's a good. Yeah. It's a good person that's been established. That's been around on NXT for a while. Because San- Santos can go, man. He that, can that's go. Another guy for what a year we've been saying needs to be on the main roster. And while I don't think anyone believes that Santos is going to beat Braun, you at least have the Legado del Fantasma and the fact that they have an entourage yeah. that can stack yes. the deck against Braun a little bit sure. and make it seem good like, point. oh, Very he's going to have to go through three guys and 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 they're all cheating, you know. So Very it's a good. good point. Dynamic for a baby face that you want to build up You have Braun who's looked really strong He just beat Ciampa So obviously you're going to think in a one-on-one situation He's going to be great You have to make him overcome some of the odds And that's probably why they ended up picking A faction here that he'll have sure. to He'll good have point. to get through good, Very good point We got uh, what Harland and Joe Gacy They <laughs> They ended up uh, They were just talking about how they didn't move on Because of what happened in the Dusty Cup And this is fine. It doesn't seem like it's really moving forward all that much. Kind of just feels like it's sort of in the same, same place no, week in and week out. Week, yeah, I told you last week. It's there. It's just nothing's happening. And attacking Odyssey Jones, who quote unquote is already hurt, it just doesn't do anything again. They need to do something that is shock worthy, and this is not it. Beating up a hurt dude that is really basically a newcomer in NXT. It's not, it's not, they, I mean, I'm not trying to get all crazy, but kidnap uh, one of the female wrestlers, kidnap somebody. Uh, I, it needs to be shock value-ish, and this is not doing it. Because I like where they're going with this. I think they have, uh, I don't like where they're moving, how they're doing it. But I think Gacy, it's there because of the society that we live in, and the execution has just been, Definitely not a needle mover. 
did, did not like this at all. No. We get Tony D hosting the memorial service for Pete Dunn. <laughs> There's a big casket in so the middle. So is Pete Dunn, are we done with Pete Dunn on NXT? Because he's getting, him and Tommaso are, have been working uh, it uh, would be, 205 live matches uh, on Friday nights. It would make the most sense. It's like a clean yeah. a clean ending for the both of them, right? Come on. If you, you got a come casket up. in the ring, I, I assume it's, it's unless they're doing the great reset with him and there's nothing to reset with him, I would assume he's done with that brand. You have some of these guys either pop up in the Rumble or you wait for them for the night after or you have them pop up the night after WrestleMania or whatever it is. But there are two guys that would freshen your TV up a lot. You know, Pete Dunne and Ciampa. And they can go all the time, 15, 20 minutes, and give you really good matches. Is um, We got D'Angelo and then Grimes. This is, yeah, this is exactly what you're referring to. Mm-hmm. A while ago, this was this was a lot to keep up with. Yeah, so Tony D wants to go after the North American title. So then Carmelo and Trick Williams come out, but then and this little platform that somebody that it is pretty funny become, where they yeah, stand up is. on top and just kind of talk down to everybody. <laughs> yeah, it the, is pretty the good platform. It, it is. is pretty good. And then you got um, Grimes who comes out and says, you know, he wants to be the the North American champ. So. I don't know if we're going to get a a triple threat or if we're if this is going to lead to that. Um, Carmelo says it should be D'Angelo versus Grimes for a title shot, and then we saw them, you know, D'Angelo and Grimes going at it a little bit here. I my only worry is with this is that I love both Tony D and Grimes. You know, I I, gotta, and I think that, and, and unfortunately I think that's where they're going. And right? one of them is going to be losing and you know not obviously being elevated because- here. Yeah, because they have announced it for they have announced it for next Tuesday. They have announced their card, and Cameron Grimes goes one on one with Tony D for the number one contender for the North American Championship next Tuesday night. I wonder how many years it is before we get an NXT Rumble. <laughs> and maybe and maybe nowadays we don't like. Maybe this is something that we may have gotten five years ago when NXT was more its own brand. You know, I could have right. absolutely seen something like that. It's surprising with. That that they haven't done something like that, like a twenty man and pre-show NXT. it. And I, I I would not crap all over that brand. If no, they pre-showed the NXT because that guarantees you you're going to get a lot more eyes on a on an hour and a half or you know because these Rumble pre-shows, especially on night one, are pretty long and and and, and they go at it for a while. So I I would definitely do it. And the- maybe the next night. You know, you, you and we talked about this. We talked about Braun Breaker being at WrestleMania. And why not the next night or why not the winner of this gets a title shot at WrestleMania against the NXT champion? I, you've got, a, you know, another good idea, Gino. Maybe maybe Johnny Ace is listening. Johnny Ace, you know, I could be very cheap. <laughs> I could be very, very cheap here, and I could bring in Chad Koopaloop to help me on the writing I team. I will so. not be cheap, but you, you, you can negotiate Chad, the contract. Chad's gonna, yeah, Chad's gonna put his foot down and play some hardball with you, though, Johnny I'm Ace. I'm gonna hold so. out. Um, as uh, we mentioned, that Kaylee Ray versus. About, oh, go ahead. Yeah, we we t- we, we talked about uh, Ivy Nile and Kaylee, Kaylee Ray. What did you think about the promo with? Uh, Ulisa Leon and Valentina Faraz promo because we saw them a couple of weeks ago and we had no clue who they were. 
They jobbed to Toxic Attraction, I believe. None. And then they, they you get this promo, okay, and then you get a bad match with Dakota Kai and Ulyssa Leon. I thought that was a train wreck. It was really bad. It was really it was bad. Rough. And so they don't, again, we're going to get some of them that they just, they, they need some reps out here. They for sure need some reps because this was, yeah, this wasn't great. At all. And look, I like the moment backstage with me too. Who uh, who did Dakota Kai interrupt again this week and say the same quote to? Um, I missed that. Who was did she Har- say? Because there was was it in it wasn't Indy. Was it Indy and him? No. No, it was yeah. It I, was two, I can't remember. But anyway, Neither. and then right after this match, you had right after Dakota and Ulyssa, you have a backstage promo with Raquel and Cora. And they get into it, and she said, hey, let's form a tag team. Raquel says, no, I don't need you. I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then she asks, you know, I I still think Dakota Kai somehow gets involved in this. Yes. Because this is pointing toward, uh, again, a women's Dusty Classic. They're having it because Cora, and and then, you know, Raquel walks away, and Cora goes, I'm going to make her. Maybe Cora and Dakota Kai? Uh, oh, there know, we go. There's, there's something there. There's something. Yeah, there. you're right. Yeah, there with there. with the three of them. You're right. There, there's yeah. no doubt. Uh, but that match with wasn't wasn't great. They need they need no, a little bit more work. Um, what did you think about uh, Malik Blade and Idris Anofe? You're supposed to be you know the what? bracket busters, I guess. I, now. I I think it was cool. It was a cool moment. I thought it was. Yeah. You know, yeah, Legato del Fantasma can sort of go and and be part of the the storyline with Braun. You know, for the title, they can get involved there, and you've got these two. This is a babyface th- thing, you know. You've got to have an upset here or there. You don't want to have everything seem so obvious, and now you can tell a story here. So where where are they slotted? Who did you did you see who they're supposed to face next? I think they oh they face the uh, winners of MSK and Jacket MSK Time. And jacket Time, right? So who, yeah, who have been announced for next week, and also Grizzled Young Veterans versus Chase University. Next week as well I could see something happening where Blade and Inofe Win because Imperium tries to screw over MSK or something like that okay. Um, okay. And, and you let the baby And you let these guys win one more match And make it to the You know um, the quarters Or you know because if they face Jack at time they're winning If MSK wins sure. you know it'll be a little yeah. bit More difficult maybe they don't but Yeah I'm, I'm cool with it like it Tournament, sure. we're sports fans. There's upsets all the time. They were mentioning March Madness, you know, one it can happen and um yeah. bl- a blade and an Ofe get the uh, get the win. We saw a little bit with Solo Sokoa and he and uh, Boa. He says next week bring the battle paint because they're going to war. No DQ falls count anywhere. Should be a good match. Should be uh yeah. should be yeah. really good. And then we finished up with Walter versus Roderick Strong. And at the very end of the match, he says, and your winner, Gunther. So he announced his own new name. We got uh, the a big. Exploded. Yeah, we got a big. Uh, I mean, this could be a really fun six man, too, with uh, Gunther, a- Eichner, and Barthel versus Strong and uh, the, oh, Creed, yeah, and yeah. the yeah. Creed brothers there. Well, those Creed brothers yeah, I, are awesome. I, I, I definitely, yeah, I definitely like this. Oh, that that's that's who it was. Dakota was talking. Uh, she interrupted Ulisa and Valentina. Mm-hmm. It was right after their promo, and that's when she said, "Okay, you want a match? You want a match?" Also, next week, don't forget a special a special musical performance from Ollie J. 
Oh. Don't know what she's going to sing, but she's going to be there. Okay. Okay, so that's <laughs> that was NXT 2.0. We're going to finish up the uh, the week with AEW. Now, this opening segment was I'm going to critique a lot of things about this show and I okay. think there are there are a lot of hardcore AEW fans that really didn't like this show from top to bottom uh, a lot of what happened on this show. This opening segment with Moxley was awesome. It was great. It was fantastic to me as hear him be so honest. He was able to it was like a motivational speech and a wrestling promo all cut into one. He's talking about drinking blood, but it's like a babyface promo. It was yeah, it was yeah. a goosebumps. It almost made get wants to make you tear up. Like if you're we all have struggles. We all nobody ever knows what's going on in somebody's head, what's going on behind closed doors. This isn't we critique wrestling stuff, what happens in the ring, the promos, the angles, the booking, but this is real this was real life. This wasn't a wrestling angle or anything. When he left, he looked like he was getting ready to get put back up into the title picture. And then he's gone. And you don't know if, what or when or where you're worried about this guy with a family, with a new kid, you know? And he he looked great. He looked like he lost a little weight. He looked a lot thinner. And the energy was great. There are a lot of things that we can get through the show that I'm, I'm going to pick on. But it was... A very, very good promo and a very good start to the show, except for the asshole who says <laughs> right off the bat, he starts to cut this promo and everyone's like getting ready to get emotional. And some guy in the crowd goes, get out of the stage and go have another drink, loser. You know, some, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And Moxley and told him to drops, F, F off. On TBS, three weeks yes. into the TBS, we got an f bomb on TBS. It's the super station. <laughs> South Park on Comedy Central. What's Seriously. So, what'd you think of the opening promo from uh, from Mox? You know, um, I thought uh, uh, a friend of mine brought it up. You know, GCW announced that Moxley was returning, and I, you know, for a match here over the next over the next couple of weeks, and I thought, okay. There's no way that AEW is not going to let Moxley return to professional wrestling mm-hmm. at GCW without putting him on AEW first. And it was the right thing to do. Yep. Yeah, it was a fantastic promo, one of the better ones that AEW's probably had in a while. I thought it was much, much better than the Cody Rhodes one. Oh we my God, we're going to get there. Which we're going to get there in a minute. The only thing that's, uh, that worries me a little bit about, again, Right, we're we're just talking out loud, and and I'm only I'm saying this as just being cautious. Um, sure. I I don't think Moxley would be wrestling if he wasn't ready to be wrestling. But if you have been yeah, out of the ring for a little, he, you know, right, out of the ring for right, a little bit, he lost some weight. Sure. He's gonna wrestle on Friday. Yeah, right Ethan away. Page. We find out later in the night, Ethan Page, uh, you know, challenges Mox. So Friday night, uh, Rampage, you're getting Moxley, which I thought is interesting to put on Friday, but. If you're trying to build that Friday rating up, which has been down in the dumps, I guess, you know, putting Moxley on there uh, definitely helps. And the, the the GCW show, I mean, he's probably going to be doing deathmatch stuff there. That's a little That's scary for, is. for like going head in, you know, right in. Sure. And I know this is kind of crap. Like, it's hard because you have to talk about 
what's going on in the real world. And then we're also talking about it from just a, we're covering wrestling sense, you know, this would be the perfect time for someone like him to like, he's so hot right now. People are behind him so much. They want to see him succeeding. You know, this is the time when you have someone like this, that you give them a big push, you know, yeah, I'll tell you this, man, I'm just being honest with you. Uh, the Lance Archer, Hangman Page. The Page Hangman feels Page. ice cold. Page feels ice B- cold. Because, b- because they missed the boat on it. Mm-hmm. He, he never should have lost, and he never should have been put with, with Dark uh, Circle or whatever those. Uh, dark Order. I, I just, yeah, Dark Order. This just is not. There were six I'm not months he's there. Take it for Page, man. Yeah. It's just something is. is uh, during the middle of the of the night, Hangman Page is coming out and beating up Lance Archer. And, and it, that's just, does that feel you know, like honestly? No, on the show, not. if you were going through and you didn't, if you didn't see people with their belt and you didn't know who was the champion, that would that would have felt like the fifth or sixth most important thing on Absolutely. the show. It would have been you would have felt like. Adam Cole, you'd have felt like uh, the MJF Punk stuff. Anything going I, on? I, I with would push Cody. him. I would push him. And if you don't want him having the title, let somebody, you know, let Paige go over on him cleanly, or let somebody screw over Moxley. You, you know, mm-hmm. we don't want to go back to Eddie Kingston or anything like that. No, maybe it's you know, may, maybe Miro gets healthy. Miro Moxley, just something. I know it's two WWE guys, but I, you know, it, it's uh, he he needs to he, right he, now. He, This is like what happened with Kingston a few months ago when Kingston had that article out afterwards in the Tribune where he was talking about all of his struggles. And and it's, I know it's like, yeah, it's, you don't want to like prey on and play on, you know, people's emotions and stuff, but hell, it's out there. It's already out there. This is, this isn't like they're creating this to play on. These are, this is out there. Everybody knows this stuff. And now if people are just genuinely behind them, Everybody wants to see Moxley succeed right now. I think you go, you got to figure out a way to get there. And he talked about his demons. He talked about this scary clown. They come in all shapes and sizes and says, you know, I don't run from demons. I beat the shit out of them, which is a great (laughs) line. And um, we then got MJF backstage. He says last week was an embarrassment to the sport. CM Punk didn't take the loss like a man. And, he then turns and he says, Wardlow, I want to apologize to you. You've been a friend. Today's your birthday. And I want to give you a genuine apology. And you know what? For like, he's a, he is so good. He's so good yeah, because yeah. he's just a great actor. Because for a minute, you you knew that he wasn't. But you just sort of believed him. You're like, oh, that is his buddy. You know, that's the guy that's done stuff. So, yeah, you know, he's an ass, but sure. And then he tur- he just turns right around again and says, <laughs> yeah, but you know, uh, I'm gonna dock your pay, and uh, and and you know, if you keep building those wins back up, your your pay will increase. And if you help me win the TBS, I, you know, it was just if they ever do <laughs> want to make him a baby face, you know, it, it's I think he will do better than the than the Miz did. Oh yeah. You know, the Miz couldn't, for whatever reason, like he just, they tried to do it with the Miz and they kind of screwed it up when they did. Yeah. You know, and, you know, with his dad. Yeah. They had the one where he, I remember he was going to be on the team WWE to save them. And I I can picture him kind of hopping down there to, it just, they never really, 
got behind him. MJF, if they turn this guy babyface at one moment, he could have a great babyface run and just apologize to the crowd. You know, I'm so sorry for everything I did because he is a really good actor. Like he comes off genuine here and he's, Ah. he's a performer. We see all the goofy videos of him doing uh, show choir stuff when he was young and growing up, like he was in theater and musicals and, um, and did a lot of acting as a kid. He's on, is a thing of him on Rosie O'Donnell when he's like four years old, <laughs> yeah. which is really yeah. funny. Um, yeah, this was, this was funny. And we're going to get a little more of them in a bit. The most WWE AEW thing <laughs> in history was next with this Adam Cole, with Adam Cole, the greatest in the world, your big accurate, the guy you brought over, but that you don't want to make do any WWE stuff. Can you imagine you all the plans they would have had for this it, guy? He's going to be wrestling mixed w- tags on the main roster. Well, he's doing it here. <laughs> I mean, it's an embarrassment that it, this, this fake gimmick angle that, that this person made up to say he was going to be a manager. Keith Lee, just you wait until he gets to AEW. Oh boy. This this was this was this was tough. This was tough. Yeah. This was a tough one here. This was and I and I and I have no problem with all four in the ring. I and I, I don't even I, mind like I don't even mind they don't do this kind of thing a lot, right? So I don't even mind the idea of it. For whatever reason, it last week it just, when when Britt was interacting with them in the ring it didn't feel like it actually felt like Brit because we hadn't seen Brit around for a while. So it was like, right. oh, okay, that's good. She's out there with like some other people that they consider big stars this week. I don't know what it was. She sort of just felt like Adam's girlfriend. And, that's and she not... got put through the table. And I, I, I don't know why she would have gotten put through the table from orange it... Cassidy, which pisses Cole off. And he, instead of the, ba- that's a baby face thing. That's like a total right. baby says, face thing. Okay. Who would have so Cole would have next, put Statlander through it next Wednesday. It's a lights out match. And I'm going to end orange Cassidy's career. I just thought it was, this was just not good for anyone involved. Really, really wasn't um, it. The, like the work was fine. It wasn't like a horrible match or anything. It just, there wasn't really flow. And then you've got Brit no. having to do the stuff with Cassidy where he's doing the kicks to her. There yeah. Were, the problem with the match like this was that there there were like too many things that they were like, okay, this is a spot. Now this is going to be another spot. Now we're and because of the men and women in the intergender, but it, it wasn't a, a real intergender match. That every time they the men came in, the women came in, it would slow down. There wasn't very much flow to it. So yeah, I just I don't know. I didn't I didn't really love this all that much. Got to be honest. As uh. We moved along. We get Jericho, Santana, Ortiz backstage. Jericho's cutting a little bit of a promo. He's trying to get GFY over. He says, <laughs> you can GFY, you know. Um, so we're getting a little bit of a dissension between them as oh, Santana and Ortiz said that Kingston is right and that Jericho hasn't really ever had their back, that they've only had his. So maybe next week, maybe they'll focus on them. They There's... They're scheduled for a six man next week, right? Against 2.0. Is that yeah, Friday? Daniel Garcia. Yeah, yeah 2.0 no, that, and that's Daniel Garcia. Next yeah, Jericho, Santana, Ortiz, and something needs to happen there, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to get maybe Jericho turning heel 
or Kingston yeah. and them really turning on Jericho. Turning one on of them, Jericho and let Jericho be face. I, I, I'm okay with either one of them. Because it'd be kind of hard to to boo Jericho, older veteran I, Jericho, right now. Yeah, like especially the music been through with MJF. Yeah, I, people I want to cheer his song because I, I I almost said it a while ago. You know, you mentioned Kingston. Kingston's not on this show, so. This would be a perfect opportunity for Kingston to get involved next Wednesday, and they just turn on Jericho. Uh, hell, he can get can pissed and cut one of these really great, like, I had yeah. more people talking about me than anybody else. I was in the main yeah. event with Kenny Omega. I was in there, you know, and then what's going on? What's happening? I, he could have a really – he is – And they could win. Jericho, Santana, Ortiz could win, and, and it still happened. Completely yeah, I'm agree. Perfectly fine with that. Yeah, completely let, let, agree. Let, we, that's got to happen next Wednesday. I think Kingston has been people have been getting behind him as sort of a baby face, but he's best as a heel with oh, the promos that he can yeah. cut. His promos yeah, and the way he talks and everything—it's just so much better served as a heel. Punk just squashes <sighs> CM uh, Sean Spears. He goes right after him. <sighs> Punk reverses it. He hits the GTS. And that's, I mean, it. Boom. Seconds. I don't want to hear any more ever, especially after this match and after Adam Cole. Poor WWE. This guy or this gal needs to come to AEW because the way they've been treated after, after that, that's Sean Spears has got to get out of this and go to Impact or go do something. He can't be happy. There's no way. There's no way you can be happy with this. I wouldn't and, be. and what's really I don't care how much I was getting me neither. And what's really funny, and I don't care if I'm losing to because why why is this a squash? And then later, where again oh, I know where you're going with this. I love Frankie Kazarian. I think he is excellent, <laughs> right? I think he is an sure. excellent worker. I think if you put him in on any company anywhere around the world, he could be Solid. a tag team champ. Like an IC mid card level champ, I don't know if he could ever really be the main main champ guy, but I think he, I actually think he's underrated and he can be used more. But he's one of those guys that they always talk about: Frankie Kazarian, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, all these guys that are great, and then we don't see him, and then we don't see right. him, we and, don't see him at all. And you're you're building up Lance Archer for, for the title, and he goes and he goes and he goes ten nine minutes. or ten minutes, and then Sean Spears. That, that is a that, it doesn't make any sense people to me. People know this word, no. People in the uh, follow wrestling, no. You buried Sean Spears for good, and you that you that's hard to come back from, right there. And by trying to keep Kazarian strong, who is never on our TV, doesn't need to be right. Why? Why do you? That doesn't make any sense. All this did was make Spears look awful, and it made right. later it made. Archer not really look all that strong because he took that no. long to beat Kazarian and it doesn't do much for Kazarian and then it makes Paige kind of look worse because it just doesn't feel like this is a title feud like a main no, title right. feud it does it like on. this I, I didn't I didn't I thought both of these were backwards I thought not that yeah, Punk needed to agree. go long with Sean Spears but like a few minutes a couple minutes and some then offense, something right? where Sean's got a little bit going, but Punk outsmarts him, you know, and tricks sure. him and slips on a banana peel or Punk plays possum and, you know, rolls him up again like he was doing last week when Sean's celebrating early. Like, that's fine. But this just like that, I know, I think a lot of people last week were mad because Punk 
got crushed in that match. He like he literally looked <laughs> just got destroyed. And this was like, oh, we'll make him look strong. But you didn't even make we Punk you, look Punk. strong. He no, if you want no. if you want Punk to look strong, have him do 10 GTSs. Sure. Like, you know, and have him do them while he's watch looking at MJF the whole time. This one's for you. Two, three, four, just this is for you. And just and, and so where he gets disqualified. What, you what know? is he exa- like, what is this? I didn't, it was, it was, it rough. did nothing for nobody. Nothing. No. And we rough. got a, uh, th- this is another one that's hilarious. So <laughs> I actually, I actually thought this was kind of funny, like in a vacuum. I thought it's interesting and it makes a lot of sense, but it's hilarious that the uh, people are always leaving in WWE or going to AEW and maybe they're not even leaving WWE. Maybe they're going to AEW because they want to get more time. They want to get more freedom, creative control, all these things, but you got Christian and Billy Gunn and they're with each other here. <laughs> it's like, really? You, I, you can't tell me that if Christian was in WWE, he wouldn't have been doing more the last four or five months. Maybe the very right. beginning he had that little thing with Kenny and he got a title match. So maybe he doesn't get a main event match at a pay-per-view, but I don't even know. He might like, you're telling me that there this... couldn't have been a, like, we couldn't have got a, a, a Roman reigns versus Christian at one pay-per-view in when Roman and edge had a feud. Of course we could have like, yeah, this, absolutely. This, this, I, I, again, there was just the, the, Look, you made a good point with NXT. There was. I enjoyed the vignettes for NXT. I, at least they're rebranding and reintroducing us to people. What some of this has become, because we had, in the first hour, we had one, two, three, four, five, six, and including Moxley, seven promos, and really one match, because the Punk Spears match was not a match, and then... The other match was Cole and there were Baker 61 and... people on the show on this episode of AW Dynamite through was a lot. through vignettes, people in the background, um, new, new then, factions you introduced back to back to back to back promos, you know, promos here after the punk, uh, uh, Barry match over Sean Spears. <laughs> the one, one line, two, the, the, promos. the one line <clears throat> that I did think was funny when, uh, so it, we're, we're setting up Jurassic Express. Versus the gun club, you know, gun for a, a, a tag team match where they'll get a win. And and so Christian and Billy basically came up and said, hey, look, my boys are doing well. They won a title match. And Christian told him, yeah, I've seen them. They're talented. They're just like you. They're really talented. But he said, you, you can never win the big one, Billy, which I thought was was kind of good because <laughs> it was sort of a thing yeah, for Billy. They kept funny. They had the, he was the one Billy Christian gun. Is so and, underrated. Christian mm-hmm. is so underrated on the microphone. He is He's so good. He's, He's funny. Good. There's something yeah. like he, the way he well, says Captain things, charisma, right? it just kind of makes you, charisma? he's snarky, you know, and it just kind of makes you laugh a little bit. And the, you think you know me, you think you, like, in the back, I picture him and yeah. Edge with the goofy stuff on with the kazoos and with Angle back there. And the, yeah, remember the show they had on? Remember what was the show that they oh, had? Oh, on, on the network. It was good. On the network. With Dreamer. Really they'd get, they'd pull Dreamer on there a lot of time and mess with him. It was yeah. Edge and Christian's awesomeness or edge and christian's hour of yeah um i thought it was good me too it was it was a lot of fun so i just it made me chuckle hearing that but it's probably not what christian would have been expecting Um, (laughs) then then we get cody and he references cm punk's pipe bomb promo and i thought what are you doing what What are we doing here what okay 
what the hell was this? I don't Man, know. I don't know what I don't know what he was here. doing here because he first off he didn't come out and say like he should have that if if this was supposed to be like a his pipe bomb because he's got a contract coming up thing free agent thing that was not clear he didn't no, make that clear absolutely not nobody said that the announcers didn't say it we didn't hear a Cody Rhodes' contract is up next week. Cody is going to come and give us, talk and to us, and tell us. That's all we've been hearing about on all online the sheets for a week now. But they don't mention it on TV. So, no. Th- you cannot do this. And AEW does this. You cannot go out and cut promos and have segments on your TV and just assume that everybody knows what you're talking about. You can't do Correct. it. It It's Correct. too confusing. And you you can't assume people are watching Dark and Dine and. and in uh, elevation or even rampage you have to let us know what you're talking about he says this is a promo that they told me not to say i never but i never thought i would get the chance so i'm gonna do it now what is what does that Nothing. even mean like yeah and, and if if that's true somebody will if, if if that is true it's because somebody heard this promo and said don't cut that promo you're it's not it doesn't make sense you're all i don't even know what he was trying to do is he mad is he he so he kind of he said i can't everybody what did he say something i can't everybody wants me to turn heel mm-hmm. or something like that he made that reference he won't turn like, heel okay. because when he needed the fans they cheered him the most him right that's what it was okay he he said uh well that i would have turned heel right then right now i would have he, said you know what but I, uh, he said, Punk is enjoying the comeback of the decade, but in that void that Punk left, somebody did everything that Punk, Punk said, and that was me. He said, I did it all. He said, I, uh, people talk about the forbidden door. I opened the forbidden, I created the forbidden door. If you are a journalist and you disagree with what I say, then you're wrong. There are I rece- wanted to I wanted to add him, but me I too. didn't want to get And just say, I disagree with you. I disagree <laughs> with you. He said... He says, uh, you know, before there was a door, he built it. He said, I'm only gone for a few weeks. Okay, this – so this is the thing that I I have a problem with because okay. I don't like it. It doesn't do – he's in a feud with Sammy Guevara. What the hell Which does all, what? Punk have to do with this? What the hell do the Bucks – and Red Dragon have to do with it. What the hell does the Brody have to do with it? He mentions everybody. He barely mentions Sammy, who he's going to have a match right. with apparently next week for a unification, you know, the undisputed uh, champion. Why, right. why do you do this now? This is not the right time. I mean, I don't even know what he was doing. I'm, I'm still shocked by it no, i know it doesn't I, we all are it was bad it was a train wreck even the why you, fans were saying what what it led to was it was it was like choose your own adventure and he kept choosing the wrong adventure and it leads to a ladder match next wednesday cody versus sammy one's got an interim title the other one's got the title and let me give a quick shout out to Curtis Stratton, promoter of Hurricane Pro, Cheap Pop. He's got a big show this Saturday on Title Match Network. Ty Valkyrie returns. He said, didn't this happen at WrestleMania 10? Shawn Michaels, IC title versus Razor Ramon, IC title, two belts. He's right. We've already seen this before. 
What are we, we doing? We've seen it. We've seen uh, we we've seen Cody like dance around, like you said, and and not just just be. He doesn't know. Just this is just like he no, won't embrace really being odd. the heel. Th- then okay, he says the young bucks and Red Dragon are out here. They almost start the Wednesday night wars again, and Red <laughs> Dragon they just barely passed hip toss class. He doesn't need to see the Bucks defeat them again. Okay, you just buried that whole program. You buried it. You buried right. that I'm whole never... program. Both of those teams, I, your buddies. And I'll I'll give him some credit on saying that line. But if you're not going to mean it and not going to reference, my contract is up. This is if he wants to do all this, you say, you know what? You mentioned a pipe bomb. I'm gonna do my own pipe bomb. Okay. This if he were to say AEW's like there's no me, money, there's you, no money because you, they brought in all these you, other guys and Red Dragon, who are you, you and the Young you Bucks? Crap on everybody. This, that's but fine, but what did it, it was bad? This and was then bad. This was well, bad. He's crapping on the Young Bucks and Red Dragon. He actually puts over Jay Lethal. What the hell was this? He's like, who, who we Lethal. last saw teaming with Sammy Kiss. Who apparently now we hear maybe no longer with the company on Monday night, uh, AEW Dark. I don't this, know. This was bizarre. He puts over the lethal injection, and that's the one cutter people don't kick out of. What the, <laughs> what the hell? I don't so know. So you're man. Bla- I don't know. You blast punk, kind of, but you kind of give punk credit, but then credit. you take the credit back. Then you go after the Bucks, but then you say they're better than. Red Dragon, but the program is nobody cares. Nobody wants to see that happening. And then you go after this guy Brody, who's brand new, and you say you better. Right. And who's got a match later on in the night? And you mention it, and it's like it when you mention Brody and the fact that he's, you know, the guy Brody is is dead and he's gone. It's it's a weird, cringy thing to like. It is take his side and be like, yeah, I'm on the dead guy Brody's side, you know, and you can't. It's like it's a weird. That was weird. And yeah. man, then he, you know, the very end, he finally mentions Tony Contract sent a contract and uh, Tony Con. I said Tony Contract. Tony Contract. <laughs> That's funny. That's his name, gonna, right? Tony, Tony Contract. <laughs> Tony Con sent a contract in the mail, but maybe it wasn't the one he wanted. He says at Beach Break, two titles, one champion. What do you mean, Sammy? Like, if you want to cut all that, whatever <laughs> you were doing at the beginning, and then give me a couple minutes on Sammy at the end. I would have at least felt a little bit better of this. I forgot that he was involved with Sammy Guevara at all because he mentioned everybody else so much more than he even mentioned Sammy. This goes back, Gino, to him losing early on in the company history where he can no longer challenge for the AEW world title. It has been all downhill. He's been it was stupid. Crappy, it was a stupid he's move. Cra- it, he's been in crappy storylines. Um, it just doesn't work. Look, it's it, it's obvious. Anytime Brandy is on your TV, people hate it. She's great to look at. Uh, social media craps on her. Dude, embrace it. And we, we know your dad. We know it. We know it. But embrace it, dude. Be the this heel. Is, this, this is a show. Be a heel. This was, this was bad. This was really bad. This was not a good promo by Cody Rhodes at all. No. It was... It was brutal. It was, hey, and then you go right. Then, then Gino. Then you go right into Jade Cargill. Am I right? Yeah, and then and this was like, like the most quick little like basic 
thing yes. ever. It was backstage. It was, like they, it was getting rushed. It was it, like, oh, you're right. This right, was right, like, right, oh, like, hey, we we're, were supposed we're to have. Running, we're running out of time. We, we, look. You, 90 seconds. Now we've only got 40. Go. Literally, it was like, you're we're going right. to cut in half of what you have to right. say. It was like Anna Jay, they come to the back and she goes, Anna Jay is going to challenge for the TBS championship. Um, and Mark Sterling says that they're going to accept her challenge as um, Anna says that she's got a dark side and that she said she'll do whatever it takes to win. She wrapped barbed wire around her arm. And then all Jade just really says is that Anna needs to understand that this is that bitch show. Bitch show, TBS. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. So, so Friday night, Friday night, we've got a title match. Yeah, they're, they're trying to build up Friday night to be a big night there. Sure. Um, so we get the House of we Black. get a match. Yeah, finally get a match now. Brody King and Malachi Black versus Pillman and Griff and Griff Garrison. So the I like I have such conflicting feelings about this. As a powerhouse okay. tag team, these guys are badass, right? If sure. you don't have a better thing to do with them and putting them together and having Brody and Malachi just crush people and be this awesome tag team, they kind of there's this weird like brothers of destruction thing about them because they've got the, they've got the, like, uh, you know, Malachi has got the undertaker thing ish going there. There's, there's something. And then they got the tattoos. So then I'm, I'm thinking a little DOA, the disciples of apocalypse, (laughs) the the brothers, the Harris brothers a little, but there's like, they're badasses. I don't, it's kind of been weird because it like Malachi, he felt cold. Cody. He buried Cody. He didn't for a while. He was in kind of weird stuff. I don't, I think that they could use them better than they're using him here. If, if they, if that's what they're going to do though, and these guys are going to be a strong tag team moving forward, that's fine. But this is just another one where it was like, is this, he, is he in that much better of a place on the card here than he was in WWE? Well, you just put the tag titles on Jurassic Express who were in a backstage segment with, uh, Christian Cage, maybe I don't know if they were in it or not. I can't remember, but it was more like setting I, their their matchup moving forward. A yeah. matchup, right? Which is not this Friday, and uh, it's not next Wednesday. So the tag champions we haven't really seen since they've won the tag team titles. I'm not gonna hate on that because WWE can do the same thing, but WWE has done fantastic with their tag team champion, especially with the Usos. But yeah, I, I would think uh, if these guys aren't the tag champions anytime soon, I don't, I, I they, they're just kind of placeholders to put on a show. Yeah. You know? Um, And then we had the get a Pac video. We got a, we got a Pac oh, the, video. The Pac video, which it was, I'm, I'm not going to crap on it because I, I, I don't mind trying different things. I'm like the, we were talking about with Alexa, the the Undertaker was like the only one where the mystical stuff kind of worked for me, sure, and it was probably sure. because I was such a kid growing up that I believe like I I was all in. By the time I was twenty five, I'm like, oh yeah, this is the Undertaker. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm having fun with it. But when you see these things kind of start and Pox talking in weird, like speaking in tongues, almost like this was yeah, this was bizarre. <laughs> yeah. They'll they'll have a really good match if uh, and and any interaction between them I think will be excellent, but um. You know, it like you said, there ended up being so much promo talking segments, and we're on, not done. There's a on lot this show more that we got to get to. We've there get is to more. Why do we? And and I think they put themselves. They they kind of hurt themselves with 
they want everything to seem so real that they they've done this camera in the back gimmick now where they always yeah. have to find a way for it to seem like like why are we recording what's happening instead of just we've all watched wrestling we've all just are going to suspend our disbelief that when there's a segment backstage that we just sort of assume that there are cameras around filming them it's kind of goofy but that's it's like when when on a show when the main character breaks the fourth wall and they look and they talk sure. right to you like we know it's not real but we we suspend our disbelief and we get in, we get into it but i mean we're back there and it's like oh they have to go billy gunn's got to steal the camera in that segment and then they got a Rapongi vice has to steal the camera from brandon cutler i i did think that it was i did think that it was great that trent is like being nice to him and Romero keeps being a dick to him. And he's like, dude, just think they're really mean to, to Cutler. You know, we don't have to be that they way are. to him. And yeah. they are. Um, and I, I will even, I remember waking up and, and um, watching these shows at two in the morning in New Japan Wrestle Kingdom when the Bucks and Rapungi Vice were wrestling and had awesome matches. I don't, it'll be a good TV match. It's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't like move the needle or anything for me. You know, it's no. But just, they are they are, they are trying to load up on this show on Friday night. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. You know, it, 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 it's how you got Moxley, you've got the Young Bucks, uh, you Jeez. got Cargill and Jay. You're right. We you still have a lot match. to get through. It's funny we've been talking. It's like we we say so much, and I'm looking at the notes and where we are. There's still more. Like, we, still, we still have we still have Archer and, and Jake Roberts is back. So what? And Dan Lambert, they're all together. And Lambert, who <laughs> was getting crushed by Archer before, now Lambert right. is. Along with him, with Lambert yeah. cuts a promo after this. So Lance Archer gets the win. He It takes way too long for him to beat Kazarian. I mean, the work <laughs> is fine. Archer looks a little like he's not a guy who should be going more than three or four minutes until it's a right. big match with that person. Right. He should be squashing everyone along the way until he steps up and faces a top contender. And then they make him work a little bit because when he has to go 10 or 15, you see him starting to slow down a little and he just looks less impressive. So don't, don't put him in that spot. And Lambert comes out. He says that hangman page and his friends played video games. He said the page isn't prepared. I mean, he was going on about some just bizarre, like some of the things that Lambert was saying, which, which usually make me laugh. They were pretty bizarre and off. Yeah, I, I, he called. I can't remember exactly some of the wording, but it was, it was really funny. Um, but just like, like, it, it kind of in a weird way reminded me of some of the Cody stuff because it was like he was just throwing <laughs> every like negative thing, like you know you're not a cowboy or you're this or your video games or you're drinking your you know your you're eating your avocado toast. You know, it was kind of like that. He was like ripping on this gener <laughs> this like new age, and um, right. It, it did make me laugh at one point throughout the night. Hangman Page said, yes, I don't actually go back and round up cattle or, you know, or something like that. He was like, <laughs> I don't think Bob Orton was coming back from the road and like actually rounding no. up cattle. Brand, yeah, he wasn't branding. Remember the brand, the branding iron? Yeah. You know, he was not out there branding cattle. That was funny. But dude, this doesn't. This feels like it is like a um, TBS title. Yeah, you know? it does. Just it does. Doesn't feel like it's a main event. And Paige, yeah, he didn't. I think this show was hurt a little bit by, you know, you start thinking 
no Brian Danielson. Moxley was there, which was nice. But, you know, you have Paige come out for a little bit here. It felt like there was a little maybe star power lacking, I thought, on, on this yeah. show. Um, and then we go backstage, Just- and it's Dante Martin <laughs> now. And Don- and Matt Seidel's watching his back. And then so Lee Moriarty is watching his back, too. But but hold Ricky, up, <laughs> Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks actually makes a call. He's like, "How many brothers do you have, man?" He says to him, "Like, how many people do you have watching your back?" Look, man, I, I am a massive Ricky Starks fan. I have seen this kid work so many shows in Texas. He is fantastic. He just has not. AEW has just not been a good fit for him because he is so funny and so good in the ring. And I know he's been banged up, but I look. As much as I hate on AEW, I love me some Ricky Starks. I could see, I like, he is someone I could I just totally did. see WWE making a huge offer for. Yeah, I, ju- I, di- yeah, I did not like him getting put with the, the Taz. No, because uh, he doesn't need, he doesn't like, need a like talker. Him and Hobbs are to get, yeah, no, no, because the dude can talk. He's, he's funny really in, he entertaining. Real life. He's yeah, really he's, entertaining. He's just like a if quick. You follow him on social media before he signed with AEW. He would make these old '80s Drakkar, Polo Cologne type promo videos for booking Ricky Starks and get your indie promotion that were fabulous. And I thought, okay, he's going to be a star in AEW, and he hasn't. He hasn't been a star in AEW, and I love me some Ricky Starks. I could see him being one that would that could just be a monster star yes, if he comes over I to WWE too. too. I, I do too. Because he, he can too. talk. He can talk. And he could be someone out there cutting. Like, I can see him right now cutting the opening Raw promo in Absolutely. the ring. Absolutely. In the ring. Absolutely. What's going on, uh, Charlotte? Wherever we are, you know, just talking either as a babyface or as a heel. Trash talking the crowd. Sure. You know, he could be great. Like, uh, he would be a great guy to have as like with a bigger guy, but he can also be the wrestler sort of like what we just saw have with Omos. Like if he had a diesel kind of guy with him, like he does with Hobbs, right. but, but right. he can go too. So yeah, we're very high on Starks. We got Layla Hirsch confronts Chris Statlander for costing the them red velvet. thousands. Well, I don't know what the hell this was about. Red velvet's in there. Ah, yeah, I don't, I mean, this was... And now you have Layla Hirsch versus Red Velvet next Wednesday. On Dynamite, which... That doesn't feel like a Dynamite match. And Um, I know they're high on Layla Hirsch. And look, I have no problem with her. She's got the Ivy Nile, you know. I'd like to see them two go at it, you know. She does, but Red Velvet is constantly botching matches. And I just don't know if this is going to go over well. But again, we had another promo, which led to a women's squash match. And you know what? That's I'm they, fine with that. Serena Deeb is sure. someone they've been building, you know, so she at least looks like they've they've been consistent getting behind her. She's got talent. She's been, you know, in in many companies through the years and she's a really good vet. So she gets a, an easy win over Sky Blue and yeah, I mean, I like I I will uh credit with what they've been doing with Serena Deeb. She feels a lot more important and she's starting to feel like a legitimate contender in the women's division for yes. one of the belt yeah. one of the belts you know maybe because yeah, we see her all the time now she's mm-hmm. she's getting most of the women's matches on television and she's good she is take brit out of the equation she's the next best overall woman and everything in Probably. ring in Probably ring so. and yeah. and on the mic 
Because she just yeah, she's like a veteran who's not. You're not going to see her having those horrible botches in her matches no. like you will with some of the other younger girls that maybe they try to do things. She's smarter. I she's, think she is. And I think she has said recently over the last couple of weeks that she is trying to take over that backstage role to help a lot of these young girls that are on a dark, a dark elevation. And that, I have no problem with that. She could use, yeah, they could use that. That's good for her. Um, yeah. Ma, uh, we got Ethan page just telling Moxley that he's up to the task. It just, this feels Weird in that again, he's like, yeah. I'm winning all these matches on dark. We never see and you now- winning. <laughs> and and he he's like oh, Scorpio. Don't be so <laughs> don't don't be thrown off by the five hundred dollar glasses. And then you've got Lambert who's kind of just nodding his head. It's like Lambert would hate these guys. Yeah. Lambert hates yeah. these type of guys that are like wearing fancy yeah, just shirts. Said that you're eating, yeah, you're just you're eating avocado toast. This is literally that, the type of person that he's talking about. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. So, and like we saw, Ethan Page doesn't need someone to talk for him. No, he, he can does talk not. fine. And Scorpio Sky doesn't even really need someone to talk for him. He was talking fine when they were giving him opportunities. Sure. Uh, um. Yeah, that's again how many people that we go through, and it feels like. I will never um, – I don't know, like I said, what's going on behind closed doors. I never know what's going on in someone's head, what they're feeling, what they want, what their motivations are. I only know that we hear people say they leave WWE a lot of the time because they're not getting pushed the way that they should. They're not getting presented like the star that they should. They're not getting as much TV time as they should. Why aren't they getting used the right way? And I look around and I see a lot of people that I don't know if they're being used the right way. And everybody seems sort of happy right now for the moment. But then we we heard Big Swole a little bit. When Leo Rush came to defend her, where's he been since? <laughs> Anytime Tony Khan tweets, the first response is, apologize to Swole now. Yeah, it always no, is. No, now you're right. And people are like, where's Leo? You know, I always see a few of them. They're like, where's Leo yeah. at? And yeah. um he did. I think he had some some stuff in in New Japan for a little bit. So it, it honestly could have been some like scheduling that he was sure. he was not around. But it is sort of a funny coincidence that right after that we haven't seen him pop up. <laughs> um, Sammy is on vacation with the cards. He doesn't talk, but the writing explains that he accepts Cody's challenge for the ladder match. This guy's turned heel on on uh, social media though. Jesus, uh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, good man Lord. and. Coop, I have no problem with what anybody does in their personal life. You want to do what you want to do, that's fine. When you bring your personal life into the TV and onto the screen with everybody else, you make everybody a part of it, and then right. you end up leaving your <laughs> long-term girlfriend that is now your fiance. That Who you're you going to get married to, to TV show, right? you propose to on TV as like a total babyface thing. This was right after right. they were trying to make him be like the babyface guy, you know. And I, I and, think it was in Houston. I think mm-hmm. it was in Houston at the Fertitta Center. It was that AEW show. And <laughs> right after we hear all these rumors that something's going on with him and Ty, and sh- they would deny <laughs> it. Online, everybody's saying that you know they would post pictures where you could tell there was something going on. We're not, I'm not stupid. We're not stupid. When you right. see guys and girls with each other, we can tell like, oh, there's something going on there. And didn't he take a picture and somebody say, "Where's Ty?" Well, who do you think he said? Who do you think's taking the picture, dummy? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. oh my god, yeah, oh brother, yeah. And 
He's now immediately they, you know, she had deactivated her account for a few days because everybody was giving her crap. And then she kind of went the other way and she said, I don't care. I'm going to do what what makes us happy. We are in love and we are best friends and this and that. And that's fine. I just don't think she understands how poorly it comes off um, on all of them. You know, it just, it really does look bad for all of them. And then don't go post it. Like, don't go rub it in everybody's faces. <laughs> don't go rub it in like his ex or whoever's faces online on social media. I know you guys are happy and you're in love and we see this coop. I'm sure you, it's happened to you. It's happened to me. I've seen it with my friends all the time. People start dating. They get really into each other. It goes real quick. They're spending every moment together doing everything. And you just get a little bit worried that it's moving a little too fast. Cause then when it crashes, oh, yeah. it's going to be hard. And I mean, I'm Jump not going right to be surprised. I'm not going to be surprised if we find out in a few months that they're engaged and they want to oh, get, he's in Brazil with yes. her family right now. He's literally like in Brazil right. with her family, doing all these family stuff and post. It's like, yeah. dude, you just had a fiance months ago, <laughs> like literally months ago. This doesn't seem weird to you that you're like, so out in the open about it now. And then you've got you've got the marks. Well, look who he upgraded with, and that's even worse. It's like what? Are Honestly, we doing? it's way worse. It's way worse because it's like <laughs> how well doing? do you? And and I think Ty, she comes off. I don't know her. We don't know her. She comes yeah, off yeah, like she either. is the sweetest person in the world, right? She comes off right. very genuine, very nice. I'm so happy. I'm so this. Everyone that talks about her talks about how nice and sweet she is, but it doesn't really matter. Man, it doesn't matter no. like how nice and how sweet and how all of that looks. You one, you don't really know this girl. This is someone who you've known for how long? A couple years max versus a person that was with you when you were nothing, when you were right. struggling. That person was Working there with you. Texas house shows and driving to the indie yeah. events. She was she was selling your t-shirts and stickers. Your she was sewing you up. At, at afterwards, <laughs> she, you would come home, yeah. bust it open, and who would be the one that have to deal with it? That that girl. And now, I don't know. It just it really rubs me the wrong way now. And so, like every time I see him on, Listen I'm like, to this promo you're cutting, Gino, right? I looks like, <laughs> I'm, because dude, here's the thing: I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. None of us are. We've all made mistakes. Just don't embarrass someone like that. That was yeah, someone that I like agree. you. Don't embarrass them. If you want to end it with them, end it. We're going to break up. We're going to go do our thing. And then, Man, hey, this, like, this, this, give me six months where business. I'm not. Yeah, like six months and I'll wait. And then we'll start talking about how I'm going out with someone else now. But you jump immediately from ending things and then you're all in with this other person. It There's no way that you weren't doing some shady stuff before when you were with them. There's no way that you it just <laughs> Dude, ended. There, 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 there are few and far between uh, wrestling uh, whether it's your lowest independent, whether it's, uh, it's a training school and they start dating each other up to WWE, there are very few fairy tales like Miz and Maurice. You know, there just are. Mm -hmm. You know, there just are. And they, I, I'm with you. you. Keep it private. Um, you know, if you're going to do it, I, you know, Sammy needs to turn full hill with her. But hell, she's never seen anymore unless you watch YouTube on Mondays and Tuesdays. You know, so yeah. I'm with you. But yep. you know what? We had a hook vignette. Hooks has a match Friday night on TBS. Hey, Hook, you know, Hook, he was missing for a little while. Hook was hot and uh, he's got hot. the look. The, this little package was kind of funny, though. I, I thought it was pretty it was, well done. It, it was. And they, it was. he does look like a star there. 
Um, we, oh my God, this next one was Matt Hardy this was- <laughs> has sold Andrade 51% of the HFO. Andrade is now the president. Matt says they will be the AFHO moving forward. Andrade says Darby is someone they want in the group. Um, wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Was this just a lot happening? (laughs) And wow. Um, this is so confusing. And I, I mean, I don't know. Do I want to see Andrade and Darby work a match? Sure. But what? What? How, just, why what? does Andrade get with these guys with the Hardy? It doesn't. I, I hear that we're getting a tag team match on the Indies with the Hardy brothers. That they're going to be reuniting, okay. and so maybe we get okay. some weird way where Jeff shows back up in <laughs> AEW. But I am, I have no idea what's going on here with this. This is just yeah, was, way yeah. brutal. As um, we did get to the main event was the acclaimed versus Darby and Sting. I. The they did a little vignette video um where Darby and uh, where uh, they acclaimed were dressed up like Darby and Sting and they was running riding around <laughs> on a scooter and it, it was kind of stupid but there were a couple funny moments in it I thought I, I sort of liked the uh, the effort there and the acclaimed is pretty over they they were really yeah, they over here yeah. and they're getting more and more over now too they're both really really young um basically what ends up hop- happening is like. You know, it's mainly Sting for a lot of this match. As um, then, then we get, you know, Darby tags in, coffin drop, take about both guys, and then we're back in the ring. We get a code red and a couple coffin splashes. Sting ends up with the huge, huge <laughs> leaping like through the table that looked horrible, which I mean, it's impressive that sting can do that at that age and that he still tried it. Right. It didn't look, it didn't look great, but it was like a, it did kind of pop me for a minute. Like, Oh my God, sting did that. I can't believe it. Watching it over and over. It wasn't (laughs) great, but um, they end up getting the win here, Darby and sting. uh, So they close things out and they win the, uh, the main event there. So I'm, I didn't think this was a very, I thought the, the first 15 minutes were awesome promo and then about afterwards you could pretty much turn it off because there i didn't think there was really uh, the mjf punk stuff is fine um there were a couple other things here and there but for the most part not a lot of like right stuff to write home about no no and and again their next pay-per-view is not until march so they're having to build these shows up every week and they you know your main gripe and uh, has has been they throw a lot at you, and man, are they sh- they sure are throwing a lot at us for one show, and it just to me, I just don't think they have used this Friday night extra hour as good as what it can be. Now, I think this Friday they're going all out, but the problem is, aren't these matches most of them taped? So we we already really know. Who's won these matches? Yeah, people are going to tune in to see Moxley wrestle for the first time in a long time. Uh, the Young Bucks, you know, I, I just, it is what it is, man. The newness is worn off. Uh, their crowds are not as bigger in-house as it has been. That could be having a lot to do with, with COVID surges again and where they go. But uh, 
uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do in March and beyond. Um, everybody tries to load up on WrestleMania weekend. Um, AEW, I'm sure, will do something around there. I mean, of course, they'll have a Friday night show. I don't know where they'll be. Will they be live? But you better believe they'll pull out all stops. But they've, they've got some work to do. I think they've dug themselves in a little hole again uh, with some of these champions and what they're going to do. And they have some good things working. I think, like it's, like you said, I, I think uh, I think Santana, Ortiz, Kingston, turn on Jericho. We, we see Jericho go 100% full face here. They have some things they can do good, but I think they've dug themselves in a little hole again. I don't care if they're at 900 or a million or not. Uh, there's a lot of room for improvement. Koopa Loop, this was uh, one of our lengthy editions of this week in wrestling. Thank you so much, buddy. As I said, we had some uh, technical it, difficulties and we had to adjust and, uh, and shift around a little bit, but there's a lot to discuss on the road to the Rumble. So next week, if you're up for it, maybe we even do, and we'll figure it out, um, maybe we even do like a preview show or something on uh, on on a live stream video and we can bring in a couple other and we can kind of go through everyone who's announced for the rumble maybe we'll do something a little extra yeah, next week let's i'll break get it down I'll, we'll, we'll get into the odds yeah, yeah well you can look That's at everyone fun. and talk about you know could they win yes no uh, hell no or if they did what would it look like so yeah maybe we'll do a little extra stuff for the rumble next week Make sure to give us both a follow. Give him a follow at the Chad Cooper for a great information, incredible photography stuff. You get to follow along when Chad's doing some events and see all the cool people he gets to interact with. The, a lot of wrestling stuff out there too. Koopa Loop, my man. Thank you so much, buddy. And uh, always appreciate it. And yeah, we went well over two hours this time. This is a lot to talk about <laughs> in wrestling. I love you, brother. Thanks so much. You got it, man. We'll talk next week. Do not go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more to discuss on That's What G Said. Yeah.